and welcome to Metrospective, the mecha podcast where we cover everything from Astro Boy to Magazine Z. I'm Tooch, we're coming in hot! I'm Devin, and this is a different Z. This is this is not a Z, it is in fact a Greek Z. Yeah? It's it's a Greek Z, it's Zeta. It's, it's, we're, we're, so, uh, you might be confused, because we promised Ghost in the Shell. Well, we're sorry, things don't work out the way we plan. Oh yeah, I completely forgot we didn't tell anybody that. <laughs> no, we're just doing it. Um... <laughs> Uh, well, if, if you don't know who we are and what we what we stand for, Zeta Gundam is pretty much my politics right now. Um, uh, this is this is my first time. I mean, well, no, this is this, well, this okay. This is my first time watching it. Where for whatever reason, I actually retained it this time. I got, I think I got like twenty something episodes in last time. I tried to watch it a few years ago, but yes, the more you, I watch I remember this, you the more I'm like, got, hmm. You at least got to lead to the Aldoomla stuff, yeah, which is the I, arc where we that this leaves off on. Like the 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 last place I remember things being, and I guess this is a touchstone for for what d- did leave a lasting impression was like, I mean we're we're not gonna get into it in this episode, but uh fucking Amaro's fucking weird romantic arc question mark. Yeah, well that's that's more for part two because today. Yeah, was... but that's the last thing I remember, and then I fell off watching it. Mm, are they related? We'll find out. <laughs> Uh, Amaro's disappointing heterosexuality, or his his disappointing attempt at heterosexuality. Charges and shaking his head in shame in the distance, like, oh, you're fucking up. So, uh, this is Metrospective, if you're not familiar, I'm just gonna, we're just gonna have blank, gonna put down the blanket right here, we're gonna sit down and have our podcast, but I'm gonna lay down some, some law. Uh, total spoilers spoilers for pretty much everything else Gundam we've covered for so far. Uh, we have, um... We believe we believe in fucking when you show up to a lecture, you did the reading. All right. Yeah. Um, so today <laughs> well, this we is expect, a book club. We expect you to have at least, at least seen the the Gundam 0079 original series or the movies. Or uh, if you are legitimately, I mean, because I'm this way about some things. If you legitimately are confident that it's like, I mean, you can tell me shit that happens, and if it sounds cool, I'll still watch it and like it. Cool, good, but you kn- know yourself. Know that yeah. about yourself. Know that what know whether or not that's true. We're we're gonna touch on the stuff. We're probably gonna talk about Stardust Memory a bit in this specific episode because today we're discussing the first fourteen episodes of Zeta. You watched the, the, up to fifteen. Oh fuck! I forgot. I wasn't. I thought it was up to fifteen. It, we were, we were doing fourteen. Oh well. So yeah. You just have one episode head start on next week then. <laughs> Great. I love doing my homework early so I can play video games all all, all weekend. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna try to refrain from spoiling anything from Votoms or Ideon too much, but it's hard for us not to talk about Votoms. Yeah, we don't, we don't spoil, we try our best to not spoil shit about shit we haven't, about about stuff this episode isn't about. Well, I guess we don't. (laughs) We try. I mean, I, I sometimes if we go too spoil- Yeah, well, I mean, when we, I mean, I try in editing. Oh, I didn't know that. Now I feel like an asshole. <laughs> well, sometimes I bleep things, and then sometimes I'll, uh, sometimes I bleep oh, things, and sometimes okay. I just cut out pieces when we get too into, like, just discussing Votoms and Votoms' ending. I, God, I didn't know you did that. That makes this a yeah, whole different podcast. That's fun. This is like <laughs> an, it's like an ARG, but for, like, a mecha watch list. <laughs> well, right now, if you are curious about Gundam, and you've heard that Zeta's the best one, that you've heard correctly, but don't start here. Uh, at the very least, listen to our very first episode on the Gundam 0079 trilogy if you don't want to watch those movies, or at least just watch those movies and you can jump straight into Zeta. Just ignore the fact that at that point I was a cis man. Don't worry about it. It was yeah. a lie. 
I'm still a cis man, so don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> we're both, but also we're both just very, we're both just people who have grown a great deal, also, that I was, should say, regardless of our gender situation. That was legit, like, five years ago. <laughs> Good lord, they're dead. They're dead, it's fine. They died yeah, in the moon wars. those people don't exist. Those, those people, those people died in the moon wars. We're like... Yeah. Plot, twi- plot twist, we're not the same ones, obviously. Everyone should we're, have seen that coming We're the life. ultimate comics version of Tooch and Devin. <laughs> this, is, this is the edgy one, where we all have, like, we all have come to terms with our severe mental health problems, but we're written by somebody who isn't Mark Millar. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. This A on my head does stand for France. <laughs> this A on my stands, head stands for AUG. <laughs> Great segue! So, uh, before we get into our typical talk about uh, in episode format, um, I'm going to just catch everybody up on things that have happened since the one-year war, and a little bit of... I'm going to recap Gundam up to yes. so far, very briefly. So, mm-hmm. I usually say in the year 2100, but it's vague what year the Universal the AD calendar ends and Universal Century starts, and I kind of like that. Oh yeah, because it's always the future. It's Yes, the Universal Century is the future. Where uh, Earth is now under a single government called the Earth Federation. It, it we we cut to about seventy or so year, uh, sixty or so years after uh, Earth became too overpopulated. There was resource, you know, problems, overpopulation. People moved into space in these giant orbital space colonies. Mm-hmm. In um, at the different Lagrange points, which are sustainable, which are like sustained orbital, like small micro orbits within Earth's own orbit. Mm-hmm. At each one, they may have a different colony cluster, starting with six of them. Sides one through six. Side three is the furthest away behind the moon. Like, it's the furthest away from Earth. The moon is also... There's, there's big cities on the moon. Anaheim, Granada, um, Von Braun. Tons of cities on the moon that are almost pretty much autonomous. Uh, so then there's... so. Coming with that, there are space noids and earth noids, people who live in space and earth respectively, and space noids are treated by earth noids as second-class citizens of the Federation. Treated like dirt. The people who were too poor to stay on earth, so they had to leave. Ha 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 ha. So, <laughs> after years of, uh, of discrimination and hard times for first, gener- first and second generation space colonists, we, co- we were about, you see, late, I'd say we're in like the late 0060s. Uh, this is all covered in Gundam The Origin, where there was a, essentially a Marx-esque style philosopher who was like, hey, maybe space noids should govern space noids and Earth should govern Earth. And the Earth Federation didn't like that. It turned into a pretty, you know, chaotic revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zeon Daikun, this, this philosopher, was known for his new type theory that people born in space will start exhibiting new, you know, extrasensory abilities similar to psychic powers. Uh, but a little less overt, more more empathetic abilities. Uh, yeah, basically like, basically like Tomino looked at that Onion article that said headline that says, "I don't know how else to tell you. You have to start caring about people," and said, "I have a way." Uh, actually, now that hold on, I just played myself. The sad part, not an Onion article, a real article. Oh no. Uh, yeah, that was a rough one. More people should read it. Zeon Daikun, in the middle of a speech, essentially about to secede from the Earth Federation, dies of cardiac arrest, which is very, which is actually poison administered allegedly by his second, his right hand man, the slug-like Degwin Zabi. And Degwin and his children take over the Principality of Munzo, which was renamed the Principality of Zeon right then. 
and Daikun's children were then, you know, disappeared. No one, no, nobody quite knows what happened to their to the children of, of uh, the Daikuns. So by double after a decade of increasing tensions between the Federation and Zeon, culminating in, in January of 0079, uh, the One Year War breaks out. The Federation Zeon uh, essentially declares war on the Federation, and then within ten minutes are invading sides one, two, three, and four. Well, they're side three, so invading side one, two, four, and five. And that is where the show technically starts there's an immediate time skip but it, like the very first shot of of gundam 0079 the original series that started this whole franchise is the is the first thing that kicks off the, is the start of the one year war the the event that kicks it off side two is nearly complete is mostly destroyed side four and side four as we see in thunderbolt is pretty much it's pretty much destroyed because uh, side four is more where that where December Sky takes place in and the fir- front part of that manga before it goes after the one year war. Side six is where 0080 War in the Pocket took place, and side six took heavy damage, but was probably the one that was least hurt. And then there was a uh, side five is Loom, which was completely destroyed. Because each side is not just a single colony; it's like a large cluster of like hundreds of colonies. That are all. If you look up the O'Neill cylinder, they all look like that because it's based on real feasible science. Just yeah, that hundreds. No one has... Like I, I don't know if it's hundreds, maybe like thirty or forty per cluster. That's still so much when you think about like the the fucking resources. Like I, the, hey, don't even get us started on Jupiter. We're not even there yet. We're not even there yet. <laughs> well, Jupiter actually plays a part in Zeta. In Zeta, yeah, yeah. At the, at the very tail end of this batch of episodes. Yeah, that it. So. The one year, so essentially, the reason Zeon is able to kick so much ass and wipe the floor at the Federation for, for pretty much the first nine months of the war, up until we hit September, is they have mobile suits. They have giant robots that are able to fight in three D space because of something called Minovsky particles, which are the they're kind of the Deus Ex Machina science explanation for how everything works. They're anti gravity particles that are mined in Jupiter, in yeah, Jupiter's they, atmosphere. They they kill they and they kill all like radar so that long-range warfare is basically nullified. Um, Zeon comes up the mobile suits, too. Zeon comes up the mobile suits, but, but, like, mobile suit warfare becomes normalized because of that, like, we have to fight fire with fire, because we also need a way to do close-quarters combat with them so that so that the Nazi particles don't fuck with us, so that they become, you know, ops- like, like, you know, it's, it's, it's like a fucking nuclear stalemate, almost, right? It's, it's like, the Monofsky particles are the only thing keeping anybody from just like nuking each other from orbit pretty much i mean the but that still thing happens orbit, but in different ways yeah the closest thing nuking from orbit is what zeon does just dropping colonies straight on the earth which they successfully do once sort of because they are attempting to drop it on uh on essentially what is the amazon rainforest where you know they, that's where jaburo is the federation secret base that's really fucked up they put that base there what the fuck were they thinking because it's hard to attack i guess and uh, it's hard to attack, and who would want to? Who could? Who want? Who would be able to bring an army through the Amazon rainforest? Someone above it. <laughs> and so, uh, with that, the Federation's last hope is their own prototype mobile suit, the Gundam, which is built by the main character of the original show, Amuro's dad, uh, over at Side Seven, which only has a single colony in 0079. Side Seven is attacked by Char, and. Uh, who's everyone's favorite character, everyone's favorite red man. Uh, so, pretty much the survivors of Side 7 all... The the very few survivors of Side 7, the single colony of Side 7, all end up uh, 
aboard the prototype mobile ship, mobile suit cruiser, uh, well, mobile suit carrier, the White Base. Mm-hmm. And 0079 follows essentially the last five months of the war, four months of the war, from the point of view of refugees and child soldiers aboard the, the yeah. aboard the White Base. It is very much framed as like. Oh fuck! Like, ah oh, man, you gotta hop aboard this this war boat. It's the only way. Well, while you're here, like, <laughs> Amuro so- kind of Amuro slowly finds himself becoming like a little more bought into the war. Bright just Tor- sort of like nudged everyone into Federation uniforms because it's like, well, you're here. You guys want to? You guys don't just want to stand around. We gotta do something, right? Hey, look, those people are hurt. We gotta help. And it's like, boom, they're in the fucking Federation now. And it's like, hey, hey, man. <laughs> Welcome to the war. I didn't sign up for this, but here I am. Uh, 0079 is 100% worth watching. If you are going to watch one Gundam thing, at least watch the movies, at the very least. That's 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 core Gundam right there. Gundam, like, I'll say this, like, again, like, okay, for... The show is also mandatory, but if you're going to watch only one thing, those three movies, the trilogy. It is, like, it is, without a doubt, a, a real, like, a real robot a- a- anime for people who have that distinction, but there's plenty of people who don't have that distinction, just sort of lump robots all together. Yeah, this is in terms of like like in terms of somebody who's like, oh, what like isn't fucking Mecha just like like super monster fight kaiju shit and dumb and like dumb good versus evil like nonsense? And it's like you make me cry, but I get it. Listen, this um, is the exact show that that this is the show that changed that this is the show that well not changed it but like this is the show that that came up with a second option. Tomino had been working on those types of like Bing Bang Boom monster fight or other robot fight shows and subverting them slightly with stuff like zambot yeah he so he he was from the jump really pushing as much as he could to like put some more thought into the narrative and he finally got to shoot his shot with gundam yeah definitely um so like if you're concerned that there's not a narrative like no don't worry they found a way to sell toys but still tell a story so on the other side of the war as the federate as uh the white base makes its way all the way to Jaburo, fighting off, in, fighting against insurmountable odds. The Federation slowly starts reaching because at this point, Zeon has already pretty much conquered the Earth. The Federation are fighting a, a losing battle, mm-hmm. but the Gundam and the new Federation mobile suits that come out towards the second half of the war start really turning the tide. On top of that, you have Char, who secretly is the son of Zeon Daikun. His sister is, a, is another refugee aboard the, aboard the white base. Uh, who are, have been estranged since her childhood and his adolescence, uh, has yeah, sworn yeah, revenge yeah. on the Zabi family and has killed one of them. And uh, lots of inner strife among the Zabi family, like Cassilia and Girin, pretty much were just plotting to murder each other. Are we counting? Was that, was that one? No, wait, he didn't kill that one. I, my brain, I didn't know which one you were talking about. Uh, uh, and then Girin's um, the widow's peak. Dazzle's the big. No, no, yeah, no, 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 totally. But I mean, in terms of the one he killed, um, he kills first. Garma. Yeah, I didn't know we were already at that point. Um, yeah, he kills Garma, and the and which causes Degwin to um, essentially lose faith, to essentially lose the will to live and subvert and give all command of Zeon to his oldest son Girin, who is essentially space Hitler. Yeah, very, very, very immediate fascist. Like his family, like the way I always interpreted the the Zabi family under Degwin's under Degwin's rule was very much like uh, organized crime very much like you know we'll murder someone to get our way but this is like a this is like a business uh I I also think that Degwin 
legitimately cared about sp- about space noids, and Garen just didn't. Garen just wanted to conquer the, the Earth. Yeah. I think that was the main difference, where, like, I feel that's the reason that Degwin Zabi killed Zeon Daikun, is that Zeon Daikun wanted to do this, like, peacefully, whereas Zabi was just like, that's not gonna work. It's very much a Professor X Magneto type thing. Exactly, and so... Degwin assassinate Degwin killed Daikun, blamed it on the Federation, getting everybody. Essentially, imagine how mad the people of India would have been if the British just straight up murdered Gandhi. Yeah. So I'm sure they using using that using that anger. He then you know mobilized the entire population of Side Three to be you know pro Zeon, and even a lot of space noise as we see in the in Origin, like the real Char Asnable. Yeah, like, uh, and, you know, for anybody, like, confused due to discrepancies in Origin, like, yes, technically, technically Origin is an AU, because it's based off a manga that is essentially a remake of the series. So, like, but, honestly, like, 90% of that shit, you can just fill in the blanks, and the only shit that doesn't add up is, like, minutia that you have to be, like, Devin to notice. Yeah, we'll get into that with one thing later. That I'm we also come, we also did an episode on origin. If you want to watch that first, I think that's that. I think I've come around on accepting it as just that's just going to be an entry point people are going to want. That's fine, but just know going into it, the last the last episode of that is basically a giant like they're just winking and nudging you, going like, "Hey, do you remember these guys from 0079? Look at look at them. They're slightly younger." And Part it's of like, me it feels that like. You, you won't know if you start there's a there. risk of you being alienated where you're like why the fuck should i care about this rambaral dude why, why does he matter at all like because i mean i feel like i, I do feel like i feel like rambaral i feel like rambaral establishes himself i feel like if you have yeah. no idea but but it's mostly the amaro stuff at the end because they are truly teenagers who are doing nothing and and somebody who doesn't even somebody might not even know they're supposed to be the protagonists in the next show they might just be like who the fuck are these kids why do i care where's char if if you're <laughs> gonna watch origin you have to promise me you're gonna watch 0079 right afterwards like, like you have like, to promise you have to look me in the eyes and promise me like if you're not gonna watch like if you're binge like if you're binging it but you don't have time to start the first movie after the last episode save the last episode for before you watch the first movie on a different day so um with with garma dead and z and essentially zeon throwing their best guys on earth at the white base and dying they kind of lose control over the earth they're pushed back into space and the decisive battle is the battle of solomon which is uh, a big asteroid space base this is where um this is pretty much the big decisive federation victor this is a big costly federation victory mm-hmm. and a big costly defeat for zeon so at this battle two major things happen Big Zam shows up, which is I know big for you. Yeah. Uh, the pilot of Big Zam, being Dazzle Zabi, dies. He's the he was the commander of the space forces, uh, whereas Garm was commander of the Earth forces. Uh, Dazzle dies, and many Zeon like uh, the the Zeon nobility because Zeon Zeon has a very like aris like it's a, essentially an aristocracy. Yeah, yeah. It's it really is like it's an Italian mobster aristocracy, and honestly, that whips ass, and I kind of want to do something with that aesthetic in something that I make now that I've said that Good. out loud. It's great. It, it, that sounds kind of like what gun, what fucking Final Fantasy fifteen was trying to do earlier and earlier on. God, you're right. That game and was so, supposed to be good. Why can't everything be good? Oh, well. At least the characters are good. At least PS3 players finally got nuclear disarmament in, in Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, that's that was, that was big. And then, and then three seconds after that cutscene, everybody nuked each other. Uh, anyway. <laughs> it's just like real life. Yeah. 
<laughs> so um what happens then is that a lot of Xeon nobles are like, okay, we gotta, we gotta, we're not gonna win this. We gotta dip. And it, we gotta dip. So, a lo- including uh, the only heir of the zombie family, because, because you know, Dazzle dies. His wife Zena and her young daughter Mineva are two of the passengers aboard a shuttle going to pretty much the, a little bit past Mars to this giant asteroid called Axis, which is owned by, which is a stop. Essentially, that's like a midway point between the Jupiter Energy Fleet and Xeon. Yes. So a lot of people ran away to Axis. So if they ever talk about Axis and Zeon, that's what they're talking about. Uh, following the Battle of Solomon is the cl- final battle of the war, taking place pretty much on Christmas, or li- like on the 30th of December. Um, the Battle of Aboaku, which is a gigantic space base that's essentially the only thing preventing the Federation from getting to Side 3. And just starting... So that at that point, they can just start taking pot shots at Zeon colonies. Tar and Amuro have their big climactic battle... Uh, over Lala, their mutual sort of psychic love. Um, Sailor reunites with Char, and uh, Char remembers his mission to kill the Zabi family. He kills Cassilia, but not before she kills her own brother and tries to dip to, to Axis as well. Uh, Char dips to Axis in her place, no one really knowing that he's kind of the reason they lost the war. <laughs> yeah, uh... There's a reason that Char is the only character you've probably you'll probably recognize if you've never watched this show. He's 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 a he's a breakout. He is a trope. Char's the best character in all of fiction. He invented his own trope. He is the trope setter. Char is just the best. There's a reason he's such. He's like I think Char is a more recognizable pop culture icon in Japan than Darth Vader. Hmm. Like I think so. Maybe I would. I would put them in the same tier for sure. At least in Japan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, oh. I, I mean, Char's, to the point where they use Char to fucking sell Toyotas. I was about to say, you know what? I was about to say, well, I've seen Hello Kitty Darth Vader, but I've fucking also seen Hello Kitty Char. <laughs> That's how you know you made it big. That's how you know you made it big. You got a Hello Kitty. Uh, so, uh, so the Federation wins, and things aren't so great. Uh, for the first three years after the war, 0080, 81, 82, 83, well, in the the time after the war, uh, lots of Xeon were still loyal to, there's a lot of zombie loyalists just kind of floating around and causing trouble for the Federation. Yeah, like... The biggest of these were called the Delaz Fleet. This is all shown in the OVA 0083 Stardust Memory. Which we also did an episode on. Yes. Did we do, did we do everything taking place between 0079 and here? uh, I mean, I mean, within reason... With, we haven't done the second part of we haven't done the second Thunderbolt season, but I'm waiting for the oh. manga to be over so we can just do the entire manga. I I do want to read the manga because uh, I'm waiting for the manga because I think the manga's on the way. Uh, it's like in a couple months the manga's going to be over. Okay. So then we can just we can just do Thunderbolt like, yeah. well, and then we'll do like the second Thunderbolt movie and the manga because the manga's even better than the OVAs. Thunderbolt's probably one of the best t- Gunderbolt Gundam tie UC tie in things. <laughs> Gunderbolt. Gunderbolt. <laughs> ah! I need to write that down. I'm saving it. I'm saving so, it for a thing. Gunderbolt. <laughs> so the Delaz fleet, to to really to briefly consolidate the plot of 0083, the the Delaz fleet was a big confederation of a, a ton of Zeon uh, Zeon remnants, who successfully drop a colony on the Earth. The Federation failed to stop it, mostly due to a lot of internal sabotage by two men named Basque Om and Yamatov Hymen. Those two men create an elite task force in the aftermath called the Titans, which are the, are the entire point of them, or they're essentially a counter-terrorist unit 
that have essential jurisdiction to do whatever the fuck they want in space to make sure that, you know, a second Operation Stardust doesn't happen and Zeon stays in their place. Mm-hmm. Which accelerates, which essentially is a lot of anti-spacenoid rhetoric, anti-people being afraid of new types as a concept, and essentially just Earthnoid supremacists. Yeah. Yeah. Who, by the time we uh, we start our show, we find ourselves in 0087, where they have all but seized control of the, Fe- of the Federation military. And the Federation are all but powerless to stop them. And that's where we start our show. Still with us? Yeah, so now, welcome to Zeta Gundam. <laughs> Tish, what do you think of that fucking opening? It's a good opening. I you always talk about how you also like the second one, but like the, the second the, one is Zeta to me, but this one is like so good. It's iconic. Um, and then and then beyond the hard times from now. Yeah, I it's look two things. I want to have a good time. Everyone's a noble mind. <laughs> That's it's it, it's a bop. The, Three the second believe opening... believe in a sign of Zeta. The the first opening is a bop. The second opening is like, the second opening is like you like clench your fist and you feel it. You're like, oh man. Oh, uh, believe oh believe in a sign of Zeta. That's my favorite Iron Butterfly song. <laughs> uh, there's there's not much to say about the opening. Do you want to do characters or mechs first? Um, let's do characters. Honestly, like if because you, you, honestly, like at first I didn't know what you were doing. You were right to like start this whole spiel with like an introductory course to what this podcast even is it's like zeta i think i think more and more people are finding out about zeta gundam like i think everybody knew what it was but i think people on on the internet at least in my circles are starting to be like oh fuck no yeah zeta gundam whips uh oh yeah zeta gundam does whip it's 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 this is i think tomino's best show so this can absolutely be somebody's first episode every podcast is someone's first episode but you know what I and mean, if especially. you if you listen up to this point we are now going to go full spoilers for the first 14 episodes of zeta uh, if if that very 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 brief summary of 0079 sounded interesting, go watch it. It's a great time. You're gonna you're gonna love it. Like I, I it. there are very few things I love as much as Gundam. Like I am a Gundam dude. That is like if someone and says you have girl. one, si- if you have one sci-fi franchise for the rest of your life, what do you have? I say Gundam. I, hmm. it's definitely up there. It. Hmm. That's a hard question. Like, you get one sci-fi franchise for the rest of your life. You know what? I guess it would be. I guess it would be good Gundam because, like, in I I don't want to get into this because I know that I know that we could totally derail the whole podcast. But it's like my second, my, the second choice was gonna be Star Wars. But it's like, man. I mean, with the the upside of picking Star Wars though is that you do get all the old EU stuff. So that's like at least volume. You, you get yes, a ton you, of shit to read. You do, but I feel like I feel like Gundam as an overall franchise with its own EU stuff, arguably, although a lot of it doesn't end up getting adapted to anime. Um, and a lot of it is in Japanese, which I'm learning by the way. Um, um, I I think Gundam overall has more hits, and they are yeah. to they are to the pilots' faces. 
<laughs> there's lots of lots of lots of hitting people in this. It's the military. People, you gotta get in the fucking robot. People act like Camille gets the shit kicked out of him for the entire show, but it's really only the first eight episodes. <laughs> and when Camille does get the shit slept out of him, he kind of deserves it. Oh man. So uh, let's 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 start with characters as we do from least to most important. Uh, let's start with Apolly and Roberto. I, I I recognized those names a lot, but it's so hard for me to for, to sync up names to faces that I still didn't really I, I still can't picture them in my head. But I, I oh, heard about them constantly as I was watching the they're show. They're Char's wingmen. Uh, according to the manga, Char's deleted affair, which is about what ha- what happens to Char between the original series and this. They are apparently two uh, survivors. They were Zaku pilots in the One Year War mm-hmm. who came back with Char to um, the Earth Sphere to join the Ayug. Apolly has no eyebrows and the really round nose, and Roberto had the mustache. Okay. okay. They're, 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 they're essentially ascended extras. Uh, Roberto kind of eats it in episode 12. You're, yes, yes, he did. And Apolly cries as he goes back into space because they were buddies. <laughs> They've known each other since the One Year War, which is it's eight years ago. So, not much to say about them yet. Apolly becomes way more of a major character and kind of a, like, an, he's essentially Camille's uncle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember them now. They like jokingly called him a new type, and he was like, "Stop it." <laughs> yeah, that, that's Apolly and Roberto. I like, I like them. Uh, there, there, there's not much to say. We'll get back to Apolly later because we're gonna keep going back when characters either have big, dramatic, big more when big things happen to characters or more get introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess next up, let's go. Uh, let's go, Captain Hankin. He's he, he's he he comes back later in the show. He dips after Bright comes back, but. He's the first captain of the Argama. Yeah. A beardy man. He's he's actually apparently the second tallest character in Zeta behind Basque. He's like six foot seven or something. Jesus. He he's he's big and jovial. He's like he has a very different energy than Bright does. For sure. Like this if if I, I imagine like girls who say they're really into like dad dad dudes would be into Henkin. Yeah, he definitely has uh he definitely has like like hot dad energy he's like he he laughs really loud he's dashing arcade would like him yes he arcade does like him because arcade (laughs) loves zeta uh i i love henkin's immediate crush on emma like it just happens like immediately there's a magazine spread with a bunch of pictures of him in it and like the the one that's front and center like his actual on-model uniform is off to the side of the page, and in the de- top center of the page is him in his fucking McDonald's uniform. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. I, I, Henkin was apparently a, uh, I don't know if he was a captain or not, but apparently he was at Alboa coup and probably Solomon. Mm-hmm. So he he had to at least have been either lucky or talented to survive the one-year war. Yeah, you really had to have been. That's the that's the thing. Like again, if you haven't, if you if you're skipping, if you're skipping double seventy nine, like most people in general did not. I think the half the Earth's population died in January of double seventy nine alone. Yeah, so like the overall franchise doesn't go as much into the ramifications of that, of that as I personally find intriguing for a world is like. Well, that's why everybody's so young. That's why everybody's so young. That's why there's like. I, I don't know it, it just seems like 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 one of the reasons we never see as many like c- civilian populations one is because it's hard to it's hard to like as a writer it's hard to like make mech battles happen around p- 
people and you're making a show like Gundam. They they do it one time on purpose and we'll get to that one someday. Uh they they do they do this in part two. We're going to be seeing a lot of battles in densely populated urban environments. Yes, but I guess like I don't know. It, it always makes me think. Like, whenever I see a densely populated urban environment, it always makes me think of like this is one of the few left. Because <laughs> it's like yeah, a lot of Earth got devastated. Like humanity's population probably in the universal century is smaller than it is now. Australia's gone. A good ch- half of Australia is just gone. And Aust- and that was like that's a continent. One of the biggest land, singular landmasses on Earth. It's it's and it, it has a gigantic hole in the middle of it. It's literally the fuck. It, it might as well be fucking the the land of ooh from fucking Adventure Time. Yeah. Um. Uh. We also have what's just, he doesn't do much in the in these episodes. We'll see we'll see him later toward the end of part two. But uh, Black Forer, he was there in the beginning. He was the the other bearded blonde man. Who yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing him going like, oh, that's not the other guy. <laughs> Yeah, Blex is the actual. He's the founder of the AUG. He looks like, like he. He is the he was a high ranking Federation uh, guy who essentially, after the Colony Thirty incident happened, he was just like, "Nope, fuck this. We're not. I'm not putting up with this anymore." I, I'm pretty sure he also survived the One Year War. I know there's uh, some interesting, um, like art from the Garen's Greed games where you can see. I think I think Hankin. I think it's like somewhere in the EU. They say that Hankin served aboard one of Blex's ships, like Blex was a captain during the One Year War, oh. or an admiral, and like Hankin was on his ship. I think that's what it was. Hankin was the captain of his ship, and he was the admiral. Mm. So that was like his flagship, but you don't command your own flagship. Some you command the whole fleet, while somebody commands your individual ship. Yeah. So that's that. I think that was how Hankin and Blex already knew each other, and I, I always like how like immediate Blex has a really like caring and nurturing kind of like vibe about him the only time he's ever mad is when he's outraged at what the titans are doing yeah he every yeah unless he's either he's either outraged at the titans or he's if he's not doing that he's giving off like older gay uncle energy Uh, yes Uh, i i just like how emma is like the military would never do this and blex is like i got some shit to show you uh yeah he's got the tea um and and I mean we're I'm again getting ahead of ourselves is what we do here. Emma's it still floors me. Emma's just like, but they wouldn't do that. That's illegal. <laughs> but that's a crime, <laughs> honey. I'm so sorry. I, I like Emma a lot. Let, do you want to talk about Emma? Yeah, sure. Uh, Emma's Emma's great. We, we once again after they go down to Earth toward the end of these chunk, this chunk of episodes, we don't see her until we go back to space because she's just in space right now. Uh, but Emma starts as, as a Titans officer who's kind of like this pl- plucky young officer who probably just, she, well, I mean, to get into the Titans, you already, you gotta be, like, the best of the best, so I'm sure she just, like, was a damn good pilot in, in, like, military school or whatever. Because so I think she's too, she's only 22, so I don't know if she fought in the one-year war. Yeah, maybe not, hopefully not. Uh... But she ended up joining the Federation afterwards, maybe, maybe motivated by Operation Stardust or something like that, who knows. Who could say? There isn't a lot of EU stuff about Emma, sadly, but Emma's a main character in this. She's definitely, like... I kind of like how she keeps getting hand-me-down mobile suits. Like, when Char gets the Hyakushiki, she gets the, the Rick Dios. Mm-hmm. And then later, when Camille gets the Zeta, she gets the Mark II. Oh, that's fun! I'm glad that the Mark II is still around for the, for when we get to the Zeta. Yeah! Oh, that's even... Go- oh, Devin, that means I love it even more, because it has a female pilot! Yeah! It ah! has a female pilot in Double Zeta. 
Ah! Evil Gundam pilot, why does no one ever talk about this? Excuse me? This is Emma Erasure. Yeah, people are too are busy too bad too busy being mad about Rekoa to actually like Emma. Does does is she in like the full boost games? Yeah, the, uh, she's the Mark II pilot in the oh, in the, in the cuz there's two versions of the there's three versions of the Mark II. There's the double Zeta version piloted by L, there's the Mark II piloted by Emma, and then there's the the Black Titans version piloted by Camille from the first episode. God, the Mark II is truly the Joseph Joestar of Gundam. We'll get to it. <laughs> We'll get to it momentarily. <laughs> Emma's great. I, I just like how uh, the second she actually sees proof that, of what the AU are all about, she's just in 100%. Like, oh, okay, sign me the yeah. fuck up. I, I do feel like I do feel like she is definitely there as like uh, in order to st- in, in order to give a more thorough picture of like the intersocial politics going on. It's like yes, plenty of these people. Plenty of these people are just out and out, like, they're not gonna fucking listen if you try to explain to them how they're the bad guys. But, sometimes a couple of them do, and on one and on one hand, yeah, they sh- probably should have caught Wise forever ago. On the other hand, if they're down to aim the gun the other direction, let them. Let them do it. <laughs> like, we'll <laughs> deal with what happens after, after. Like, a fuck. So then we uh let's let's talk about the other two ladies of the cast so far, which are Fa and Rekoa. Uh-huh. We don't get to do. We, we'll probably talk more about Fa in part two and three because she doesn't really show up until the end. Yeah, again. she she like we're introduced to her and then there's like uh some some episodes without her and then she. Comes... I like I like Fa. Fa I, I, yeah. There's a lot of people who are anti Fa. I like Fa. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking shut. That the wasn't fuck. even a joke. I because mostly because I argue with Arcade a lot because she hates Fa and I'm like I like Fa come on Fa Yuri not fascism Fa Yuri does not like fascism neither does anybody in this show yeah. aside from the Titans that's aside why we picked the this fashion. show the show is topical um the show's been to- Gundam's always topical is the thing Zeta especially right now Tomino made Gundam because it was topical back then mm-hmm. uh just Titans are real. That's all I gotta say. Uh-huh. Titans are real. They're fucking... They are... They are disappearing us today. Uh, Rekoa is... Rekoa actually is a child soldier. Remember how, uh, in the first episode of 0079, Tem Ray is talking to Bright and he's saying, like, he has that, like, really dour picture of Amaro? Uh-huh. <laughs> or Amaro's kind of scowling. Yeah. And Bright's like, is that your um, son? He's like, yeah, he's 15. It's hard to believe there's gorillas as young as he is fighting, and that's exactly what Rekoa was fucking whoops uh Rekua is like Rekua is like the first one to really start comforting Camille aboard the uh the the Argama she's like the first one to really kind of care for him mm-hmm. uh but she just as you see like hey somebody needs to infiltrate Jabiro alone and she raises her hand like my headcanon is that Rekua is like low-key suicidal oh yeah I mean that's just that's, a, that's, I, I feel like that's just a lot of characters at the, especially at this point in the universal century like everyone's just fucking done like they're gonna do it because we have to at least try but also like it's fine the, the fact that in every instance where Rekuo is the first person to just volunteer for the most dangerous mission that will almost be certain death yeah Re- but Rekuo is cool she's another she's just another lady aboard the Argama we'll see more of her later 
and I guess that leads us into the big boys. Uh, do you want to talk about Zeta Amaro, or do you want to wait till he shows up? Um, I'll wait till he shows up. We'll save. We'll save that. That's worth. That's worth waiting for. That, that's going to be toward the end of the episode. Let's let's talk about Quattro. My my favorite. My favorite char. My- the, so I, when we were watching the first four episodes, I proposed a question to you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to ask it now, and I'm going to ask it to you at the at, at the beginning of every episode, every uh, part, every okay. Zeta part. Is Char Asnable who Char is or who he wants to be? Char, specifically his Char persona? Specifically his Quattro persona. Oh, specifically his Quattro persona. I... Is this an ideal or is this who Char really is? Because I don't have, no, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, I, I feel like what Quattro is is going to evolve throughout the show because this is still, you know, I don't know how long he's been Quattro for in the broader sense, but in terms of Zeta Gundam, this about is, a year or two. Yeah, so like, this is still because that's what that's what Char Asnable was to him at first. Every time he gets these personas, he says to himself, "This is temporary," and then he just he goes he gets in way too deep, and I I think he spends his entire life never rectifying that with the fact that he just completely destroys his fucking like id ego bullshit whichever bullshit it is i don't know that shit but like he 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 in order to successfully be the person he has to be for the task he has to do he destroys himself and reassembles himself from the pieces into something vaguely resembling who he always has been but it's not and he never goes back. He just goes. He just gets a new one. Yeah, because I remember you. You like the the, the moment where where Kosval, yes, you said where Kosval died the second his when he got the letter from his that his mom was dead. Yeah, like like Kosval was die. gone. He's like I can't like Kosval isn't getting Kosval is not good enough. Kosval is not getting me where I need to be. I have to be someone else. And, and Edward Mass never existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edward Mass was just like a fucking placeholder. Um, like Sayla fully, fully leaned into her new identity and being a new person. Yeah, or, and, and that's the other thing. Arguably, say like Sayla arguably did the same thing. She just did it way better. She like found a healthy, a healthy way to contextualize her life and who she is and the and the part she plays in her own life. Char spends this entire franchise never finding that. And that's yeah, like honestly, up until tragedy. Char's counterattack, yeah. Like, and I ha- I haven't seen Char's counterattack yet, but I know Char, so I'm just assuming. Yeah, I mean, you're you're also well. you're good at you you have you you at least know how to analyze literature and you know how to study characters. Yeah, but that's the and, and that's the thing, and I'm and I'm but not only that, like I'm trusting that Char's counterattack is good. Like I'm, I'm Char's counterattack is yeah. great. Because it could, because you know, any other franchise, you know, plenty of franchises don't go the way you want them to. It's like, yeah, like a poorly written char wouldn't have that arc. Um, but this is that's where I feel like if I was writing char, that's where I'd take him. Like, no, yeah, sure, he's never. Look at him. Look at the things he's done. He's never getting out of this. I I, I like this form of Quattro though. I like how yes. it's like he. Especially because I feel like at this point in the series, when you look at it from the perspective of, like, this first broadcast, like, people watching this on TV for the first time, that's where my head always goes. Like, we don't fucking know. We don't, we still, 14 episodes in, we don't really know what Char's doing there. We know for a fact that he is Char. Yeah. 
But That's like, established immediately. Immediately. For the audience. And That's for anybody with a brain. For the, yeah. And I honestly think, like, the Iroquois Pliskin, like, persona that Snake takes over in, in Metal Gear Solid 2 is entirely a reference to this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a disguise only to the characters, but the, play, the audience already knows who it is, but it's not trying to, to trick the audience. No one's like, whoa, is that, who is Iroquois Pliskin? Like, no one says that if you've played Metal Gear Solid 2. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, instead, instead the question is, what the fuck is Snake doing here, and why is he pretending to be someone else? Um, exactly. And that's the mystery. Which is funny, because everyone, a lot of people, not everybody, but, but back in the day, people would always make fun, like, it's such a shitty disguise. I'm like, yeah, but, like, how many people know Solid Snake? Yeah, how many people know? He's a spy. You're not supposed to know what he looks like. How many people know what Char's face looks like? Yeah, none. That's why, hey, that's why he wears all that bullshit on his face all the time. That's the whole point. <laughs> like, if, if you just bumped into Quattro Bajina, you would not be like, you're Char Aznable, the Red Comet of Zeon. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's, it, like, like... I'm sure even, if you said that, he would punch you in the jaw <laughs> and drag you into an alley. Even the... Oh, that's the thing, right? No. Because, like, he... Because in that moment to him, in order for him to successfully not be Char... He always no sells it. He no sells yeah, it hundred yeah. percent of the time in this series. So just be like, like you can show him. You could show him a picture of Char Aznable and a picture of him side by side, like fucking eight by ten glossy autograph headshots, and he would go, "Those are two different people," and just walk away. No, he would say, "I am Quattro Bagina. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less." He would just point to Quattro and go, "Oh, that me," and like. <laughs> He would take I, it and autograph it and walk away. I I also like how he immediately takes to Camille because I think he sees something in Camille. Oh, like, of her. himself. Uh, like I I I like to think that the way I interpret their relationship now that I'm watching Zeta again for the first time in a while mm-hmm. is that like especially like later on and a lot of the advice Quattro will give Camille it sounds a lot like Quattro. Char lost his entire self avenging his family, mm-hmm. which is what Camille really, more Camille's mom, he doesn't want to avenge his Trump-looking dad. I don't think, I think, I don't think Camille is very, is very disturbed by the death of his father. He really super isn't. But, like, I, I the Titan, the, the whole reason Camille didn't just dip from the Argama is that, like, I want to kill the people who killed my mom. Which is exactly what Char did to the zombies. It's yeah. exactly what he said when he was like 10 years old, straight to Cassilia Zombie's face while handcuffed. Quattro just fucking slide whistles up in the... I can don't, be like <laughs> don't be like me. Don't be like me. Fucking Camille, don't be like me. Like, literally, like, God. Um... That, that's pretty much their relationship, and I, I, I really like that. I, 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 Qua- I, have a, I have a very expensive figure of Quattro because of how much I love Quattro. This is like the... I think this is... This is the ideal char. It it definitely is. Pe- it definitely is peak char. I I do think, I do think this is him trying. Right, like this is him being like, okay, like I, I I avenged, I avenged the Daikun family. Like I did that, and it's like now I have to deal with the thing. And I think, and I think that's another reason he wants to be Quattro so hard is so that he as Quattro can deal with the ramifications of Char Aznable's actions, instead of Char Aznable dealing with the ramifications of Char Aznable's actions. Exactly, it's a level of disassociation as well. Um. Because, I mean, like, Char pretty much fucked up the entire Earth Sphere's politics for, like, a year. For, yeah, for, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say for the Vine. 
God. Back at like it again at Krispy Kreme. <laughs> back at it again at Aboaku. He then does a backflip and blows off Cassilia's head with a rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he still has the scar from when Abra stabbed him in the face at the end of 0079. Yeah, that, that's... And, and, that, and that's the other thing um, that I was going to say. That, that's the direction I thought you were going. Is I, I think he also, obviously, me- very meta-narratively, can't look at Camille without, like, thinking of Amaro. And Camille, Which is what he- <laughs> Camille catches him. Camille, Camille fucking, he shows his whole ass immediately. Camille's like, stop comparing me to Amaro, dog. Like... <laughs> And and Quattro is basically like, no, but you can be better. You can be the co- we can be the right one. You can be good, Amaro. <laughs> I, I I like how much Char never shuts the fuck up about Amaro in, in these first couple episodes. Oh boy! Like the first lines spoken in the show are like this feeling: is this Amaro Ray or Lala soon? So let let's talk about the boy. Let's talk about my favorite Gundam protagonist. Uh, so far mine, but I know who I'm rooting for in my heart. <laughs> we'll get we'll get I, there someday. But yes, very good boy. I Cam, Camille would like beat the shit out of Cosmo, <laughs> and that's not why he's a better character. Not that Cosmo's a bad character. Camille's just like Camille benefits from being 17 instead of Amaro being 15 because Camille like has opinions more than Amuro did, where Amuro was pretty apolitical before the war. Yeah, he, Amuro was very much like a, man, I just wanna, I just wanna fucking go to school. Can I go to school? And fucking Zian's like, nah. (laughs) Nah, you don't go to school anymore. We blew it up. Uh, I just, I I related a lot to Camille when I first watched this show, because I was about 16, 17 when I first saw Zeta. Camille, I could imagine Camille being incredibly relatable. I would love to hear, like, I don't know. I would love to see like a, like tr- track down and like interview like just people in general who like grew up watching Zeta Gundam, like who were like the perfect like 16, 17 year old age to watch Zeta Gundam and like what they thought about it and what they felt about Camille. I I 100% headcanon Camille as having borderline personality disorder. Oh, for sure. I think it's one of those things that it's it's, it's this phenomena that I'm coming to terms with not coming to terms with in terms of, like it's something i needed to, to like tackle emotionally but just like it's something i never thought about before of just like because we all know that it's true of just like just because there was never a clinical proven by a, a board of psychiatrists name for like these types of disorders and these types of behavioral you People know have st- them disability spectrums time. just just because or there was just not enough education about them like just because just because somebody doesn't know what autism is doesn't mean that they've never met an autistic person and it doesn't mean that they don't have the capacity to naturally birth an autistic character without even understanding that that's what it is but simply because that is a type of person that does exist like they like yeah you can write that character without fucking meaning to yeah i feel and that's I, I more had Canon Camille as being on the autism spectrum, spe- not Camille, uh, Amaro being on the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. and I really dislike all the, like, I, like, I remember there was, like, That one subtitle? Yeah, well, it's, well, because that, I actually looked into the translation of that, and because there's kind of, the, the term for, like, autistic in Japanese is kind of a catch-all term for a lot of things. It just means, like, that boy ain't right, like. Pretty, pretty much. And that, but that is also the official term for like somebody diagnosed with autism in Japan. Whack a little bit. Uh... But I think it's just it's a more of a it's more of a language thing than like a cultural thing. Sure, sure, sure. 
and that just comes down to translation. Right. Also, is, well, I mean, I, I'm saying sure, meaning that like if that is the case, I will believe it. But also, I've never met any Japanese autistic people. I don't know how they personally feel about it. Um, yeah, I just meant in terms of just that that lo- that line isolated. Sure. And uh, but uh, there's a lot of memes and jokes that like oh, Zeta Gundam is just 50 episodes of an autist screaming, which is just ableist <laughs> and bad. And wow, not... what a bad way to word it! Like. God. Like, every time, like, just don't. Every time I go into like a Zeta Gundam video and there's like a scene with Camille, it's always just one joke of just like hands up, like hands up for the most autistic Gundam character. It's just like I don't. I, come on. I wouldn't not- even say that. Even if I do, like, because I yeah, I, I also I also had because you know there's there's different. I almost said like flavors of it, but it's like you know it is a spectrum. There are various places you can be on it. And even then, spectrum is just sort of a generalized term. You could you could be in the same tier of whatever you're grading someone's disorder rubric under, which you shouldn't do. Uh, but it's like you know, you, you, like people are different, even if they have the same disorders. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I just uh, what that being said, sorry. Uh, that being said, even if even if I even if you were to headcanon every Gundam protagonist as a t- Camille would not. <laughs> There's like I don't know, jeez. It's just, it's just I just think it's me. He's just an angry boy. Look it's, out your window. Look at all the shit that you could be mad as fuck about. Now imagine you can't even drink. <laughs> like that's imagine all, and imagine also you're living actively under fascism. There, that, that's there's a shit right there's now. a shit ton of Camille's right now in the United States that I am expecting to, like, be on TikTok going on strike about how, like, we're not fucking going to school and you can't make us. Yeah. Like, the very first thing Camille does in the show is disobey what he's supposed to be doing. He skips karate class. (laughs) What an immediate, what a low-stakes introduction and yet still perfectly encapsulates him. Camille has so much growth like, a lot of people, like, I get so irritated when people give, it's the same thing about Squall in Final Fantasy VIII, where people are like, oh, he's such an emo loner. I'm like, yeah, but have you played the game past the first, like, couple hours, where, you know, characters don't stay that way the entire game. The whole point of Final Fantasy VIII is that Squall goes from being a stoic, you know, kind of asshole loner to accepting his weirdo friends and realizing that maybe having friends is better than not. That's the entire point of Final Fantasy VIII, and, like, or the, like... Uh, but Devin, the this, this story gets all weird, oh! Uh, game theory! They're all dead the whole time, or some shit that no one can fucking think up when they try to think up a theory like that. That's everybody's go-to for every piece of media, and it's never smart. You, de- you never sound smart. Go, go to college. <laughs> Read a book. And read a book, go to college. Go, go to college and read a, bo- read a book. Read a book while you try to fucking not listen to your roommate fucking. Anytime I, uh... Anytime I hear somebody bitching about writing an anime or, or video games, I always want to ask them what's the, what their favorite book is. <laughs> oh, since, since you know so much about writing, what's your favorite book? Yeah, right. Every single... And, and, and it's... I'm glad it, it it is almost always... At this point, like, there's there's so many good creators out there getting interviewed, and, like, the thing that everybody... Every, every good artist in every medium always says is, get other fucking hobbies. 
if you want to be good at one thing, like have other interests to bring to the fucking table, because otherwise you're only gonna make shit that are that's derivative of everything else. Because you're only oh, yeah. you're only staying in your own fucking bubble. Oh yeah, and I feel that's why that to bring up Hideaki Anno because I have to every episode. <laughs> it's mandatory. Uh, I think what benefits from Hide, Hide, what makes Hideaki Anno such a great writer is that not only does he have this like encyclopedic knowledge of, of otaku pop culture and he's seen so much stuff, he also is like well versed in like traditional Japanese literature and psychology. Yeah, like he he has other shit to bring to the table. Like like he there, there's plenty of us out there that that know the that know like what it is to, to just have several completely disparate hyper focuses fucking pinballing in your brain for just like a solid year <laughs> and you're just like i have so much knowledge about like three things that have nothing in common with each other and i have no one else to talk about any of them with i need to make something okay i have um there's a lot of weird variants because there's a lot of mobile suits in this yeah, there's a couple that I, that I noticed that I'm just like, huh, like, they've never shown up before, and they never showed up again. <laughs> yeah, because there's some really, there's, I really love how weird a lot of the, the Titan mobile suits are. Like, the Zeta-era mobile suits are really fucking cool. They, 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 they definitely, like, upped the ante. Like, they, they, I, I wonder if it was a matter of, like, um, I mean, I don't know if you want to get back to the episode about talking about shit while you're pulling them up, but, um, like... I, I wonder how much of it was um, was like fucking uh, Bandai being like, "Hey, we fucking uh, we want to try doing transforming toy models next, like model kits next. Like, can you do something with that? Can you make like a fun Gundam thing when they like transform? Because like that's fun." Uh. I think I I like to think so. Uh, just because, and I just think. Yeah, I think transforming mobile suits is definitely the gimmick in this, and I guess that was catching on. This is the mid This is eighty five. Yeah. Um, With but... that, we're gonna segue into going through some mech designs. Yeah. The other the other option is Tomino designed a bunch of transforming mecha and said, "Make model kits out of these fuckers." The best part is that both of those are equally <laughs> viable. All right. Nice. So first, we're gonna be talking about the Rick Dios. A, a classic. This is the first mobile suit we see in the show. We have two colors. We have the black one and the uh, red one. I do like the red one. It, it gives it. It gives it a different aura. It gives it a different vibe. It, it's a different. It's it's the same. It's the same model, but it 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 cuts a different jib. It does, and of course, Charles is red. And then eventually, he gives the red one to Emma, who then gives it to a Polly. Uh, Polly and Roberto had black. Hey, yeah, I, I, I remembered. I have a cover to maintain after three seconds of piloting this thing, so y you can have it. <laughs> uh i i like how it has like two like i like how it's how the cockpit is in the head which is unusual for a mobile suit oh yeah i didn't even i didn't even fucking like they, make keep, that they go out of the side of the head you're right wow that's hmm it has a unique look it doesn't really look like a federation or a zeon type mobile suit it has the two cannons on the back that they can pull off and use as beam pistols did it, ha it, did has it, the, did the it have the head cockpit was this its introduction the Zeta, yeah, Rick Dios is really only in Zeta. Oh, I didn't realize that. I guess because I, I had always heard of it. Excuse me. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Rick Dios is kind of just only in Zeta. My friend claims this is his favorite Char mobile suit, and I'm like, that's a that's a hot take. That I, you know what? I I respect the hell out of that. The Rick Dios is a good fucking mobile suit. 
It is. That's that's pretty much what I got to say about it. I love how big its feet are. It's big. How how again? Like this is my only frame of reference, probably because I always want to know. You know, this is why we invented the Haro scale, which we do have to talk about. Um, but uh, how does it fare in in fucking extreme versus? I don't think it's playable. <gasps> that's a shame. I would. It's one of the. It's one of the ones that's missing. Like if the, if I have two that I want, I would love a Polly in the in the Rictios. Because I know Char, one of Char's abilities when the Hyakushiki is that he can spawn them as like uh, wingmen. Oh yeah, okay, that's fun. At least because he gets some like a Polly and Roberto as his. Representation. They're like strikers, in like uh, so he can like click one and then the one will spawn in behind him and like fire a bazooka. Kind of like how Camille can call Fa in the Methus, but the Methus hasn't showed up yet. <laughs> uh, so that's the Rictios. Uh, let's go into your favorite boy, the uh, yeah! RX-178 Mark II. There he with is. The Titans' colors look great, too. They do. I just, I am just so of two minds about appreciating fictional fascist iconography. But I, I get it. It is, it is an appealing color scheme, d- devoid of context. Exactly. I, I once again the AU colors are rule. I love how it's it, it has less red than the original Gundam. It's way more blue. I do appreciate how they like in universe they were like, nah, we got to make this look like a Gundam. Yeah, I very mu- yeah. Because as far like, as there's... they at, as far as they know, and and where the where the OVAs are concerned, this is the only this is the only other Gundam that most people have probably seen. Oh yeah. Uh. So it's the so the the grandpa grandpa's their only frame of reference, the RX seventy eight mm-hmm. yeah, and it looks like it's like a bulkier kind of like it looks like a it looks like a Gundam Mark two it, even it, though it's technic like technically it's not the best mobile suit in terms of performance but the AU is getting a lot out of it yeah it's a reliable it's a fucking look it is a reliable Honda Civic and I feel that's yeah because a lot of that's funny because like when you if you bring in the if you consider Stardust Memory Cannon. It's like, yeah, pretty much all the shit, as they say at the end of Stardust Memory, all the technology and all the Gundams they built in that had to, were classified and burned, essentially. None of them survived. So they, they had all to destroyed. start from scratch. They had to start from scratch because all the, all the tech behind that got, like, purged. Because we know, we never made a nuclear-equipped Gundam. Nope, nope, no, we didn't do that. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, we'll, we'll see its upgrade later. It does get upgraded. Yeah, I didn't even so, realize that. Like, mm, I love it so much. I Yeah, you got you got a lot to look forward to with the Mark II. Gosh, it's just so nice. I think, you know what? This is my great Mazinger. This is why I love the Mark II, because it's like, yeah, if you just kind of glanced and you didn't know or care about Gundam, you might confuse it with the RX-78 if you really just don't know your shit, which is fine, but... Um, I do like it that... You're right, it is extremely reminiscent of the one that came immediately before it, but... It just pops in a subtle way that speaks to me more on a subconscious level aesthetically. And I'm like, this boy is good. Bad. Good. Bad. <laughs> Devin is cycling through the colors. Uh, there was actually, because in the show, there was three of them initially that were tested. One of them was destroyed. Uh, one of them was used. No, one of them was sent to Anaheim. One of them was badly damaged in the theft and was essentially just used as spare parts to... One was sent to Anaheim so that they could take it apart and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And start... And essentially, with... Because they did that, they, they used a lot of pieces from that Mark II to make the Hyakushiki. Ooh. So that... And then, uh... Or accelerate the development of the Hyakushiki. And then one of them was just kept around as sp- taken apart and used as spare parts for the other one that Camille uses when it gets blown... When it gets be- uh, beat up. The the Hyakushiki, for, for anybody who doesn't know, is my personal favorite non... 
Gundam mobile suit. Yeah, which we'll go to right now. The Hakushiki, look at this boy. My gaudy, fucking, <laughs> shitty, fucking, uh, where's the fucking movie with Adam Sandlow? Uh, uncut gems, Furby necklace looking ass. <laughs> Love yeah, it. Uh, it originally was supposed to be the Delta Gundam, which was going to be transformable, but uh, they couldn't figure out a transformation mechanism uh, and how to make it work. So they just kind of scrapped it and uh, took out the core block system and made the Hyakushiki. It took. That's why Apolly is so like, whoa, when Camille built, designs the Zeta on the fly, because he figured out what was wrong with their with their transformation mechanic with the Delta. Yeah, I somehow also, I must have just been in some kind of fucking bad, like, headspace for watching this, because, like, now, I'm, I'm watching this now, and I'm appreciating the, the, the Mark II so much better, I'm, I'm realizing all this shit, I didn't catch the, like, Camille fucking designed, designed the Zeta, the Zeta. like, just for the fuck of it. <laughs> God. Because they show Camille is a real, Camille was, like, in it, he was, he's, like, robotics club nerd, he's, like. Yeah. Camille is probably even smarter than Amuro was back in 0079. Yeah, Amuro made... Uh, uh, this is weird that I have two completely separate, disjointed Furby references, but Amuro essentially made a Furby that's round. Um, which is impressive for a 15-year-old, but it's not a Gundam. And it's like that... Camille, Camille rules. So the, Hyak the Hyakushiki, <laughs> the reason it's gold is because it's a, it's a beam... Uh, it's like a special metallic coating that apparently can is like beam resistant. So there's like a chance that like lo that like lighter beam fire will just bounce off of it. Fuck yeah! It's like a magnet coating or that's something. That's why like that. it was my first. That was my first. Uh, I think so far only master grade uh, gunpla kit, specifically because all of the other sizes of Yakushiki had like it looks more like that on model drawing sheet right now, where it's just a very matted yellow. Um, and I guess if you wanted it to be reflective, you'd have to like paint shading and lighting on it to make it you know like yeah you'd have to you'd have to you have to touch it up the the master grade it's like if anything it makes it look a little off model but it is realistic like it's just metallic gold plastic it's so good Yakushiki rules uh it also has its giant mega bazooka launcher the zeta gets one later that's handheld whereas the the, the Yakushiki's is so big it needs to be launched like the Ideon gun yeah it's sick as shit all right, so next we have uh, let's we're going through Ayug suits. Let's see the Nemo. This is the A essentially the the Argama gets stocked with a couple of these when they hit the moon. Uh huh. Because earlier on they were just using uh, green GM twos. Mm -hmm. But this is the Ayug specific mass produced type, and they're used up until Unicorn by the when the Federation takes them uh, has them. They're good friends. I like them. I, they kind of remind me of like uh, they remind me of like Halo ODSTs a bit with like their uh, the antenna coming out of their head. Yeah, a, li a little bit. I, I feel like they're 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 casting a more they're casting a little more humanoid of a silhouette than even the GMs did, um, and I think that adds to their charm. And uh, they have the full pan. They're they're better than GM threes. I think I forgot what they're based on. I think they're probably based on the scrap Delta Gundam. Uh, but they do. They, you know what? They do look like that with the chest and the skirt. Like I see it now. They look like mass-produced Yakushikis. That's kind of right. what they are. And so I like the Nemo. I like. I'm. I noticed them a lot more watching. I was like, oh, cool. There are Nemos. <laughs> uh. So then that's the Yakushiki right there. Uh. Let's see. We have. Let's go with the Isaac. Yeah. The Isaac. Su fucking super Zaku's. <laughs> The, the Heizak is the most disrespectful mobile suit ever made, 
because Zeon was essentially like, hey, let's take let's take Gundam bodies and then put Zaku heads on them and then oppress the oppress the the former civilians of Zeon with them. Uh yeah, it sucks. That's the blue ones are the Federation colors. The uh, Titans just use green ones. Cause, cause, why be subtle? Why bother? Hey, what if we just didn't have to change their color scheme? That sounds hard. It has a similar backpack to the Mark II, which is kind of cool. You can tell it was designed by the Titans. Yeah, <laughs> quote unquote designed. You can tell it was fucking slapped together by the Titans, jamming two robots together until they got a robot out of it. Yeah. I, I like the Heisek. It, I, I like what it stands for. I know a lot of people on, on TV tropes and whatnot will be like, oh, it doesn't make... It, they're only doing that because people expected to see Gundams blowing up Zaku's, which is, I guess, partially true. That is like, partially like, true, but like that, that is the nature of... That is the nature of meta-narrative. It's like, both things can be true because the world is fictional, so you can justify it however you want, and it is valid because we are, we are nitpicking two different realities. Exactly, and I just... I, I just don't... No, just... It's clever. Like, it's oh, clever when it's, people it's, come up with a reason to do the thing. It, that's the entire reason why I like the Star Wars EU. Yeah. The old one. <clears throat> it's, it's full of that. So the next one's going to make you happy. This is the Goof Flight type. Yeah! They're not blue. Uh, of, oh, there is a blue one. Yeah, because the Federation <clears throat> colors were blue. That This is the one you see in Zeta. These were used <clears throat> to uh, in the defense of Jabiro. Yeah. Yeah, I love a good Goof. They, they popped up. I saw them pop up for a second. Good boys. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, I like it. I'll, I add like them, I'll add it to my to my ever expanding goof troop. Yeah, the flight type, and it has the. Uh, I like how it has. Looks like it has like hovercraft legs, kind of like a dom. It has dom legs. It's cool. I, I like goofs. Uh, so let's get into some of the weirder. Let's get into some of the weirder Titan mobile suits, like the Galbaldi Beta. This is what Lila piloted for a while. It looks, it's, it has like a, go, it has like a Gelgoogish head. A little bit. It's, I mean, it's got a pretty unique head, honestly. It's a, like, it's, it is a little Gelgoogish, but it's just, it, it casts a strange. So like, this really is like the dividing line between like from, from, the, like the, we saw like the remnants of or things based on 0079, and I feel like this is where it starts getting into like newer shit that is just, it just is what it is. It, it has a Xeon, it's a Xeon-type mono-eye mobile suit, but it's still, it's so unique in terms of its own design. It has, you can, this is like, this is a Titans mobile suit. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like the, the Titans most likely, you know, and, and again, again, if you wanted to come up with meta-narrative explanations for, for why the bad guys always have to have the Cyclops mechs, fucking, they already have, they already know how Zaku's work. Why would you bother coming up with a whole different way to build a fucking camera on a mech? Just keep doing they, this they also, have, also, it's like just like how America. You can interchange. It's interchangeable kind of, parts. It's just. It just makes sense. That's what. That's why mechs are cool. Is because if the arm gets blown off, you can just put a different one on it, or you can figure. Out, hey, maybe this head works different on this. Works better on this body. I. I that it, it works, and it's, it's like also. If, um, this is me getting ahead of myself, but this is me talking about like the very ending of of this podcast. But it's like fucked up that if Cots was if Kotz somehow ended up on the Titans, they would have put him in a Zaku and he would have immediately known what to do and would have felt like a way better pilot. <laughs> well, that's episode 15. That's going to be next week. Oh, fuck. I'm foreshadowing. But yeah, we'll get you the are. We'll still get the Kotz. There's plenty of Kotz We'll still talk about Kotz. There, there's, there's Kotz time. So that's the Galbaldi beta. This is the uh, the GM2. The GM2, essentially, this is like identical. It has the same chest as the original gun, as the original <clears throat> Gundam. This is just a slightly better original GM. Yeah. That's why the Federation. That's why the AU was able to beat the shit out of them in at uh, at the in the first couple episodes. 
the Rick Diosses were styling on these. The AU, before they replaced them with Nemos, was using um, green, painted green ones. Because mm-hmm. I think green is kind of the AU's main color, whereas the Federation's is blue and white, whereas the Nzeon's was green as well. But this is more of like an olive green. Yeah, it's more of like a like a like a military army, green. as opposed to like kind of the Zeon's and they're even they're used because like even up until like the 0090s, like in Gundam Unicorn, these are still used because uh, they're cheap mobile suits. They're still used just as like colony defense. This is what like. Oh hey, there's some pro. This is like you would have like twelve or so of these in your colony just for basic like. This is the fucking pat labor. <laughs> Essentially, these aren't going to be like these aren't going to be performing well, but they'll get they'll get the job done because their job is never hard. And uh, here we have the GM sniper, another modified original GM. Nice. Look at that little master chief. Yeah. Look at yeah, that little like sniper ex- Joe. I like the extra camera on its head for like it doesn't. Yeah, I like that. It's apparently a reused design from the mobile suit uh, variations line <laughs> of that were, were just like essentially art books with more mobile suit designs from D- Mobile Seventy Nine. Neat. Oh, we never talked about Jared. We never talked. We'll get to Jared. <laughs> we'll talk about Jared when we get to the first episode because Jared. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you want to talk about Jared right now? What? Do you want to talk about Jared right now? Because I, I Jared sucks, and that's the point, and I love him. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, sure. Let's let let's talk about the worst influence on Camille's life. Jared is probably the Jared is the, everything. Can, just like how I I always say how much I love Daryl and Eos uh, rivalry in Gundam Thunderbolt because they each represent what they hate about the other faction. Uh huh. Like Eo is this haughty, so, like sociopathic, like just a, in it for so, bloodshed. Like he just loves for, to fuck with space noids. And of course he gets a Gundam just because he's a rich kid. Yeah, like he is yeah. like everything that Daryl hates about the Federation, and Daryl is just like, and he sees Daryl as like this fucking insect that's writhing around in the wreckage of the home that he destroyed. Yeah, like he, re- he home refuses that he to give up and die. He refuses to give up and die, and just keeps coming the fuck back. And he and they're the Zaku and a Gundam respectively. <clears throat> I feel that's what Jared and Camille are, because Jared is like this bought-in frat boy motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah. If I could just... Jared Jared is a fuckboy. Jared is everybody in, like, the U.S. military right now. Jared is the ideal modern U.S. soldier. Jared's the, the, the fuckface that's taking Snapchats with, like, the people he just killed. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's fucking... Jared sucks, and that's the point. And I, I love Jared as a character. Not as a person. As a character, Jared is great, because he is <clears throat> exactly the foil we need for Camille. He is... He represents everything that Camille hates about the Titans. Mm-hmm. And Jared just hates that this fucking, like, this fucking this twerp, pretty, this, this fucking pretty twink twerp <laughs> keeps styling on him in mobile suits. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, like, screaming about how much he hates doing it. Like, he did, like, <laughs> like, like, Camille, like, like, Camille is a better warrior than him, and he and he hates war. And it's like, wow, you can't even fucking you can't even fucking be like an honorable rival in combat. You have to be a little fucking bitch about everything. It's exactly, and they're the the you're gonna see how much they hate each other by the end, and it's great. Yeah. They they hate each other so fucking much. Uh, speaking of Jared mobile suits, we can get out of the Gab Laffy, the Gab Fleet, because it's just this is just a cool ass Titan mobile suit. Yeah. We have the Marsai. Now that is a fucking lad. I love the shit out of this thing. It's yeah, this beautiful. this the Mars 
The Marsai kind of becomes the main workhorse of the Titans' military. This becomes their main boy. It's good. It's they, good they, and the Marsai's rule. They, they, it reminds me I of the of, fucking, what, I always forget the, the blue unit at the beginning of fucking War in the Pocket. Uh, the comp, the Compfer, or the, the one with the shotguns, or the high gogs, the one with the big arms. I think I honestly I think both because the Comfort is the one that the one with uh, that has the shotguns, and then the, the high gog is like the aquatic mobile suit that attacks the Arctic base at the beginning of the show. Um, Comfort guns. Yes, the Comfort. Absolutely, all day the Comfort. I can see that you can even because even though this. War in the Pocket came out four years after this. I could you totally say, hey, they took some because co- the Comfort was a very limited produced mobile suit mm-hmm. made for col- made for like urban combat in colonies. It was made to you know take out enemy colonies without take out enemies in colonies without doing too much you know collateral damage. Hence why it has like close range shotgun weaponry. Yee. And so I could see the Marsai taking a lot of that tech because just like at the end of World War Two, how the Russians and the Americans and the British. All had their pick of all this Nazi science. That's exactly what the Federation did to Zeon. Yeah. We, they have to touch all their shit because we won. Uh, so let's talk about the Masala. Nice. I the one of the first transformable mobile suits we see in the show. Um, Shirakos. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, this thing is so when you first see it, this thing is so cool. I love it's purple. I love it because you you first see it as the mobile armor. Yeah, you don't even see it as a mobile suit until later, and when they reveal <laughs> that it's and when it transforms, you're like, oh, oh. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great fucking moment because the ca- none of the characters know it transforms, and then it just transforms in front of them, and like the he just fucking revels in it. He's like, ah, gotcha. Yeah, none of y'all saw this fucking coming. I'm I'm great. I'm the greatest. And Shirako designed that himself, and you'll see a lot of the weird Jupiter-designed mobiles, because this is apparently designed to be operated in, like, the heavy atmosphere and the heavy gravity of Jupiter. Yeah, which is why it's fast as fuck. Yeah. It even gives Char trouble, which is like, whoa, like, that's how, that's like... He's faster than Sonic! <laughs> uh, so, another, so we have two more transforming boys, one that you really like, the Asimar. Um... Uh, oh yeah, yeah! I really do love it. It's just so, I it, it and this this isn't to disparage it. Um, it's it's definitely the most toyetic one. Like, look at that fucking flying saucer. Look at that fucking grandizer. It it does look like the fucking the spacer. Um, and I love that it's 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 a fucking Devin. It's a fucking pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, I, I like. Well, I like it because it's like. You fight a fuckload of these in Super, in Super Robot Wars. There, because this is like good. the Titans' like go-to like Earth mobile suit. It has a dom head if you look under its hood. That's neat. That's the kind of the triangle dom head. Uh, yeah, but I guess like yeah, the, yeah, these are indicative of like all this weird shit is indicative of like Jupiter making its presence known in the plot like before it even really explains itself fully. Yeah, and then the last one we see is the Gaplant. Which Rosamia was piloting? Yeah, I like mobile suits with onboard weaponry. They you don't see a lot of those in the UC. A lot of because everyone it's like you know, once again if you know you have a machine gun arm and it gets blown off you're fucked. But hey, my machine gun got blown off. I can just grab another one. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it it's definitely very sleek. Z- all all of the Zeta units have such 
have really bold color scheme choices. Um, <clears throat> some some of uh, Kunio Okawara's best. Yeah, and, and I think, and and I wonder how much of that is just like they already had established like just just due to 0079 being the first of its type and so it still had to lean on the you know we got to sell model kits and shit in nature of like designing and coloring all of the mobile suits and mobile armors and such uh you know y- oh, your favorite the little Fushita. fucking rumble robot with teeth makes like a its schematics make a flash <laughs> screen fuck? appearance in this series and i know you caught it the Zaccarello, I did. I noticed that. Um, I love that fucking hideous boy. And I wonder if now that they're away from that, that they have the freedom, they are now making the choice of like, okay, what is a, like a, a more purposefully considered colorful war machine look like? Um, and they just got really weird with the designs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. I, I fucking... This is why Tomino Gundams are the best. Every other Gundam is scared to be not like Tomino's, and Tomino is the one that says, "Hey, fuck Tomino! I'm gonna do something <laughs> different." Oh yeah. Uh, last comment on the Gaplant. I love how it's uh, transformed mode when it's a mobile armor. It looks like a ship from like a shmup game. Yeah, it looks like a shmup game ship, or it looks like it looks like the pterodactyl from Zoids. Yeah, it's cool. So that's that's pretty much all the mobile suits from this chunk of episodes. We'll have a, we'll have a couple more for the next one, and even more. We'll just get, whenever new ones show up, we'll I'll add them to the list. Yeah. Uh, so with that, we can go straight into uh, Zeta Gundam. Yeah, let's let's do it an hour and a half in. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next the next two, I think the first one and the like, just like with Votoms, episodes one, part one and four are gonna be the long ones, and two and three are pretty short. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause uh, so. It's 0087, and things are bad. They're not good. Uh, we I like how this show starts with Char. That's isn't that that's I mean that's how 0079 opens. Well, 0079 opens with with two Zaku's, not Char specifically. Oh, true, true. true. But they, they're talking about Char the whole time though. Uh huh. And then Gene and Slender, those are the two guys. <laughs> and Gene and I think it's I think it's Gene who's all like. They're like, Slender's like, nah, man, we gotta, like, hang back, don't attack, we, we're just here for recon. And he's like, well, Char got famous by, get, by you know, going into battle, and he starts shooting at things in Side 7. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Side 7, which was just one colony, Side 7 didn't have a name. Like, Side 4 is more, Side 3 is Munzo or Zeon, Side 2, I think, side, side 1 is Noah, wait, no, Side 7 is Noah, Side 6 is Lee Dot, I forgot what side, uh, Side 5 was Loom. Sci-fi just doesn't exist anymore. Whoops. And are slowly being rebuilt, but uh, Texas Colony was part of Sci-fi. Everyone's favorite colony. How how much would you would you personally go and uh, hang out at, at Texas Colony? Ah, uh, that's where I would. That's where I would move. I was like, look, if I'm gonna live in space, I need to be a cowboy. I need to live live both fantasies at once. I love it. So, uh, Char is, is go- we don't really, it's, I like how, like, little you know what's going on in the first episode. It's very cagey, like, Char is infiltrating this plate, this colony, uh, Noah, it, it was renamed, it was Noah, so there's Green Noah 1 and 2, but the Titans set up shop there, and that's there, because that's where the Gundam was built, Side 7. Yeah, the, the, again, like, this, this show is so acutely aware of, of, it, uh, like, it knows it's a long-awaited sequel to a seminal anime, 
and so it it the tone of zeta is so much more purposeful and it reminds me so much more of like like live action water cooler dramas in its tone and pacing like every every like new scene is pushing this agenda of like what the fuck is gonna happen next it's like ooh, like here are some new characters here's some old characters here's how like how have they changed like what happened in the interim like like what's going on with them now how do they feel about each other now um like definitely and it opens with like hey here's char asenable he's doing something completely different from the last time you fucking saw him <laughs> he's literally and so in multiple ways a completely different person but we're not gonna fucking tell you anything about that you just have to watch him exist and just scratch your head like what the fuck's he doing <laughs> we smash cut to like i like how abrupt the smash cut is to the karate guys it just smash cuts to karate. Yeah. And then you your first appearance of Camille is Camille is like, hey, I'm leaving. And he just like dips. <laughs> Everyone's like, Camille, you can't skip. And then he like, Camille gets slapped within like seconds of meeting him. But he like, cause like, it's the, it's like the captain of the karate team. And Camille's just like, I don't feel good. And he like smacks Camille. Camille like, like actually like tuck and rolls and continues running as he like goes. And the captain's like, he doesn't look sick. <laughs> and we get that, like, we, we I, I really want to see, like, more of Camille's, like, high school life, because I feel it's a little more interesting than the glimpse of Amaro's we got in Origin, as much as I liked that, because Amaro was, Amaro had an awkward life. Oof. Yeah, I think Camille probably had a bit better, like, social relationships. Because I think Camille's a senior in high school, so, like, what was his junior year like? Yeah, right? I, w- I would read that manga, just, like... How did he meet Fa? Like, what, what's, what's, like, they've apparently been friends since childhood, so, like, how, what, what's, what's Camille's early life like? <laughs> Fa I, probably I beat him up. I, I'm sure Camille got, I, you know what? I would watch a Zeta High School AU where, like, Camille and Jared hate each other, and they uh, all go to the same high school. Yeah, like, Jared's, like, a fucking, <laughs> like, what, like, a, the, the, like, the team, like, it's whatever the, the... No, it has to be, like, a college AU, and, and Jared's, like, a like a rich kid fret dude. It's, like, the fucking, the AU, a- a- the fucking, no, like, the fucking, um, the, 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 the federal university titans. <laughs> oh, my God. And Quattro, yeah. Quattro's, like, the coach of the rival sports team that Camille, like, Camille transfers schools to join. <laughs> Oh my god, Zeta Gundam is a sports anime. <laughs> what sport would it be? Would it be ba- it would, would it be it would be soccer. I was gonna say football. I I, I would think it would be soccer because I can totally see like I can see because I can I can't see Camille playing football. I can see Jared playing football, but I can see Jared also playing soccer, and I can see Camille playing soccer. Right. But I mean, like that Jared- that is the anime that is the sports anime thing, right? Is like your main character is always like, really, they're gonna play this sport, but they don't look built for it. I, and then like Chuck Jared- Quattro, <laughs> fucking Coach Quattro comes up with a fucking ridiculous like tactic that doesn't actually make sense in reality that gives Camille an unprecedented advantage on the field, even though he shouldn't physically be able to play the sport. <laughs> Camille's like new typing how to do like crazy rebound passes. Yeah. <laughs> well, like you know, he's just like how he's small and wiry and he's fast. He can, he he like literally like if somebody tries to tackle him, he can literally just like dip between like their arm and leg and just like the little the little space. He can like fit through small places like nobody can tackle him. <laughs> this what's better that idea? Zeta Gundam's a sports anime or uh 
Votoms is a workplace comedy. Because I pitched that idea in our last Votoms episode. God. Uh... <laughs> About, like, everybody works at, like, a giant department store. And, like, Gotho is, like, the manager of the electronics department. Kiriko is, is the... like, it's it's absolutely shot. It, it is, it's shot like the office in Parks and Rec. But meta-narratively, it is not a reality show. And Kiriko is the only one constantly looking at the camera. And people go, Kiriko, <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> he just doesn't respond. <laughs> He just drinks his coffee. Cam- Camille, no, no, I know exactly what Jared does. Jared like has the forklift and like lifts packages in the back. Yeah. So Camille, Camille was greeted by his fr- by his childhood friend Fawn. When we were wa- we watched the first four ep- five episodes together because that's kind of like the first story arc of this. Yes. Um, you were making fun of somebody's outfit. I don't remember. Were you making fun of Camille or Foz? I was making fun of Camille's outfit because he looked like. Because you were commenting like how a, mad and pretty he is. He's he, he's dressed like he's like a fucking like 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 a, like a little foot he him lesbian, but it's like it's it's like his dressy day. Like he wants to wear a dress shirt and be nice. Um, he has like he wears like tight black pants. He has like a green sweater, but like the collar of like a yellow button up under like popping out. Yeah, he's wearing a sweater and he's wearing like a nice little he's wearing like a nice sweater and a button up. Like not even a vest. Like a fucking sweater with a button up underneath it. Boy, you're hot. You're in a colony. It's climate controlled. <laughs> it's for the look. It's it's fucking He's on Insta. He's on. You know, he's on Instagram. I love everybody's outfit in this. Like everybody, like Quattro's outfit, like Hankin, even like Fa's like civilian outfit is super cute. I like that. It Everyone me, has a good look. It 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 took until Bright. It took until Bright was standing next to Quattro in both of their uniforms to make me realize that like, oh fuck, he just found a red Federation uniform and dead ass tore the sleeves off of it. <laughs> I mean, like, it seems that, like, nobody in AUG wears sleeves. Like, Henkin wears a shirt under his AUG uniform. Emma has no sleeves. Reko has a coat over hers. It's it's definitely... It, Fa it, doesn't it, have sleeves later on. Camille has a jumpsuit. Camille has his blue jumpsuit. It's probably aesthetically to just, like, to show, to visually show that idea that, like, while they are, like, a military, like, a military power, they are not, like organized in that same way where they like you know they're not they're not a they're not they they are not their own isolated like military industrial complex they are people with weapons trying to do things with the weapons and you can tell that everybody comes from a military nearly everybody comes from a military background like there's that's the difference right is is that like they are not technically the same kind of military as like uh, zeon or the federation of the titans but they are they all come from that and so that's the best way they know how to do this shit so it's like but they do it with like a they do it with a level of like they do it on a far more casual level where everybody, like, there, there aren't really strict rules yeah. because everybody who's a part of this is, like, disciplined enough that they don't need a, yeah, a it's, strictly... Yeah. They, they, they don't get rid of the rules, but everybody understands that, like, these... This is the shit we need to do for a ship to function. Yes, this is the only way we we all know how to be on a functional ship. And fucking, I wish anyone from the AU was on the fucking, uh, fucking, um... God, I'm brain farting on their name. Not the Buff Clan, fucking Cosmo and them. The E the, the E Day. Oh, if if the Ayuk was if, if you swap the crews of the Argama and the solo ship, they they beat the Buff Clan. Char would 
Bess dies to the Titans. Oh, for sure. Yeah, bet, bet, like Bess is Bess is a Titan and dies before he can fully convert. Yeah, Bess is just an unfortunate casualty bet, during episode during the first te- or couple episodes. Bess would find out about the colony gassing and like demand to talk to Basque about it, and then Basque just doing, shoots him. Just like how what happens with Bright, and we'll get to that in a sec. But instead, but Basque just shoots him instead of instead of beating the shit out of him. Yeah, because because cause, how traumatic must that have been when that aired? That probably oh, shit, I, I some there's some there's some like the the younger fans who remember being like super like the the, the younger the youngest fans who watched 79 probably grew up into slightly younger fans of Zeta and probably cried. I that was even seeing that I was like no you don't do that <laughs> you don't do that to Bright now I was a little offended. So um, con- continuing on, uh, Fa essentially chastises Camille for skipping skipping clubs and like I can see that like Fa is definitely the Frau stand in like everybody there's like everybody has a similar role to somebody in 0079 but it's all but it's all tilted like 90 degrees yeah and and just due to how fucking often everybody says that part out loud like they constantly reference the white base and they constantly reference other characters and they constantly go like oh you're just like this and like I almost think it's like I I, ha- I mean we will have to watch more of the show uh, and we get to watch more of the show. But part of me like my I'm galaxy braining and I'm like is is Char just trying to recreate the white base because the white base won the war and that's what he knows is effective. The white base is the only thing that defeated him. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> No one defeats me. Like when, like when we get to later in the series, when when Kai and fucking uh, Hayato. Hayato show up, like when they both show up inexplicably in the same place at the same time with the AU, Quattro's just like, oh, okay, cool, I'll roll with this. Like he loves it. He does. Like he is. Uh, he is aware of how weird it is to be doing this. Like it's literally that fucking. The line from Die Hard 2 of Bruce Willis just going, how can the same thing happen to the same guy on the same day twice? <laughs> so, uh, people don't tend to not like Fa, and you'll, I, I like Fa, she, she reminds me of, of, of uh, she reminds me of a friend of mine, but like. <laughs> Fa's good, Fa, like, cause Fa is like, Fa is definitely not like. Fa is Frau if she knew Amro since Amro was like five. Yeah. Yeah, like F- Fa is like if if you were like if 0079 didn't exist and you made it later, if you ma- if you made 0079 in the eighties, Frau would probably end up looking a lot more like Fa. But they are two also, they yeah, are two different character types for sure. And Fa, like I I think like we'll talk about it when we get to like part three and how how I how I I wish Fa was able to do more in this show. I I have a hypothesis that I that I don't that I do- haven't done the legwork on yet, but I want to run it by you, is that Gundam, like, gu- the the quote-unquote Gundam girl, like, of each of each series, even though there are usually multiple women, but you know who I mean, the trope I mean, like, the Gundam the frau, girl of The Frau each, archetype. Yeah, the Frau Bow of, e- of each series, I think, is supposed to embody, like, the, the ideal anime g- girlfriend of that era. I think so, and that's just a common anime thing. Like, the, yeah. like... 
that that's that's in all anime sure or at least all like because like that then the same thing in a lot of sh- that's the same thing in all like shonen demographic stuff there's always going to be like the idealized girlfriend or female character yeah. and they're not and even necessarily the same... they're not even necessarily like waifus it's legitimately like if you met like this is the girl you fall in love with in high school yeah it's like it's like it's an archetype it's like it's you know you know what we're talking about yeah um, and, and I and I and I and I like that the eighties were like they're feisty now. <laughs> yeah, because she she she's like always kind of nagging Camille because like stop biting your your nails. You're seventeen. Stop. Yeah, she, she's because Camille always chews on his thumb. Yeah, she she's like she's doting, but in like an Italian way. <laughs> <laughs> like because it's because it's never like because Frau like if like if Frau noticed. Amro doing a bad habit, Frau would just like put her like hands on her hips and be like, Amro, you're too old to do this kind of stuff. You need to stop if you're ever gonna find a good wife and get married. And then Exactly. And then Fa just like sees Fa just like peeks into a room and sees Camille doing it and walks past him, just smacks him in the back of the head, like, cut that shit out. <laughs> that's yes, that's the difference between <laughs> Fa and Frau. <laughs> Probably because I think Fa's been dealing with it since she was five years yeah, old. Yeah, like this is literally it's it's big sibling energy. Very much, and like, and so she's like, "Why are you skipping practice? Like, what the fuck?" He's like, "He's like, the temptation is docking today, and that's that's Brett, Captain Bright Noah's sh- Noah's ship. I want to see if I can get a look at him at the spaceport. Maybe I can get another autograph because apparently Camille already has Bright's autograph. <laughs> that's so. And funny. I like that about Bright. I like that we didn't talk about Bright either. We we skipped Bright, which is sad, but we have more to talk about. With, we'll talk about Bright. Bright will come Bright up for sure. To, Bright has a lot to do in Zeta, and. Zeta got like I love Bright in 0079. I adore Bright and Zeta. Mm-hmm. Cause you, th- you I think Zeta is why I do- I like Bright so much, despite him being a soldier. Yeah. <laughs> being a career soldier. Yeah, Bright like, like if nothing else, like even if you're not someone who loves Bright as a character, um, <laughs> um But no, like, yeah, like even if you don't even if you don't like even if Bright's not your favorite character as a Gundam fan, like his he is an interesting figure for sure. Like I love, I, I love the roles. I, I love the the two roles so far he's played, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in the Universal Century going forward. Exactly, that, that's exactly how I feel. So bright. So and I like the idea that bright did not immediately. Bright just wanted a civilian vessel because mm-hmm. it's like it seems that all space travel is still like monitored by the Federation. So it seems that like ship captains who are enlisted in the Federation Navy are the ones who, like, do all commuter flights between colonies and to Earth and the col- and whatnot. And I like how grounded that, like, they how they, they talk about just, like, here is public transportation. Yeah, the, the low-key the low key world building, and I mean, like, there already was a whole lot of low-key world building in, in 0079. Like, we only get flavors of it, and I'm sure a lot of a lot of things back then are only vaguely mentioned because, you know, it was some idea that they didn't that they knew they didn't have the time to flesh out, so it, you know they left that to future EU shit to figure out. But the, but Zeta Gundam, you can tell that they're hitting it even harder with like the we will. It's not important, but you see that thing over there. We know exactly how it works and why it's built that way and why it functions like it does. <laughs> but it's just it, never going to come up. 
It's why I like the, the UC so much over every other Gundam other Gundam setting. The UC is so grounded compared to like a lot of sci-fi mecha anime. It's yeah. so grounded. It's grounded. It's grounded without reveling in how smart it thinks it is. You know, like I, I feel like the I. It's very humble. I love a lot of I love a lot of Star Trek, but I feel like the worst parts of Star Trek get very jerk offy. Of like, look at this thing we figured out how to fucking do. It doesn't it sound so real and scientific? Like it could be real, and you know, I feel like a lot of nerd jacking. Yeah, but like, and I say that as somebody who nerd jacks a lot. The 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 best world building is like, hey, you don't need you don't need to fucking have a real fucking blueprint of everything that's inside of a machine that you make. But you should be able to look at it and see it function and understand why it's there, if nothing Gundam else. Gundam is the middle point between Star Wars and Star Trek. Yes. It doesn't give as much of a shit as Star Wars. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as, it's nowhere near as flippant as Star Wars and nowhere near as, like, my, as, like, precise as Star Trek to, like, a nerdy degree, yeah. as you're saying. Because I'm sure, like, you know, I mean, what... I'm sure if you somehow managed to grill Tobio for long enough about, like, is, or whoever, like, uh, the, the other crew who, like, designed all that shit and, and figured it out, like, if you asked them, if you asked them enough questions that leading into other questions, eventually they would probably just be like, because it fucking looked cool. Like, we thought it looked cool. Like, <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah. We thought it looked cool, and we're like, oh, how would that work? And we just started talking about it, and there, there it went. World building. That's world building. You can absolutely work backwards. You can, you can, exactly. you can think, of the, think of the cool thing. Figure out how it fits in there after the fact. It's totally possible. I do it all the time, and it whips. It does. So, uh, as Camille enters the spaceport, he has a fateful encounter with with the Titans, where he just sees like a ton of Titans hanging out, and because like around double, like imagine growing up in Side Seven with like I don't know if Camille was born on Earth or not. Amro was, and Side Seven was pretty much evacuated during the One Year War. So I don't really know much about Camille's like actual childhood. I don't remember if they go into it too much. So, like, where he was. Because Side 7 was all but abandoned. So I don't think he, like, lived on Side 7 his whole life. But has at least since 0080-something. Yeah. So for at least the last seven years. And, but, like, imagine just being a... Imagine just your city becomes the headquarters of the fucking, like... Of the fucking Norse Fire Party. From V for Vendetta. <laughs> oh, God. Recently. Uh, yeah, that's, that's fucking wild. Like, specifically your city. So Camille just, like, hates and resents these guys for ruining everything. Like, to the point where it was, like, he still calls it Green Noah, as opposed to them wanting to call it Grips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, like, so, so that's what Grips is? Because I didn't catch it, honestly. That was everyone, That's one thing everyone asked me. They're like, what the fuck is Grips? They keep talking about Grips and what it is. It's like, Grips is the two colonies of Side 7. Grips 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. It's it's essentially the feder essentially the secret ba- the secret labs inside seven where they built the Gundam were then made bigger. They made a second colony with more of those, and then there was a city on top of it. And the Titans just set up shop and were like, "This is our place now. This is where we do shit." And I'm sure Titans may like it's kind of like how the Japanese hate that one naval base in, o- in Okinawa just because American sol they'll just get douchebag American soldiers fucking around in their city. Yeah, honestly, like I. And not all soldiers are douchebags. Soldiers are people just like anybody else. But they're but like there's like they are complicit they, they, at the at the bo- at the baseline. Regardless of anything else you can judge them for, they are compl- they are complicit in an oppressive system. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Other than that, like they they are all di- they are all they are all diverse individual people. Regardless of how how many billions of dollars the military spends trying to stamp that out of all of them. Um, exactly. 
um <clears throat> but but uh watching jared now and like it, it reminds me of like um do you remember a couple years ago they had that like ufo footage that came out of like the yeah yeah and if you listened to the audio of it, it was just like Air Force and Navy, Air Force and or Navy bros, I don't know, but like like people, like soldiers in the military, just talking like a bunch of fucking chuckle fuck duders, just like, look at that fucking thing, it's, ah, shit, it's so fucking fast, what is it, bro? It's like, I don't fucking know, dude. Uh, so what did you notice about, yeah, just like as you said with the, uh, the, the UFO guys, Jerry, people in the military, like, just low-ranking dudes in the military retain their personalities, yeah, but but it was like it was less of a it was less of a like you know, I I don't think that makes him sympathetic. I think that makes him indicative of like this is like this is exactly who both the Titans and the extremely real like military forces. I don't know about other countries, but definitely a, definitely a America um, wants in their military. These are the yes. types. These are the fucking like. I'm sure Jared is on Reddit. Uh, I'm sure he's a fucking, and I, you wouldn't get him to admit it, but he's he probably goes on 4chan, like like Jared doesn't. I wouldn't call like somebody was like, is Jared like a like would Jared be like a skinhead or like like a like an alt right Nazi? I'm like no, but he'd not. hang out with those guys. He he wouldn't be, but he'd hang out with those he, guys. Yeah, he he follows he follows the YouTubers of that crew on Twitter, and is just like I just think sometimes they make good points, and we should just be able to listen to any opinion. Like, oh, what? So the Ayuk should just do whatever the fuck they want on Earth? Like, <clears throat> God, yeah, fucking Jesus. The, I, that's my favorite Jared line that we'll get to later, just because it's like, shut the fuck up, Jared. <laughs> so, Faz, like, Camille, stop running. You're gonna, you're gonna hurt yourself because she's being Camille's mom. We're still on episode one. I'm gonna die. Yeah. We're gonna go a lot faster f- from here. <laughs> and I'm cutting a lot. Oh no. Okay, yeah, you're right. So, uh, she's like, Camille, get back here. And Jared just has to say something, because he's that guy. And I, I think that's... He, the, this is the perfect moment, just, of Camille and Jared's character. Everyone memes about this scene, but I think the scene is fucking brilliant. It's pivotal. Because it's everything you need to know about these two characters in, like, a minute. Yes. It, it's, one, it's, every, like, it's everything you need to know, and everything that encapsulates, the, like, the, the, they argue like i think there's something to be said with the fact that like the two of them the both of them made decisions that could they could have easily just not like i you know jared did instigate it camille didn't even hesitate to take his bait he yeah he didn't like he's marty mcfly that guy just called me chicken that's exactly what it is. Two, and this is the moment, because the reason we're talking about this for so long is because this is the moment that the entire show comes from. This the mo- entire show this moment, doesn't happen. This moment killed Camille's mother. This moment killed Camille's, yes. This moment potentially killed Fa's parents, because I don't know if we ever get follow-up on what happens to them. Follow up. So, Jer- Jared just turns and says the infamous line, Camille... That, that sounds like a girl's name, but that guy looks like a boy. And Camille fucking hears this. Because Camille was already bitching about how much he hates the Titans and hates that they're here. And then this fucking Titan, this fucking cheesehead, this fucking cheeseheaded fucker, just presses the exact button that that Camille did not need to be pressed at that what exact the, moment. What the hell did you say about my hair? Everyone has a berserk button. Even, like, everybody in the world has a berserk button. Mm-hmm. 
and Camille just like I like how he just he just shoves his books right into Fa. Like, oh fuck. <laughs> He was like, yo, and just, like, jumps over a turnstile and punches Jared, like, the fuck out. And I love how, like, three other titans just dogpile Camille, but he still manages to, like, kick, like, two of their asses. Yeah, like, he, before he they start not go down. Him. He's fucking scrappy as hell. And I guess just like, Camille's been in a shitload of fights uh-huh, in his life. Uh-huh. Camille's been in so many fights. <laughs> he's gotten, he's gotten blood on some sweaters. How, oh my god how many I, I i feel bad for camille's mother he stomp- how, how many times he has stomped on someone wearing those loafers he has he stomped on somebody for making fun of his loafers god. because i like these and they're nice so camille just gets camille essentially just assaulted a police officer <laughs> and gets arrested as as char so outside jared is is late with his good buddy kakrakon best friend and his his BFF Kakrakon, this this wife guy over here, <laughs> this 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 like thirty year old wife guy and his like twenty year old friend. Sometimes it'd be like that. It's so I mean my friend I made a friend at work who's like forty five. Yeah right yeah it's just a, it's just like the older work friend because it's like we're always together we might as well fucking. And I feel like that exists more in the military too, or like especially among like cops though, because it's like people you're just like two things I dislike, but like when you're paired with another human being for so long that and you have to your job revolves around being with this individual person. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 or like a fire team. It's it's what the entire buddy cop genre is founded on. Exactly. And so uh, they're outside testing the mark, the new Mark II is just in the civilian sector without warning anybody, and bright. And then Jared fucks up and crashes. Asshole. And he's just like, whoops. Fucking what? That, that sucked. Hope no one saw me do that. And then, Lol. like, Bright, who's just here because he's, like, he, he's just transporting people inside Seven. And he still has military clearance. So he walks into the Titan's base and he's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, dude, how many people got hurt? Are you guys not? Do you guys care? And Titans are like, shut up, nerd. And just punch fucking bright yeah, out. Yeah, like, literally they like literally shut up nerd and it's like that's just yeah, it's it's Well, they, so they do that later, but that's yeah. They, they I think they tell they just tell him to shut up and the bright's like, "Why?" cuz he so he goes and sees Basque after the battle. Yes. At this time Char is still infiltrating and Camille is getting Camille feels Char. And that's just when Char is like did like Camille like new types and can like start seeing space under his feet. <laughs> and then he has a, and he sees like I think he sees Char like he's it's it's a visual way of like metaphorically saying he knows exactly where Char is in this moment through like new type senses, and Char is like, "Ah, oh, that's Amaro." <laughs> He's like, I, "I I just felt Amaro. Is he here? What the fuck?" So then, the uh, the AU so Char essentially makes himself known, gets spotted Metal Gear style, what? and uh, takes a couple pictures of the Mark Twos and leaves. But as Jared is trying to fight him, Jared crashes again breaking a hole open for Camille to, to escape. Because right before Camille tried to escape, his mom was coming in to get him. Because Camille's mom works for the Titans as, like, an engineer, so she has clearance to, like, get Camille's charges waived. Mm-hmm. And then Camille's bitch-ass lawyer comes in and starts, like... Because Camille apparently just sat there in, like, a jail cell with a cop yelling at him, and Camille just didn't say anything for, like, an hour. Good. Which is how I would react. Yeah. Just sitting there twitching. Don't say shit. In, like... In, in, a, in, a, in a cocktail of fear and rage. Mm-hmm. And he, and then, uh, 
because he's I forgot the cop says something to him that's like really shitty. I forgot exactly what the cop says, but then Camille just like throws a binder at the cop's face. <laughs> yeah, and like he started it. <laughs> yeah, Camille. Camille treats like treasonous acts of violence as like fucking cafeteria brawls. He refuses to give a shit about any power structure. Because they're like, they're like, your mother's about to pick you up. What the fuck are you like? We're gonna, you're actually gonna get charged with like being a fucking actual crime now, Camille. And then lucky for him, boom, Jared fucking crashes in as the uh, as the full as a full battle erupts outside. God, like the Aug, the uh, essentially the Argama fires upon side seven and breaks a small hole into it so that um the Rick Diaz's can get in. And the three of the, the the GM2s around are exploding and just it's it's actually pretty horrifying. Like on, like for you see a bit of it from Foss' perspective where she is like she goes into Camille's house to get like his trophy because everyone's evacuating and she know she's like worried about Camille because the last thing that she saw was him getting fucking arrested. Yeah. And then Camille's mom is like, Fog, get in here and she's like, No, I have to get Camille's thing and then as she's leaving Camille's house with like his thing, like a GM just crashes on Camille's house. Completely destroying it. It's it's horrifying, and it's like. So at this point, Camille taking taking the chaos for granted. He like gets past two soldiers who recognize him, and they're like, and they're like, oh, that's that's your that's Franklin Badon's son. He what's he doing here? And they're like, they're like, oh, let him go. He's probably looking for his dad. Yeah, yeah, that's very very much like he is. He's an army brat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just looking for Camille. He's looking for his dad. So he like Camille runs aboard. Does not look for his father. His mom is chasing after him, screaming. Because I think she knows the look in his eye right now. Camille's about to make some bad choices. Camille's about and, to cause uh, problems on purpose. So Kakarcon and uh, Jared were in two of the uh, two of the Mark Twos, and then one of them is like kind of laying on the ground, like deactivated. And Bright is kind of just in a jeep, like, screaming, like, what the fuck is going on here, guys? Like, Titans, what are you doing? And Emma is there as well, because she saw the fight at the spaceport. And, and Camille just pushes past them, gets into the cockpit, is like, you guys should get out of here, because I'm about to do something stupid. And he then takes, he steals a high-tech proto- military prototype. Camille gets, like, the death penalty now. That's how many crimes he's racked up immediately. J- this is the most borderline personality disorder thing. He then stomps over to the single cop that was a super dick to him at the interrogation room and just shoots at him. Good not lord. Not trying to kill him, just to scare the shit out of him. And goes like, hey man, you like that? You like being a fucking big-ass fascist that fucking yells at people? You like that? How's it feel to be me now, bitch? And the guy just sits there screaming because a Gundam is shooting at him. Fucking petty. Like, like, for, like, 14 episodes in, Camila's only slightly less petty than that. Slightly mellowed out. To which Char is like, I, Char's just like, you and the Gundam, you're not, because he, like, he goes over to, the, over to the other Mark II and is like, hey, I have my hand on your cockpit, get out or I'll crush you. And Kakrakon's like, oh, alright, dude. <laughs> ah, shit. And gets out, and then uh, Camille and and Quattro and the and the uh, Rick Diaz. Camille's just like, well, I've already dug my grave this far, and I think he starts getting like a little bit of like, realization. Like, I think I got to go with them, or I'm fucked. <laughs> I don't have a choice anymore. <laughs> so, it, like, you commented that you like the scene where at the end of the second episode, where they uh, 
it's just the the uh, it's just the uh, both Rick Diaz's uh, carrying one of the Mark II's while Camille is is flying next to uh, the uh, to Quattro, yes. and they're just like alone in space. And Camille, they're they're like, "Hey, how long till we get to your ship?" And he's like, "It's about thirty minutes or so." And he's like, "I'm sorry, I've just never really been in in like space myself." Like in a mobile suit, I'm like I've never like just floated out here in space, and Camille doesn't even have a normal suit. So that's a little anxiety inducing. Yeah, and yet, like he also seems like calmer. Yeah, he kind of just like he like mm-hmm. meditates in the moment that like, and, and as you said, that like just in his body language, regular life is so like intolerable for him. It's so uncomfortable and so intolerable that like he has never just being a like he has never been more isolated than being inside like unequipped un like not dressed for the occasion of be in his in civilian clothes just like thrown inside of a mobile suit he can barely fucking he just is learning how to control right now i mean he knew because of robotics and shit but he's never done it um he's probably done simulations yeah like <clears throat> and um in space after a war after a battle and is like fucking no idea where the future is right now but like i i really felt in that moment him just like floating there cuz it, it was one of those it's one of those cockpits where it's like like the 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 360 fucking like screen or whatever right yeah um so yeah he it to him it must feel like floating through space and i and i think that i think that like someone like Camille is somebody who could probably in that moment detach himself from the context surrounding the situation and just like be like ah shit like this is like and he he just kind of vibes yeah he's just vibing with the moment and so they get to so episode three is when shit gets goes off this is this is so uh Camille's aboard the uh the Argama where he meets everybody and they're kind of just asking him questions. This is where we really start getting to know Camille, where he's just like, yeah, the Titan set up shop here back when it was like, because I think one of them was like, yeah, so you live on Grips? And he's like, it's Green Noah! Yeah. And like It's like before the fucking Titans came in here and renamed my fucking nice city into something fucking awful. And it's like, Camille obviously, like, that that's, that's what I like about Camille's arc, is where he starts, Camille just has an utter resentment for any kind of authority in general yeah he just sees it, it as like a net bad like there is no like like there is there is no like there, there's no good way to do this kind of shit when it's very easy when you can when you when he grew up under the thumb of fascism with two parents who directly worked for the system mm-hmm. and he starts explaining that like his mom and dad both worked on the mark ii his mom is like i think like a computer engineer and his dad's like a mobile suit engineer mm-hmm. but that like his parents are always screaming at each other and fighting and hate each other completely Camille's dad has a mistress that she completely knows about, and he's not making any effort to hide. And but she only stays because like she loves her work so much. And like, yeah, just like a you can you, broken a broken family, and he just like a hundred percent blames the military. And he does. That's exactly what it is. So so like <laughs> they uh they into a into a couple battles with the Alexandria, which is Basque's ship. Basque with the big fucking slug, the slug man of this show. Yeah, he, he's like a swole slug, and I hate it. With this he, fucking, he, and you even he looks like fucking Krang's robot body from Ninja Turtles. Yes, he does, 
you even noticed him in, in Stardust Memory, and you, had, you only never you never finished Zeta, and you were like, "Oh, it's this guy." Yeah, like, he's, the one. he's icon. He's an iconic villain. He looks like a fascist. Yeah. So Bright shows up talking to Basque right before Basque boards the Alexandria, which is Basque's ship for the rest of the show. Um, Basque, like, uh, he's just like Bright's, like, "What the fuck was that? Like, this is the most embarrassing display of military anything I've ever seen." Because Bright's like. Bright's offended. He's like, I fought, Bright knows how to war. You don't do this. You evacuate civilians. There's like, you you guys had no no desire to protect this colony at all. This colony that you that you set up shop in, and Basque just punches Bright in the face. A ste- that's like, Bright's not just a dude. Bright's not just a character we the audience like. Bright is like an esteemed, established war hero. Yeah, like but like Bright's the only one who like thinks that who like thinks that like his. He pro- up until that point, he probably thought that like things were going good for himself after the one year war, like relatively like, speaking, because he's like, oh yeah, cool, I'm like I'm a big shot in the Federation, like I did it, like he did it, and then this is what he has to fucking come home to. And he 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 doesn't have to do war anymore. He can just be a civilian. He can just be essentially like a like an airplane pilot. He he literally lived like the mil like that. Everybody who joins the the the. Everyone who, everyone of sound, of sound, like emotional stability, who still ends up joining the military, absolutely wants the life that Bright Noah had, except for the fucking white base shit. In terms of like the arc of his <laughs> career, if you join the military during wartime, as like an officer, yeah, like, like I'm gonna, he, sur- I'm a- gonna survive the war and like retire honorably, and it's gonna be great. And then, the but then fascists show up. <laughs> But then, then the fascists show up. Then fascists show up. show up, and not only do they show up, they tell you that they've always been there the whole time. Yeah. And you have. go, and, and you get, like, the little the little comic on Twitter, you go, oh no, in the last panel. Because <laughs> I think Bright's main thing, and a lot of people are like, why is Bright still with the Federation if if the Titans are, are taking over? It's like, well, technically the Titans are a separate entity within the Fed, that, like, an autonomous, separate military. Yeah, the, the, the Titans are, like, the, the Titans are, like, the, the people that they... You know they're fucking, they're cut. They're like they're fucking space cops. They're they're, they're fucking like, they're they're like so brights. They're they're justified and funded under under the excuse of like the Titans are here to weed out the last of Zeon and shit like that. Yeah, that's exactly what it's, it's, it's the Patriot Act of fucking Gundam. Ugh. Um. So it's yeah. So yeah, it would make sense that like probably even a lot of people in that very system probably don't like the like don't like the titans they think they're just a bunch of fucking roughhouse and assholes who, who are just who are just in it to go hunt down other humans and they pretty much prove themselves to be by kicking the shit out of bright for just complaining mm-hmm. like bright essentially like imagine if you were like somebody at a store is incredibly addict to you like i'm not a let me see your manager thing but like in the circumstances that somebody's like an absolute like somebody's being racist right in front uh-huh. of me and then, like, I go to see his manager, and then his manager responds by, like, kicking me in the teeth, and then, like, he has his two buddies keep kicking me in my while I'm down. God, yeah, it's it's literally, like, like, this is gonna be a little too real, but, like, this that's what Gundam is. So it's, like, I, I was watching this, I was watching this video of, like, this, this, this Vietnam veteran screaming at this line of cops here to agitate protesters and call it a riot. And the guy is just screaming over and over again how, like, I like I went to war. They sent us over there, and we committed atrocities, and we murdered people, and nothing we did was good. And none of you know that. 
none of you fucking know that and then one of them comes up and fucking bear maces him basically that's fucking raw and the dude and like but then the second half of the video is the the person filming like are you okay do you need help and the dude's just kind of like rubbing his eye like he got like some shit in it just like ah fuck they got me good man it's like yeah a vietnam vet would do that if you maced him directly (laughs) in the eye (laughs) just kind of like like literally just like ah fuck ah jeez like yeah no i'm good this hey man this is did you get it all on film this is why i'm here like that's but that's bright noah joining the au I think, and at this point, I think Bright's main reason for not being already in the AU is his, he was worried about his, his Mirai and his two kids. Yeah, like I have children, I can't, I can't join a paramilitary terrorist organization and overthrow the government. I can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I have kids, so um, the Camille's parents are brought in by the Titans, and like Camille, you see a fight between them where it's just like. She's like, do you even care about your son? And he, like, slaps her. And you're like, damn, what a dick. Like, you immediately they establish you're not supposed to like Camille's dad. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Emma... So, the, the, the Titans and the and the AU reach a, like, a... Reach kind of, like, a ceasefire. In the one remaining Gundam that they have, Emma goes over, and uh, Jared's in a Isaac. So, the operation is, like... Emma's not told any of this. She's just told, listen... You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna board the Argama. You have a white flag, so you're, you're coming, and we're, you're, we've, you're gonna arrange the ceasefire with the, with the Ayug. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna defuse the situation. I'm gonna be a good, I'm gonna be a good soldier. I'm, cause like, I, I want to believe that all the things that happened today that I saw are just, I'm just gonna excuse all of it under this is like extenuating circumstances. This is the exception, not the rule. Yeah, everything, like everything bad that they do is an isolated incident that they can justify within itself in a vacuum. And none of it has anything to do with any sort of pattern of behavior whatsoever. So then they shove Camille's mom into a, into a glass capsule and throw her into space midway between the Alexandria and, and the Argama. And they tell Jared, there's something in that capsule. If the Gundam starts moving weirdly, b- destroy it. Yeah, and, and Jared's like, yeah, sure, bro, yeah. And Because Jared thinks like it must be a bomb or something. Like if the Gundam, if the gun, if the Gundam Mark II that the AU stole approach it, blow it up. So Jared's like, "Yeah, bro, fucking yeah, right, yeah, man, all about it." It's gonna be sick. He's gonna, it's gonna be egg on his face. He's gonna be so mad. And so then uh, Emma boards the Argama, and even and I like how like all the AU guys are like, "Oh, dude, she's kind of hot." It's like, no, fuck that, dude. She's a Titan. Yeah. <laughs> and like, ooh, sexy Titan. And so um, she shows up and meets with Blax and Henkin, and she's like, "Here, here are Bax's demands." And Blax, the only time you see him mad is just like, "What?" <laughs> He's mad like a D- like a good D and D paladin would be when he smells like people are being oppressed. What <laughs> injustice? <laughs> he uh, he's just like, "Have you read this?" He's like, "Emma's like, no, like it's it's above my pay grade." And he's like, "They threw if Camille and the Mark II are not re- and the Mark IIs are not returned, they're gonna kill Camille's mob." And Emma's like, no, the military wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, that's that's not how the military works. She's that's, that's, so that's, that's what Zeon does. She's like, that's something Zeon would do. And he's like, this is they're fucking worse than Zeon was at their worst. And like Garen did some pretty atrocious things. Yeah. So like Emma's like, I need I need this has to be wrong. I'm gonna go talk to Captain Basque, he'll understand. And if Blex is like, the fuck you mean this is he'll understand. Like Basque wrote this. this- is- 
This this is exactly what Basque would do. This and then just ask the people at fucking Colony Thirty if this is what Basque would do. So then And then she's like, What's Colony Thirty? I thought I thought that was just like a little like riot that got diffused. <laughs> And so, like, a ton of people outside... So Camille's just kind of fucking around in, like, a dorm room, just being like, well, uh, what am I doing now? And everyone's kind of scrambling on telling him anything. So he eavesdrops on two fucking mechanics or whatever, being like, yeah, they got that kid Camille's mom in, like, a fucking, like, this is fucked, right? And Camille's like, what? <laughs> and steals a Gundam for a second time and goes out. And goes out. Quattro follows him, like, no, 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 no. This, like, this, is, this is bad. We do not have a way to solve this yet. So Camille like is like I got Camille is just not he's he's reacting the way somebody who loves his mom would react. He's very emotional, isn't thinking straight. He's scared and he's like about to he his mother's in danger. So he goes out, gets really close to his mother's capsule. Jared's like, oh, gun to went near the capsule. <laughs> capsule explodes. Camille's mother is, is is lost to the vacuum of space. And my f- the the best part is the aftermath of that scene because like Jared like Jared is. Jared is subtly shook. He has no idea what just happened, and he's just like, nothing happened. There was no explosion. And he just kind of looks around <laughs> and goes weird. like, Some- something terrible has happened. <laughs> I don't and like then, this. This feels bad now. And it's like, ah, it's so good. And Camille just like screams. I think he literally says, what did I just do? What did I just do? <laughs> and then seconds later, he has another Gundam at him, punching him repeatedly, you yelling, you killed my mom. Jared's like fucking ew, your mom. And then like, and then like, he does the fucking villain thing. He does that perfect like tragic fall villain thing again. It is a pivotal point. He could have made a decision, and he made a different decision. He doubles down. He goes like, huh. He basically is just like, huh. Oh, totally. I I killed the shit out of your mom. I bet you fucking. Oh, you gonna cry about it, baby? Like, he fucking totally does that. So it's like Camille gets brought back because Camille just can barely do anything. He's just flailing around in the Gundam screaming because what? Of course he would. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't blame him. And like Quattro brings him back in, and Emma's like, "I'm gonna, okay, I'm taking the Gundam back, and I, I, I'm gonna confront Captain Basque." And the Aug is like, "Okay, fine. We need to assess what we're doing. But you can take one of them back, but we're keeping the third. We're keeping one of the two. Yeah." So Emma's like, okay, and she brings Camille back to the Alexandria. And, uh, because the AU are also like, well, maybe they can, we can get Camille's dad, too, because like, he'd be, probably be, like, useful as, like, an engineer, because I, I guess they don't know how big of a fucking dick he is. Yeah. Or they're hoping. They're hoping. Yeah. Okay, maybe Camille's dad will be of some use to the, to us. He, he at least built the, the Mark II, so he we can maybe help us design more. So then they get to the, the Alexandria, and, uh, that's when Jared is, like, making fun of Camille, and Camille just, like, Camille has a, Camille slaps back so fucking well, because at first Camille is just, like, about to cry, mm-hmm. and he's like, he's like, well, hey, I also kicked your ass in a mobile suit, and I'm, and I'm, I've only done this, like, once, and, like, I'm already better than you, and you're, like, an actual titan. <laughs> and Jared's like, no, no, you're supposed to be mad, not me! Yeah, right, fucking, uh, <laughs> ah, the turntables. Um... A little bit of stuff happens aboard the Alexandria where I think Emma confronts Basque. I don't remember if she does or not or overhears something. Camille is like, Dad, Mom's dead. And Camille is, Camille's dad like doesn't take, is, he's like, he's like shook, but he's like not like, 
upset. He like he he's like ah he's like man that fucking sucks anyway. And Camille's like yeah you're happy now that you don't you don't have to worry about mom with your fucking mistress. And he just like slaps Camille. Mm-hmm. It's like as you you put it perfectly. It's just like that feeling when when your parent dies and you really really wish it was the fucking other yep. one. <laughs> and like Camille s- s- hates his dad so much and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emma shows up and she's like I'm defecting. And Basque was talking to Camille's dad, like, hey, listen, like, I want to, like, if you work with us and help us resolve the situation, you will get, like, rewarded. So, Camille's father kind of plays coy. He's like, okay, I'll go with, Emma's like, I'm fully defecting. I'm done with this Titan shit. You and you get, Camille, you get in the Mark II with your dad. I'm going to get in the other one. We're going to, we're getting off the Alexandria. So, Emma shoots her way into the, into the, hangar and steals the two Gundams back and they go back to the Argama. This is episode 5 now. Mm-hmm. So here we are in episode 5. The Alexandria is currently is like, uh, they request assistance from just a regular Federation ship, the Bosnia, which is where Lila shows up. Yes. Uh, tell me no name, counter, ding. It's uh, Lila Myla Ryra. <laughs> Love it. Uh, we, got, we got some fucking great tell me no names in Zeta. Can we just say that for a sec? Oh, that we have, like, absolutely. Yamatov Hymen. We That's we got uh, fucking Paptimus Scirocco. Um, we got Quattro Bagina. Qu- Quattro Bagina might be like the most under the low key one, just because you're so it, it's you're so overexposed to that name, you get used to it. But it's like no, he's really just named Quattro Bagina. It's fucking and it rules. I go as fucking nuts as you can with names, dude. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Fa Yuri. And Machine's pretty normal. You, you gotta have a couple normal ones in there, yeah. like Hayato Kobayashi just being a Japanese name. Um, Buran Blutark. Fucking B- Kakrakonka Cooler. Basque Om. That's a powerful name. So, um, they get back to the to the uh, Federation. They get back to the Argama. And the Bosnia and, uh, the Bosnia's mobile suit team then merges with the Alex- with the uh, Alexandrias, and where uh, this is where we meet Yamaiken, who has the uh, or we saw him earlier beating up Bright, but he's the tall mustache guy, mm-hmm. the the rake thin mustache dude. That's yeah, that's Yamaiken Danigan. Another tell me no name. Fuck him. Jamaican Yamaiken. I think it's Yamaiken. Yeah, but it's spelled it's 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 uh it's spelled Jamaican. Yeah, it's Romanized. I think is the term as Jamaican. I guess it's just Jamaican with like a soft Y. So Yamaiken. Yeah. Yamaiken. Yamaiken is how they say You're it. You're making me crazy. <laughs> and so he, uh, he's like, all right, all you, uh, all you guys from the Bosnia, you're now officially part of our mobile suit team. If you, if this, mi- if the next couple missions are successful and we recapture the Mark IIs or we just blow up the Argama, you guys are all Titans. You get a pay raise, you get everything, and every- like, you guys get- actually get dental insurance. <laughs> to which these normal soldiers are like, oh, fuck, I get dental? <laughs> God, uh, and uh, Lila is ap- apparently, according to extra co- uh, EU stuff, there there is like art of her younger in the One Year War. She was a gun cannon pilot. Oh wow! So she's a veteran, as opposed to most of the other guys here who are probably new recruits or started in the military around the time of Operation Stardust. Right, because like if you're because like if you were actually in the One Year War, you would probably not completely. I mean, you might, but it's it's. It's more likely if, if you've had firsthand experience with like Xeon, you it might be harder for you to buy into like the the hard propaganda that they push on these fucking dweebs. I want 
I like to think that like most most one year war veterans probably are part of the AUG. Yeah, a lot a, a lot of them. Like or the, the ones that saw ones. the ones that saw the worst of it. Exactly. Or Karaba, <laughs> as we see later. So the two so uh they during an, the Bosnia attacks with Lila and Jared, Jared immediately gets a boner for Lila. Like immediately. Yeah. Is like I'm gonna fuck this older lady. It's, it's gonna be great. Because Lila's like Lila's like like 28 and Jared's like 20. So they like so they have a bit of banter uh, where you know Lila, Jared's she's like I'm gonna teach you how to be a real man, Jared. Jared's like oh, and it's gross. <laughs> Uh, but as this attack happens, Camille's father just uh, points a, a laser, like a like a welding torch, right at the back of one of my favorite side characters, Astonage, who's the head mechanic on the Argama, who's who makes it all the way to charge counterattack. Oh, good for him! You love to see it, you know, uh, he, surviving like the he, Gundam series. You'll see him a bit more later on, where he starts. Bo- him and Camille have a bit more of a friendship because they're both like mech nerds. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, hey, uh, you're going to take me over to the Rick Dias. And so he throws a Polly into space. <laughs> who has to get retrieved by Quattro. And he grabs Quattro's uh, red Rick Dias and launches. And he's like, I'm going to take this back to Basque. And I'm going to get this wicked dick, wicked big dick promotion because the Rick Dias is something the Titans have never seen before. And they can get their hands on it. I'm going to be a big-ass hero. I don't have to worry about my bitch-ass wife anymore. I can be with my new hot young lover and my fucking... Idiot disappointment son can just die with the terrorists. To which, like... So he he dips, and so in the battle, it's unclear who... Like, Camille launches and tries to convince his father, to the point where, like, Camille's dad shoots at Camille. Yeah. And Camille's like, okay, thanks for confirming everything I've ever feared in my life. I hate you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure... I think it's Quattro who cho- who destroys the, the red uh, Rick Dios, but... It, or... It, I forget if it's Quattro or just, like, a stray shot from something. Just hits the red Rick Dios and it explodes, killing Camille's father. And, like, Camille's saddened by this, but he's not, like... He's more, like, angry. Just, like, fucking, of course you had to go and die like that, you fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. And that's when they, they pull Camille back inside. And he's, like... Just kind of starts raving about his family and how he just wanted to be have a normal fucking upbringing. And that's that's when Quattro's like, you ever hear of a man named Char Aznable? <laughs> Camille's like, yeah, I, I really look up to him. He didn't take shit from the zombies. He, like, Camille pretty much says that. Like, yeah, yeah, Camille's like, yeah, fucking Char whips ass. Yeah, Char whips ass. And Quattro's just like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're... <laughs> but... He, he pretty much says, as I said earlier, it's just like, are you gonna let this, like, consume you? Are you, this, are you gonna let this erode who you are? Are you just going to sit by and not do the right thing? What are you going to do? <laughs> and Rekka was like, Quattro, what are you What are you talking about? <laughs> like, she's kind of like, yo, I've never seen you like this. Because I think that's the realest Char has been in, like, eight years. Yeah, that, that's that's because that, that's Char. Because Char rarely looks that- behind him. Char is constantly moving forward. Char is, Char is concerned about progress in the past is... Th- like the the past is dead to him and the past he can't kill his objective is always to kill it um yes that 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 is that is why char is a kill the past character um and and so he it's it 
it is like noticeable when when he takes that rare moment to like consider his past and, tr- and reflect on it because he's usually running from it as fast like that's why hey hey and that's I, why he's so fast he's running from it and so camille just kind of said like camille's just not in the right headspace to fully get that and i ho- and like i hope camille took that to heart a bit but at the moment he probably was not in the right mindset too because he just goes like i don't want to fucking hear this shit yeah. and kind of storms <laughs> off to cry I mean, no one ever is, right? All you can ever do with that kind of shit is just plant brain seeds and hope that they sprout. And I think Char responds maybe like, ah, oh, what it is to be young. Mm-hmm. So at this at this moment, we now have episode six, which is where um, that the first five episodes are like a concise arc. If you're going to start the show, watch the first five in a single go if you can, because that's like a really good like. That's like the pilot episode, I'd say. Yeah, it like sells. It like gets like if if you're not bought in at that point, then like we've got nothing here for you. <laughs> yeah. So from there on, the next couple episodes, uh, episode six is mostly Camille having another slap fight with Jared, which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. For the majority of episode six, the big the big thing was like Rekoa gets into a jet and she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna one, I'm gonna single handedly infiltrate Jabiro." Because we have a, we're uh, we're gonna plan an attack on Jabro to try to cripple the Federation and end this this like now that we're in active combat with the Titans this is now like we're in full on war right now or we're in a war like scenario yeah, we can't fuck around we don't have we we're we're not them we don't have the resources we have to nip this in the fucking bud we have to attack Jabro as fat as and hopefully end this before it can get horrible yeah and uh, before this gets to become the grips conflict <laughs> <laughs> whoops. And so, Rekka was scouting ahead, and the whole drama of that episode is, um, essentially getting Rekka out. Camille mobilizes for the first time, and this is when they start saying, like, Camille, we think you should be a pilot. Like, you're pretty good in the Mark II. Like, why don't you become its designated pilot? Like, Quattro for a while was in the white Mark II, because they just painted it, and he was just like, this makes my skin crawl. Yeah, right? Ugh. Give me something red. So, uh, episode seven. This whole time, though, Emma has been on board, but she's been under like house arrest and under surveillance. Like they keep grilling her, like they're trying to make sure she's not a spy. Yeah, Henkin immediately takes to her, but Blex is a little more like, because like uh, they they're testing her eyesight, I think, and where she's like floating on board and like marking and like noticing like things that are in the trajectory of the ship. Mm-hmm like asteroids and whatnot and henkin's like yeah she has really good eyesight she's really good you know incredible perception perception and henkin's like yeah and blex is like yeah you can only like as be ex- expected of a titan because you know the titans only pick the best of the best they're not picking shitheads of course never and then henkin is just like x titan he's like you're easy to remind her because they start at this point they're like okay in order to fully... Because Emma, at this point, is like, I, I'm still having trouble grappling with the logic that the military always operates like this. And she's, like, hesitant mm-hmm. to fully em- embrace the AUG. And they're like, okay, let, we're having a field trip. We're going to take you to, to... You need to see Colony 30 of Side 1. So we're going to take a trip to Side 1 while evading the... Uh, we'll try to lose the, the Alexandria and try to get into a colony zone where they wouldn't attack us. Or hopefully won't. We'll drop off at Side 30... Emma can see the tra- see the actual tragedy, and 
then we can dip to the moon where yeah. we can organize for the Jabro operation. And, and I feel like that shows a dedication to their cause because it's like, you know, they are a they are a small streamlined military operation. They have like they have shit to do. The fact that they are so invested in Emma as like a as like a comrade that they're like we 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 are gonna make sure you understand. We're gonna take time out of this mission to like go someplace and put ourselves at risk to like make you understand that like we are in this for the right reasons. Um, I think that's that, that and I think that speaks a lot about Blex as a character, despite him not having a lot of screen time. That the organization follows after what he wants. It's like his own person. Yeah, because like any one of them could have been like, "Are you kidding me? That's a stupid fucking plan." She can just read about it on Wikipedia. Like we gotta go. Like, <laughs> um, and they don't. They're like, "No, yeah, okay, let's do that." Uh, and 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 you know, to to my point of it being a risk, as soon as they change course, they get spotted. And it's and and this is further proof that it's such an out of the ordinary thing for them to do in that situation. Like the Titans are like scratching their chins, like what are they up to over in Colony Thirty? This is a ploy. Lila thinks they have a secret base. Um, yeah, it's like they must be a secret base there. There's no other logical reason they would just up and go to there out of nowhere. Like they can't fathom, they can't fathom that they have some personal reverent reason. Like it's it's gotta be a military tactic because it's a fucking war. But the AU isn't like like I said before. Like they're in, they are not a military industrial complex. They are not a soulless machine of gears. They are a they despite are a being funded by Anaheim. They are a rebellion. They are. They're a rebellion that's also funded by the by by tech by technocrats though, which is the side which is the dark side of the AU. That that, that is the dark side. I am confident that I am confident that that they at the very least justify don't like it. Not just not justify it, but it's just like we either do this or we don't have any way to fight them whatsoever. Exactly. I feel like. I honestly feel that, and we'll get to it very soon. But anytime that Quattro is dealing with like a the Anaheim guys, his skin is kind of crawling. Yeah, because it's like you know, in in all of their ideal aftermath of this, Anaheim isn't a fucking factor. Like, like it. it it's like I would my skin would crawl too if I was part of like an anti. If like if Antifa was actually the AU, like I feel like like the like the and, like the fat like the government fears. And, you know, I maybe maybe it comes up, but I just feel like I feel like I don't even know why Anaheim would be funding them if for no other reason than they don't actually believe like they don't actually believe in anything the AU stands for. They just see a profit opportunity. That, I think that's half of it. I think I think because it's an individual basis as a whole for Anaheim as an as a body. Yes, that is true. But I do think there are like specific Anaheim investors that do give a shit. Sure. Like Wong Lee, the one we do meet, I think he cares. Yes, he 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 is the rare. He is that rare ideal that I I just gave up believing in in the real world of like somebody in a place of power and influence who is like I should use this for something directly in like for some direct good. Like I'm not gonna give to some fucking charity where the money's gonna disappear and I get a tax write off. I'm not gonna fucking tweet thoughts and prayers on social media fucking i'm gonna use i'm gonna like walk into a room and like fucking make a fucking i'm gonna tell somebody to fucking do something that's gonna fucking directly affect it reminds me of a kind of like robert bigelow who was this billionaire who made his fortune like um in like 
hotel in like motels and like chain hotels mm-hmm. and made a bill made himself a billionaire like that but he just the thing he really gave a shit about was like aliens <laughs> and ghosts so he ended up like buying all and doing these super super high budget like paranormal investigations some of which got shut down by the government and stuff what yeah it's an interesting story look up uh, robert bigelow would... <laughs> after that but that's yeah. there are billionaires that do like legit give a shit about things and usually they're the, they're not like i I, they're incredibly rare, and I think it should be illegal to be a billionaire. Yeah. But like, I mean, when you throw enough yeah. spaghetti, when you throw enough trillion dollar spaghetti at the wall, a couple of them stick. Uh. So, um, they uh, they they go to they go to they go to the uh, to Colony Thirty, and it's it's I like how horrifying it is. Like they don't pull punches with showing you a mummified corpse, and Camille's like Camille. You can see him slowly getting radicalized a little bit here, of just being like. At this point in his character arc, he's still like, this is just the fault of fucking adults who don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And it's very much like, you know, like, even hearing about, it's like, it's one thing to hear about it, it's another to see it, which is the whole reason that they went there. And it's like, Camille's like, huh, yeah, fuck them. They would do something shitty like that, huh? And then he actually sees it and he's like, oh, this is like, different. This is like, like a this, thing than why I was it, it's it's like the feeling you get when it's just like you're you're talking about how much you hate the Nazis, but then you actually see Holocaust pictures and you like don't have words for how horrifying what you're looking at is. Yeah, it's just like oh, it's it's like that. Like they they're not just like dickheads. They're like fundamentally like that. You, this is pure. This evil. is when you figure out what evil is, and it's like it's not something you can. It's not something you write down, and it's not something you can define like hard set in stone in a dictionary but it's 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 real apparently just what happened at the colony 30 incident as char explains is that because emma hears oh i heard it was just a riot that had to be put down he's like well (laughs) it it was essentially a mass protest technically they did that they succeeded it was technically this like uh this big organized protest against the feder against the federation and titans you know limiting space noid rights governing like destroying what little autonomy they had and uh because the titans didn't it was a bad look for the titans they just decided to uh to fuck with the oxygen filters and poison everybody zeon style and like it just didn't really get reported on it it didn't and it because it was a media blackout and just (laughs) media blackouts i don't know anything about those in 2020 and, like, I was thinking, like, wouldn't people know about what happened to Colony 30? But I'm just like, well, if the government control, if the Federation controls all, like, transit and, like, between colonies and the Earth, there probably just are no more flights there. Yeah. And, like, the being rich enough to charter your own spaceship and just go there on your own is, like, impossible. Yeah, and the people who can... You'd have the, to be, like, Mirai, who's rich enough to do yeah, that. Yeah, and the people who are would probably be complacent in that they'd just be like oh well that's pretty fucked up uh guess i'll do business in a different colony uh it's 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 an open you know it's one of those open secrets and you and you say to yourself well that can't fucking happen people would fucking do something about that i I also know what i also know what it is yeah because anybody who comes near gets flagged down by a Titan's ship, and then the Titan's captain, the cool guys in the black jackets start pointing guns at your head saying, if you say anything, you and your family are dead. Yeah, like, yeah, who knows? You might just get scooped up by, you might, you might just get scooped you up by, get an unknown, by an unmarked, uh, an unmarked uh, shipping vessel. An unmarked shuttle. Yeah, right? It might just scoop you up and just be like, oh, can you just come over here real quick? And then no one ever hears from you again. 
glad this is a work of fiction. So Lila shows up in the colony and is essentially just like, she shoots at the AU and is just like, hey, the only reason we're fighting is because you guys are like causing trouble. Mm-hmm. To which, and she like grabs Camille and then he, what was your line like that you te- you sent to me? Is this like, Char's like, doing that will not prevent me from telling you how wrong you are. Yeah, right. Like, so, like <laughs> she puts a gun to Camille's head and Quadra's just like, you fundamentally misunderstand this situation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it, it ends up as a mobile suit battle outside where Camille shoots down Lila. And I think technically Lila's the first person Camille ever kills. Yeah, like, d- dire- like if it, definitely directly with intent. And, like, she at the last moment is like, oh, Jared is so fucked going up against this kid. Yeah, right? <laughs> She's just like, last, this kid's... Her last thoughts to shit on Jared one more time. And Jared, like, has a baby cry himself, and it's it's way more pathetic than, like, it was more like, no, she was gonna give me a handjob, maybe. No, kitty! <laughs> I can't believe Camille grabbed a machete and sliced off her head in front of me. <laughs> that's that's how it happened. Just a reminder that when, when me and Tooch watched uh, Ideon be invoked, uh, as soon, well, as soon as the movie started, I'm not going to say what happens exactly, Tooch yells, that's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I'm such a dumb bitch. I've, I meant it. I, Devin, I, I have never meant something I have said more emphatically than in that's that moment. That's not canon. That's not canon. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious so uh camille is episode eight um they're on their way to the moon and camille is like camille's shook Mm -hmm. reasonably so he's just like i uh, emma's like hey i'm a full member of the AUG now and camille's just kind of like being a dick that's great fucking we're that's great you know what else is you know but you know what isn't great war it like um early we forgot in episode six though that was when camille because you made the joke of just like camille like kind of giving the like the mobile suit gundam uh mobile suit zeta gundam schematics to fucking recoa and he just designed it for the fuck of it on the au's computer yeah yeah no that was earlier on before recoa left in episode yeah, six he's like uh you, well, here i did i made this uh it's like floats away in the fucking space hallway um <laughs> that uh fuck i had i thought i had a thought it's gone now let's move on it's gone let's move on so uh at this point, they're getting close to the moon. The Alexand—they just can't shake the Alexandria. This is some Last Jedi stuff. Yeah. They, just, they no matter what, they just cannot cannot get away from this guy. God, um, uh, can from- you imagine if Char and Amro could talk like fucking like like fucking Kylo Ren and Rey? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> they just beat the shit out of it. Like it's, it's literally like. I had okay. I I don't know if I've ever talked to you about how much I love Kim Possible, but my favorite thing you have before my, my favorite thing about Kim Possible was like the rivalry between Kim and Shigo was so intense that no matter what, because like they're both the they're both the extremely 
hyper competent alpha woman girl boss type you know like rah-rah feminism of like the late 90s early 2000s that it's like you know they they had other character traits but like that's what they were both rooted in of just like ugh, like the the guys in our life are so dumb they're such dumb boys we are level-headed women who have it all together the second they yes. the second they lock eyes with each other it's a fucking brawl they're just f- going in going in they are beating the piss out of each other like <laughs> <laughs> that's Amro and Char. Like, uh, like, like Amro's taking a piss, and like Char's reading a book. But they, bo- they both look up and see each other in their respective rooms at the same time. They're throwing hands, like <laughs> <laughs> silent, <laughs> no hello. They're throwing hands. <laughs> that's great. Uh, there's a quick battle on the surface where uh, Jared fails to avenge Lila and gets styled on by Camille. But Camille gets gets damaged in that fight. Like, the Mark II's leg gets destroyed. Uh-huh. In that battle. But they end up docking with... Um, so they make it look like they're going to head for Granada, which is the one, the, the three, one of the three biggest cities on the moon. Granada was where Cassilia Zabi was for most of 0079. Mm-hmm. That, remember she killed the mayor in Origin? He got hit by the big truck? Oof, yeah. No, that was great. That was the mayor of Granada. <laughs> Same city. So they're back there, and Granada is... Because the moon is, like, owned by Anaheim, pretty much. Like, Anaheim employs over half of the moon. Yeah. They're based in the city of Anaheim, which is, you know, Anaheim Electronics, Anaheim on the moon. But, uh... Every other... They pretty much have a monopoly of business on the moon with everything. So, um... They make it look like they're docking at the, at the city of Granada, but they dock at the much smaller city of Amman that is 100% owned by Anaheim. It's like essentially a small city and a manufacturing plant. It, it's yeah, it, it's like they're um freaking what? It's it's one of those situations that like that that hey that Amazon was trying to do of just like they just buy a whole city and it's Amazon City. Yeah, that's exactly what Anaheim did with Amman. Or Anaheim built Anaheim built it. Right. So they, yeah, they they cut out the middleman. They're just like, oh, this is the moon. This is just land here. Uh, let's just put a city here. Um, I th- and I like how kind of weirdly autonomous the moon is. Yeah. Like the like Federate like the, Anaheim is so powerful. It's the only reason that the moon has some that the moon is not the shittiest place to live. I think if I lived in the Universal Century, I want to live on the moon. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Fu- fu- fuck Ernie from Sesame Street. I would like to live on the moon. And so, uh, they dock with Amon, and this is where we get the Hyakushiki, finally. Because they're like, hey, with the stuff from that one Mark II unit you sent us earlier, that you sent to us before you arrived, uh, we finished the Hyakushiki. Here you go. We got you another Rick Dios, and we have the Nemos. And Char is, like, sick. Meanwhile, Camille is having a nice, like, moon rover stroll with, uh, with Emma. Mm Mm-hmm. When suddenly they get jumped by Kakrakon. I just kept- I was thinking if we ever did Zeta Bridge, we need to have them going through Whalers on the Moon. (laughs) we're whalers on the moon (laughs) like fucking um yeah that could be like the when they're driving through the colony dropped the the dropped colony or like the crashed the the derelict colony yeah because they they go through a because you were asking you asked me what colony you think that is and i'd say it'd either be side three five or four Mm -hmm. so uh camille finds a haro in it yeah camille find i listen I choose to believe this is my religion. I choose to believe uh in in that Haro being Amro's Haro somehow. <laughs> somehow, some way he he found his way home. Well, what was it you said that the, at the end of our I think we I, well, back when we watched these old years ago we're like what do you think happened to Haro and you're just like 
Amuro lands back on the shuttle in the ruins of the like after the white base explodes and at the end of the third movie or the, the final episode and like he's just thinking about Lala and how he's like I can't die yet like I have friends I can't I can't abandon them as much as I want to just die and be with you in whatever weird new type afterlife exists yeah no for sure and then like Haro hi like like Amuro's uh catchphrase was like uh Amuro Genki which is like how are you feeling good Oh, like, Amado Genki, Amado Genki, and he just like grabs it and just launches it on <laughs> into deep space. <laughs> um, but the real answer is, um, uh, apparently, like, I'm I'm becoming more and more convinced that it was like it was funded partly by the Federation. Because it is it is canonical that the that the later on mass produced Haros that um, I would Camille finds one of them. Um, yeah, because Bright says later on that like oh every every Haro produced has my name and Amro's name in their memory banks, and that made me realize like oh they mass produced them as like a a post war like celebration type thing of just like you to like get a Haro just like Amro had just like everybody's favorite war hero Amro pilot of the machine that our enemies certainly didn't call the white devil uh. and to a lot of people on earth like that was the only thing that stopped Zeon from conquering the earth was the Gundam yeah. and that was a powerful <clears throat> propaganda tool because people literally believed in it um, and so yeah and, and, and so like I, I, and so I, I choose to believe that the, the Federation helped fund and market the, the Haro uh, they, they put they put it's, it's, it's like you know like some kind of Buzz Lightyear ass commercial where it's like the like Haro will like tell you about like things that happened in the One Year War and like simulate battles like when like when C three PO explained the first two movies to all the Ewoks. <laughs> um, it just makes it can make fun sound effects and shit. Uh, <laughs> um, and bright you know, was not consulted for character rights. Like, he didn't he didn't sign anything to let them use his name. He gets no royalties from it. He, he's a cog in the war machine, and they will do whatever they want with him and his identity. Um, and Amro probably... Because I, I, when I originally watched it, I had canoned that, like, Amro did it for profit. Um, and what I think instead now is that, like, they sort of set him up to do that and that's like it's it's his money but the federation is writing those checks that pretty much um like hmm. uh my the little canon kerfuffle i mentioned at the start of the episode is actually around haro and origin where in 0079 amuro says he built haro but hmm. you see him as a kid with a haro in a box that his dad bought him yeah that that's one of the retcons is that haro is now a toy probably due to the, like the realism of a 15 year old designing and building his own talking toy my my headcanon and how I for how both can be canon is that that was before the one year war and how many toy companies do you think were did, how many companies do you th of just making regular everyday things oh, went right. out of business during the one year war yes. so I think Amuro just got the rights to Haro because I'm sure he upgraded his Haro the to have like actual the, AI the Federation gave Haro the rights the Federation's bought it up and they were like hey uh, our our number one big hero pilot like had your toy and like that's pretty marketable you know do you want to actually sell some fucking haros and they probably said hell yeah we do federation <laughs> based off of amuro's designs yeah like to his upgrades yeah. and then amuro got got all the royalties okay yeah that totally works fuck yeah we're the greatest we're, our brains are we're huge. the greatest 
So uh, Camille spends the beginning of episode eight working on the Haro, and it, it keeps calling him Amaro. Yeah, it keeps calling him Amaro. He's like, no, God damn it, I'm not fucking Amaro. <laughs> As everybody on the Argama keeps calling him the second coming of Amaro. Yeah, right? and he um he's because well, like I I I don't know if it, it's an excuse or not. It might be both. Where like anytime someone higher up asks him like why the fuck do you like you need to you need to be a, a pilot and stop fucking around with this children's toy and he's like I, I thought it might have some information on it or whatever and it's like come on Camille you don't fucking believe that and then Bright's like this thing is this isn't this isn't Amro's you dummy <laughs> like um I, I, lo- I love that Emma's like Camille you you have to go to the meeting he's like but fucking I'm working on Haro you might, it might, this might be important like I'm not a soldier this isn't the mill. I'm not in the army fuck the army we're fighting the army I don't gotta follow rules. To which Camille kind of like holding Haro just kind of strolls out like oh, whatever. And Wong's like, "Is that the kid that missed the meeting? Like he's the new pilot of the Gundam, right?" Because uh, Char, meanwhile, met Char had a great moment where he you actually see Char's apartment. And he's like in disguise. He has like the the, the black pea coat. Yes, 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 yes. His otherwise featureless apartment that only has a framed picture of himself and Sela as children. Mm-hmm. His only possession. <laughs> Which I, I I saw that and I, I like I, I've seen that scene before, but like when I saw it again, my heart kind of like twinged. I was like, oh god, that, like I felt that. Yeah, no, I I think this is I think Quattro is the closest he gets to like trying to make something of his life overall. But like it's he's just not he just doesn't have it in him. I don't think. So he meets with a guy who we never see again. I forgot his name because he's only a one-off character, but he's like apparently another Xeon guy who, an ex-Zeon guy who works for Anaheim. And he's like, hey, Captain, Captain. He's like, I'm not a captain anymore. I'm, I'm Quattro Bagina. He's like, you're always going to be Char. Yeah, right. And it's, <laughs> and Char looks at him like, dog, I fucking kill people for this exact conversation we're having. <laughs> and he's, he's like, okay, like, uh, we got news. Axis is heading back towards Earth. It's going to be here in a couple months. Mm-hmm. And Char's like, fuck, has Haman turned 20? And he's like, yeah. yeah. And we'll get to that Yeah, later. that was such a good name drop. I loved that. Because I knew we weren't gonna still, I was like... We're not talking that about until part three. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, like, this soon? Like, damn, they knew it. Like, this is the thing. They knew exactly, they, they, they are, like, the seasoned GM who, like, has filled in just enough blanks to make the pieces moving, and it's just going great. It's like... Haman, like I'm, like he's like, okay, shit, we're gonna have to deal with this, and so he gets a he gets a candid call, not candid, he gets a call, and it's like, hey, uh, you have to meet at the McDaniel restaurant, <laughs> so that he goes to McDonald's where Hankin is his masquerading as like a fry cook. It's so good, and he's so large. <laughs> so they have a bat at the at the back of this McDonald's <laughs> in on Amon. This is where we meet Wong for the first time. Is they're having a meeting where Char is like, hey. Um, I don't think we should attack Jabro. Let's go, let's, let's rally up all of our forces here, all the ships we're going to steal from the Titans and that we've got, and that you're going to give us. And we turn right back around and we blow up sight and we go and we crush grips because that's where the Titans, I think, are fully trying to consolidate their power. And and like, and Wong is like, no, 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 no. I'm paying for this. I'm planning it. You're going to Jabro because Jabro is the symbol of the entire Federation. This is what we're going to do. Yeah, and Char's kind of like that. And, All right, and, and honestly, like like <laughs> real like putting the pieces together, talking about it now, that does like I feel like that is his ultimate flaw. It's like yes, he's he's trying to do something good with his money, but at the end of the day, he is still very much 
of in his own bubble in his own bubble where the thing he cares most about still is optics like fucking like well no but if we defeat Jabro then that'll look really good and it's like yeah but is it gonna fucking accomplish anything like the people like like at this like like at that point like with everything the titans have already done with very with very few exceptions like emma anybody not already fucking like side-eyeing the au ready for ready to jump ship they're not gonna like stop trying to fucking convince every single centrist like just get work done yeah so char is kind of like all right we're we're, we're attacking we're attacking Jabaro. And I think that, and then, uh, he comes out and then he sees Camille and he like, cause while this is happening, Camille and Emma, I think have the conversation, like, or they have a conversation a couple episodes ago where, um, Emma's like, Hey, I, you know why I joined the AU? Cause I remembered back in the day I, I was with one of my friends going through Cheyenne and we ran into this like really weird boy in front of a big mansion. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, our car yeah. broke down and it's like, I only just now realized that was fucking Amuro Ray. <laughs> and Camille, for for whatever reason, is just like, you don't know that. Shut up. How do you know that's like... And he's just like... She's like, I don't know. It maybe, And she's like, that's why I feel... I get the same feeling from him that I get from you. And Camille's like, stop saying that. And then he's like, well, who knows? Anything can happen. You already met Char Aznable. And she's like, wait, what? And he's like, what? <laughs> she's like, you said I met Char. He's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Because Camille already figured out the Quattro's charm and is like trying to play it his cool. new type brain didn't. I just think he new typed and like completely figured that out without even noticing that he did. Yeah, he yeah he's like oh oh fuck I guess that is weird if that's Char huh I just sort of it just felt right. <laughs> that's like half, and Char was eavesdropping on that conversation. That's like that's like half of that's like all of his new type flashes is him just being like him not fully understanding that like nobody else in the room can feel that. Like, no, nah, Camille, it's just you, buddy. Like, you, you guys didn't, like, no, I, I, I just fucking sense them. I don't fucking know. And Quattro's just trying to fucking they, play it cool. Quattro's also, whenever they ask him about new type stuff, he's like, I'm not, like, a fucking telepath, bro. I can't, like, read minds. Like, 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 literally just every other episode, he just has to turn to someone and being like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's very much. And then yeah. he, but then he turns around just like, I wonder what I wonder how Amuro feels right now. Then Amuro is sitting in his like reclining beside his pool and like shutters. Because <laughs> I forgot at what exact point they do that. I think it's in when when they're fighting uh, with Lila the first time. Amuro is just like Did someone fucking say my name. Like yeah, like that. Like it cuts to Amuro out of nowhere, just sort of chilling, and he's like, uh, he's like fucking fucking homo. Someone's <laughs> someone's thinking gay thoughts about me in space again. So, uh, the Titans end up attacking Amon mm-hmm. after, well, Camille gets the shit kicked out of him by Wong. Yeah, for, for being it and for he, insubordination. And it's- for insubordination and then fighting back, because Wong knows Kung Fu, because he's in anime, everybody who's Chinese knows Kung Fu. <laughs> Fucking wolf, you're, you're right, unfortunately. Um. There's an old video clip of that that people used to send around called, uh, called just Camille gets beaten up by Willy Wonka. <laughs> So Wong, so Wong kicks the shit out of Camille, and Camille's like, "Why you didn't have to fucking resort to violence or anything?" It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is Camille's like last, last grasp for like his his pacifism, basically. Like he's like he 
he has already contradict he already contradicts himself with every fucking every time he opens his mouth and it's like this is sort of like wong like his entire worldview is falling apart in front of his eyes yeah like this is wong like trying to wake him up of like you don't understand that your situation is not like like you don't you don't understand this. You still don't understand the situation you're in. You're you you're almost there, but you're being a fucking stubborn jackass about it. Exactly. And Camille, I think, starts to get that because that like when he's getting beat up, like Emma's like, "I gotta no," and then Char's like, "No, no, 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 no. This, this this has to happen." Yeah, and Camille asks them like, "You guys just sat there and watched him do it," and that's when they he sort of gets like the fucking tough love of just like, "Yeah, because you deserved it." Yeah, you were being an asshole, Camille. <laughs> yeah, like we're we're all trying to like do shit here, and you you supposedly want to help, but then it's like only on your terms when you feel like it. That's not how this fucking works. Yeah, that's that's not how this works, Camille. And he starts to get it because uh, the Granada because um they have two battles. The first one, Camille and Char go to Granada to go steal a ton of Titan ships that are in one of Anaheim's hangars. Mm-hmm. They steal like four or five ships. And then they dip. And then in the middle of the battle, Camille is like, Emma's in trouble. Because Emma's back defending Amon. So Camille comes back early. And uh, and then um, Wong is actually there fighting in the battle. He's in like, what, like a mining mech. Like a little mining mech. Mm-hmm. And he's all like, Camille, like, you, you, why are you disobeying orders again? Why are you back here? He's like, I felt that Emma's in trouble and I just saved her life. And he's kind of just like... He actually ends up, I think, saving Camille and being like, Wong, because that's the thing with like, Wong isn't, like, a completely evil dick. He just, like, Camille was being an asshole and deserved to get his ass kicked that one time. Yeah, like, you know. He doesn't even hate Camille. <laughs> nah. He's just, like, he's, like, he sees Camille's value. He just, he beat Camille up to make him more valuable to him. Just put it in fucked up corporate terms. But uh, the fucked thing is that everybody leaves. They, they manage to, like... The Aug leaves Amon, but it's the Titans still nuke it. That the Titans like flatten that city even after the Aug already left. And then probably said like, "Look what the Aug Aug did." And so Wong Wong survives. We see him again later. Bill at this point is now fully yeah. In. He he has like because like earlier we we see we have a couple scenes of him like basically in the locker room with the guys, and he's very much like they're they're trying to be chummy with him in that very like bust your balls kind of way and camille doesn't get it he's just like fucking why are you like i told you not to call me a new type it's fucking you're being jerks and then like he comes back from it and they like they respect him like they they do respect him a little more but also he understands he feels it a little better and he's more willing to like chat with them um, yeah, you can see he he's bonded with like, you can see like him. You can see that they're he, he now has uncles. There he's bonded. Yeah, because it's they, like because like Wong tells him like, oh, you know, like finish finish up your shift basically, and then and then go get some rest, and then and then the call ends, and someone's like, I'll finish up your shift. You can just go now. And he's like, oh, and he's like very. He's not like oh sick fucking later losers. And he's like he's like oh thank like he's very respectful. Like thank you so like oh yeah thanks a lot like. See, like, they're his co-workers I, now. I like that Camille is, like, really well... Like, usually... Because, like, Camille's been, like, high stress for the last eight episodes. But, like, when Camille is, like, calm, he's genuinely, like, a pleasant and, like, relatively polite person. Yeah. Kind of which is, like, which, which is just more evidence... Which is just more, more you know, evidence to the headcanon of, like, this, like, he, you know... You, you know, he, he has, like, like, 
some some behavioral traumas and things and it's like yeah when he's triggered like it's not a good time but it's like if if you get on if if you like you know if you get to like when you get to know him you see him more as the as the full person he is exactly which is how people uh, the work next episode, <laughs> the next episode is quite great this one was called uh, reunion it starts with another battle um, where Jared just Jared just keeps throwing new mobile suits at the Argama and Camille keeps slapping him for a while. It's like not in my house, just like denied. Like like the the Matumbo, like uh uh uh. <laughs> and like yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking of. But um and and you know on one hand, wow, Jared. Like w- on one hand, Jared, you you keep trying this and it doesn't work. On the other hand, every time it happens, I'm like. Why, why are the, like, the Titans are just, the whole, every Titan is as dumb as Jared, because they're the ones who keep letting him fucking do it. Like, he, he does always, like, he is always a little more hyper-focused on the Mark II than anybody else, but, like, one time, <laughs> one time he did ask, just, like, I, I I guess he was talking to fucking, like, Kakrakon, and he was just, like, you know, but if, but if we stop the Mark II now, then that'll be good, or, or some shit, and Kakrakon's just, like, I guess you have a point. Fucking go for it. Go get the Mark II. Whatever. Like, they don't care. <laughs> like, if someone's like, yo, Jared's an idiot, he's like, yo, my, yo, man, Jared's my boy. Like, don't talk about him like that. Yeah. <laughs> dude, you want to fucking go? Like, you want to go? Like, so, dude, get Jared's fucking name out your mouth right now. Kakrakan <laughs> just, like, r- like r- awkwardly fumbles, like, rips the shirt off of his body and throws it on the ground. It's like, let's fucking go! <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So, that's how we that's how we'd write them mm-hmm. <laughs> bro <laughs> so uh that that's pretty much what takes up the front half of this episode the back half of this episode is when they're getting closer to earth ready to you know do in preparation for the for the drop or the drop operation we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're, we're gonna blow the dome we're gonna go down and blow up Jabro. uh they, they get a, the AU gets a distress beak, a distress call, mm-hmm. and the AU is like, "It's from the shuttle Temptation." And Bright's like, "Oh shit!" And then Camille's like, "Oh shit, that's Bright's ship." There's like civilians on that probably, and it cuts to them, and there's this weird purple mobile suit piloted by this this purple dude with a weird headband, mm-hmm. and it's like he's like he's drawn like really sinister, and it's just it's this Titan ship. He's he's wearing Titan uniform. No, he's pulling a char. No pilot suit. That's how confident he is he's not going to get hit. And no pilot suit. He, and, 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 like, he doesn't even, like, stick around. He just, like, fires pot shots at the ship and then just... And then just, at a civilian yeah, vessel. Yeah, at the civilian vessel, <clears throat> just a flex and then flies off. And then they're left... This is where we see the fucking clip of all the all the different 0079 mobile armors because they're trying to figure out what the fuck it is. They're like it's a mobile. It's it's not a it's a mobile armor. Like what is this? And so they're like, okay, Hyakushiki and Mark II go out there and make sure it doesn't blow up the the, uh, <clears throat> the temptation. And this is when they launch the uh, mega bazooka launcher. Yeah, it's like this whole docking and tr- sequence, and and I'm just like, I don't remember my Gumpla coming with one of those. I think it's an add-on you can get for Probably. it. Probably. <clears throat> Cause so um, Char's like, okay, I'll take him out from long range. Char just can't hit this fucker. Like, Char can't. This guy is outrunning Char. Fuck. Fuck. And Char is even, like, he feels like he's like, I feel a fucking presence from this guy. A presence oh, I've not fuck. felt since fucking last Tuesday when I wanted to know if Amuro was enjoying his breakfast. 
we Shirako has doesn't do much in these couple episodes, but like you get a vibe for him. Like you're like uh, this is where we meet Chiraka, yeah, and, who becomes a major player later Yes, on. because up until this point, we've only had Titan shit. We've only had, like, the military, like, the military dude bros, like, yucking it up with their new, like, here's 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 a new Xeon fucking technology we stole and, and they're using it on the AU. And then this purple-haired weirdo shows up, like, looking right out of the buff clan, honestly, in a weird-ass he, he mobile has, armor. He has, he, if, if, for example, like, I, I said how uh, Amu from Heavy Metal Elgheim has, like, the exact same character design as, like, Fa. And if you believe, like, the Tezuka star system, you could imagine, like, oh, that character design is the same actress. Yeah, right. Shirako is played by the same guy who played Gija. For sure, yeah. Same, like, not same Seiyu, but I mean, like, same character design. Yeah, like, the same, the same, yeah, the same, definitely the same, the same subtle vibe. Despite being a different character designer. Same different character designers, yeah. but... And different character, generally. But yeah, but um, it's it's you could I could, if like if these if you believe in some weird weird chaos magic way that all these character designs exist and pl- and play the sa- and play characters in a in a weird metaphor, they're the same actor um, to me. And and it sort of establishes like I feel like I feel like that is the moment where Zeta Gundam goes from at the very least aesthetically like and tonally goes from being goes from being this the follow-up to 0079 and it changes from being the sequel to 0079 to being the new foundation like the new standard set for where the universal century goes from here exactly and my friend my friend Fallians, who i'm gonna shoot who i'm gonna shout out because he's probably gonna listen to this uh, made a really great point about Tomino anime specifically. How every ten episodes, like another level, another layer is added to the mm-hmm. show. Another layer, another layer, another layer. And like, like Edeon did that. 0079 does that because it's like with Gundam, you meet you meet Garma. I think in episode like ten around then. So it's like you know that. Then you have the whole like that that whole element is added, and then you, they start adding the the zombie politics and infighting on start adding more stuff with like you know the loss of the white base and side six and everything and then like Ideon too like I, I Tomino likes Tomino does like reverse Jenga style yeah t- that Tomino will get you Tomino will get you comfortable with he'll establish some stuff get you comfortable and then go like all right you're ready for you're ready for the next shit like you're ready like because it's a great way to world build and evolve a story because you don't have to try super hard to explain everything up front you can you can get everybody used to a foundation and then which is mix it up and then this is also why i think some people incorrectly think that tomino stuff is boring is because it starts out really this there is not a lot of there's not that much going on in the front in the front fifth of a lot of Tomino it's a stuff. Sl- it's, it's all yeah, incrementally it's a slow burn. It's, 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 he, he, he wants to introduce you not just to the world, but like to the cast. He wants you to, he wants you to know what everyone's deal is. And then he can hit the ground running because he doesn't have to do all the extra legwork of giving you like, th- this isn't th- those kinds of shows where it's like they establish the direct conflict immediately. And then they need to find ways to pepper in like, okay, well, you know, this is like the the beach episode where we get some character development about this person, and it's like, no, 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 we, you don't need to do all that shit if you did it all up front. You, and then you can just get to all the good shit at the back half. That's why. To- that's why, like, for example, Edeon, Double Seventy Nine, this, 
Dunbine, almost all of Tomino's shit is like the back half is so much better, but only because of how like imagine if votes like that's why a lot of people turn off of vote times because Wudu isn't there's not a lot going on in Wudu, but then Kumin adds a whole nother a whole nother arc and then I mean, a whole nother thing and then like Sunset adds like two and then Quent is like three more. <laughs> But Quentin is only that great because we got to that, there was that build-up to Quentin. Yeah. Same with Edeon, like, and same with this, I, I wanna, we're gonna talk more about that when we finish it. Like, comparing this to Edeon in terms of, like, structure, because I, th- I, like, I think Tomino works are interesting, because they're unique. Mm-hmm. And stuff that's Tomino, Tomino adjacent, like, uh, like, Takahashi. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they, they rent, so... Shirako kind of just fucks off, and they find, and then, uh, ton of side seven civilians on board. Uh, refugees from the battle. Yeah, Fa comes back. Which it, Fa comes back, and, uh, she, she's, like, sobbing in Camille's arms that Basque arrested her parents. Oh. And I don't think we ever get follow-up on what actually happens to them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe... Like, they never really elaborate on what happened to Fa's parents. I hope they don't die. Yeah, I, I like. I feel. I feel like best case scenario, they like. They just sort of. Ha- they they were just kind of like left in the dark and like confined, and then whatever happens at the end of Zeta happens, and they're probably just like told like some like the, like a a Titan locked them up, and then someone in a Federation uniform like unlocks them and goes like, "You can go home now. Uh, don't. We're very sorry we're about sorry. everything. Don't mention it to anybody." <laughs> That's that's almost probably exactly. <laughs> and they had to like hear about it from Fa. Uh, Fa is is no is like reasonably distressed and bright because the temptation I think ends up exploding. Uh, in the battle, like the temptation is destroyed, but everybody got off safely. Yeah. And Bright's just like this is the second ship that I've had yeah, ever, and oh, both of my ships have been destroyed. Oh yeah, that's that's where I that's where I like felt because we we saw Bright earlier, but now he's like here here, you know, and and like I yeah, Bright's now Bright's now a part of the I cast. like gushed episode ten adds Bright and Shirai. I like gushed to you in that moment about like all the shit I like about Bright. <laughs> yeah, Bright's great. He looks he he's a bit he's a bit broader than he was in his model sheet for a 0079. Mm-hmm. It makes sense because Bright was twenty, now he's twenty eight, and like a dad. Yeah, a father of two, Bright Noah. He ended up marrying Mirai, which was very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if Mirai still has her fortune because like a lot of people were talking about like oh well it's like it's kind of weird that Bright still has to be in the military to pay for his family when Mirai was like a multimillionaire. But if you watch the show and the movies like. Mirai fucking hated that, like, ar- aristocratic living and, like, never wanted to be her dad's, like, heiress. heiress. She always wanted to be, like, an astronaut or something, or, like... Yeah. She always... I... I... She always had different aspirations. So I think she probably just, like... Remember her squ- her squirrely little fiancé? Mm. Maybe she just gave him, like, here, you can have my dad's company. I do not care. Yeah, or, like, she broke off... She broke off that marriage and her dad was like, well, then you can't, like... Well, her dad died died in the first episode. Off oh, right. So I guess okay. So then she had she has okay. So then yeah, then that's probably what happened. Because um, I either that or she's just living comfortably and Bright just doesn't know how to do anything but be in the military. She probably like took the company public or whatever, or private or whatever. Like so then there's like a board of directors and she like doesn't fuck with them because there was like a shipping company that her dad ran and they did like they, they it was like a shipping company, yeah. y- Yashima Enterprises, and so. Uh, but I, I like, I don't know, I, I think they're great. I like I liked Bright and Mirai. Like, I think, I feel like Bright and Mirai's, like, romance was the best, was, like, the best of all the romantic subplots in, 
in 0079. I like that, like, somebody does explicitly, like, once he's, like, on board with the AU shit, someone's like, aren't you worried about your family? And and he that's where he drops. It's like, oh, no, I, ma- I married Mirai. She was the helmsman on the white base. And then everyone's like, oh, th- your family's fine. Because, <laughs> like... Th- that was confirmed that Mirai was a new type, but I, I like that Bright is, I think, on the cusp of new type. He's not, because, like, in the last episode, he heard Amaro. Yeah. Or he was just like, he can receive, he can never send. <laughs> and, like, but it, it has to be very, people that he already is personally familiar he's, with. He's sensitive. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, a uh, to use, the, to, to, to bring it more home to, to, to the to the to the other hypothesis I'm kicking around that I'll wait until later in the series to fucking go deeper into. He's a he's a high functioning new type. <laughs> so Bright is like, and he does he has a new type moment similar to Camille, where <clears throat> Quattro is like he's like it's 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 a joy to have you aboard. Like don't be, feel bad about the white base. You were a hero, and he says thank you, Captain, which was Char's rank. <laughs> And Quattro's and then, like, and then, God like, damn it. And Quattro's just like, I'm a lieutenant. And Bright's like, yeah, why did I call you oh, a captain? Fuck. Yeah, oh, never mind. <laughs> Shit. And then that's when Camille shows up with Haro, like, I think this is the original Haro. <laughs> and it's like, nah. <laughs> I made sure that every Haro knew my name. Amaro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only is allowed to do this if they know my name, do you too. Think, like, do you think, like, fucking, like, like Hathaway wanted one in Bright, which is like no. <laughs> I'm not having that fuck. I had that fucking thing on my ship, and I hated it. I'm, I'm not. I don't want it in my fucking oh, f- fucking bouncing around, rolling around in my kitchen while I'm trying to eat a grapefruit. I love how um in that they actually show how much of a nuisance Haro can be on board. Where like Camille just like throws Haro, and then like a mechanic is just like, hey, like. Camille, watch it. He's just like, oh, horror will dodge you, and he just does it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there was little. That moment was really funny. Like I love that, and it's like honestly, like I, like I, I feel like in a, in uh, if if I were like writing a version of this show, I, I would honestly make because like Fa also takes to Haro really immediately. Um, and so I, I almost wanted, I almost... She starts treating horror like she treats Camille. Yeah, but, but, but I also see it like a, like, I, I would love to have, like, little domestic moments where they both treat Haro like their child, or like their pet that they're raising together. <laughs> like their dog. Yeah. Stop barking, Haro. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's essentially what she did. Um, so, in the next episode, uh, Hank and resigns as captain of the Argama. Henke comes back later. He gets his own ship. Yay. But uh, we'll see him in a bit. Uh, but Henkin exits stage left for the, for the rest of this chunk of episodes. Where Henkin, he has his bag and he's just like, he's kind of tries to hit on Emma a little bit and she's like, uh... It's like, she, she's like, oh, that's cute. Uh. Yeah. There's other things we should be worrying about right now, Captain. Yeah, right. It's like when, like when you're a fucking, like when you work retail and like the old man is hitting on you. Well, you probably experience that less. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> because like you know when it's harmless it's cute but also like go yeah. away <laughs> so uh henkin leaves and just within within like a day of joining the, the au bright is already captain of the yeah Army, right it's like, like he sh- he shakes bright's hand and goes you'll help the ratings i gotta go <laughs> well also i mean like bright was like you know 
celebrated war hero sure. guy who docked the ship and our, the reason that the one year war was won probably in a lot of people's how minds how much do you th- I Hank mean like and- I, I don't know how much about the grips conflict is is known in the UC going forward I mean I guess Bright is still I know Bright is still a character going forward who is I, I guess still in the Federation so it's like that we'll get to that a little more in Double Zeta. Right, that'll yeah, that'll shake out in Double Zeta, I'm sure. But like my immediate thought right now is like, in terms of them making Bright the captain, I wonder how much of that is them hoping that it'll leak through the grapevine of of like like all like. It's, I think it's also a. It's definitely a. PR yeah, move. like how many oh, people are going to know like, that? Like, uh, did you hear? Like, War Hero Bright Noah joined the AUG. Like, he's fighting the Titan. And how many? How many high high to mid ranking Federation people, the same level of Bright, were waffling with the idea of like, do I go? Do I not? And then Bright doing it, they're like, okay, now yes, I got yes, it. yes, 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 yes. That is yes. If Bright's doing it, I got right. it. And so then, how, I feel like that. Uh, I feel like just the idea of like, hey, Bright Noah's the captain of the Argama now <laughs> was their way of being like. Just in broadcast now, people are like, ah, uh, fuck, I guess I gotta join the AU now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like, like that's, that, that, that's, because I'm sure, like, and it, it happens so much with, like, people who are, people who want to pretend, like, their arm is being twisted, but at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're so complacent. It's like, you know, co-workers in a fucked, co-workers in a fucked corporation are always just like, Ah oh, man, yeah, it's it sucks what they make us do, but it's like I gotta keep my lights on. I got kids to feed, but it's like, but you know what? Like something really should change around here. And then Bright's the one who like tries to unionize and is like, "Are you gonna fucking put your money where your mouth is?" Like, and then you're kind of like, Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I, I I like Bright a lot. We can we'll we will have intense Bright discussions in 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 Charles Counterattack. Yeah, it will shine bright. I, I, I like that Bright is the, the most consistent character throughout the entire he, franchise. He is a man of conviction. And mustaches. Yes. Oh, I can't wait for Hathaway Slash. <laughs> for, for mustache, for mustache they boomer better not. They better not fucking get... They better not fucking get rid of that mustache. He has the mustache. They showed, his, they showed some, some concept art for Bright for the movie. He has a mustache. Yes! We have mustache Bright. beard... No, he had a beard in the manga version of chart in the manga adaptation of Beltache's children okay. where but he shaves it midway through because he keeps getting shit about <laughs> it from 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 upper from up from like uh from like up top being like that's not regulation and he's like but i'm punished bright <laughs> the idea of the in charts counterattack i think like in the in the Beltache's children manga the reason he had i'm probably going to cut this the reason he had it was because he was like um he was like I, he got he got brought in like really quickly, yeah, because he was like on leave and had to can't with his family and then had to get into space. Oh really yeah, so quickly. he literally didn't have time to shave. Yeah, because he's just been like on he's just been like on his way to immediately take command of a ship. <laughs> but definitely appointing Bright's a PR move, and a, and I think it's not like it's not a bad one. I agree Hank, with it. It's and like Hankins just like. Yo, like this guy's a war hero. I, I, I respect him. I want him to be at the help. Be literally the commander of the Aug fleet again. Like if somebody want, like if 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 somebody formerly of the opposition wants to fucking immediately turn around and point the gun in the direction you're pointing your gun, you fucking let him. Yeah. So Hankin is Hankin's just like, all right, I'm gonna dip. Um, so I, I think Hankin is off screen commanding one of the other vessels they stole. Mm-hmm from the uh from the titans at granada 
And so they, this is when they start doing the operation to drop the um, to drop into Jabiro. And uh, we cut to another Titan ship where uh, we see Shirako interacting. He's like, "Listen, I only attacked the Temptation to really uh, test out my my Masala." And he's just like, "I want you guys to do this, this, and this." We're go- and that like he's just he's just he's commanding the captain of this of this Titan's vessel. He's wearing a Titan's uniform, but he's very much like doesn't fit. Yeah, like, he carries himself very differently. You don't go here, like, and and that guy was like, "Okay." Okay, and you're like, wow, a Titan's like cowtailing to this dude, and he leaves. And then once Shirako's out of earshot, he's just like, God, why the fuck does Basque like this guy so much? Um, he just got back from Jupiter. Yeah, and I think that's either that or somewhere around there is like they start they start piping up about like all oh, these fucking cyber new types. Yeah, so they start they start they start dropping the term cyber new type, which I don't know if because the. The Japanese is Jinzo uh, Ningen, which is just like enhanced human cyborg. Oh, so okay, so uh, so the Japan the initial Japanese audience wouldn't have made that correlation to them being a new type. I I don't know where the cyber new type term originates. If it came from the dub of Zeta or like or what, it's just I don't know where that term actually came mm, from. That's interesting because in Japanese it's just Jinzo Ningen, like throughout. Yeah. Like the franchise, that's yeah. interesting. I know. I was. I never thought about that until my friend pointed at to my friend Fally, and so I mentioned yeah, earlier well, pointed I'm, that I'm, out, and I was like, "Whoa!" I'm on the Gundam wiki, and it's it's saying that it's also a uh, Kyokaningen. I don't know, um, but yeah, no, that's interesting. The this and it makes me think. I wonder if Tomino was inspired by the PSs from Votoms. With the cyber new types, yeah, maybe just to kind of have like some like like because that's what it basically came to. It's it's, it's like you know you you do like you're either like a perfect soldier or you're whatever the fuck Kiriko is like. <laughs> watch Armored Trooper. Watch, Votoms. please watch Armored Trooper Votoms. Please, I actually have a suggestion because uh, one thing I suggest to people is before they jump into Double Zeta, don't take a break and watch something else between Zeta and Double oh, Zeta because yeah, it eases treat yourself. If if you are watching Zeta with us week to week, like we're going to be posting these, hopefully, highly recommend before jumping into Double Zeta, watch Armored Trooper Votons if you haven't. Like plan yeah. that, or like because uh, that that would be you know watch if you haven't yet. Like go back and go back and watch one of the one of the OVAs and shit that we talk about too. Because I also feel like if you're only doing the mainline Tomino shit, like, the the front half of, the front half of Double Zeta can be rough, and I know the thing that's probably gonna get me through it is having all of the extra EU world-building lore shit to, like, keep me invested. When we're gonna, in between parts of Zeta, we're gonna read the novel Gundam Sentinel. Because it's translated. Oh, fun! And Sentinel rules. Because that takes place during the front half of Zeta. And explains not a plot hole, but it explains some a pro. It 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 puts a band aid on a problem I have with with doubles mm. in. Neat. So uh, that aside, uh, Shirako pretty much like this is when they reveal that his like thing can transform. Bright is fully in command. He jumps in immediately. Like it's funny. Like he he can turn on the captain like that. Because when he was talking to Quattro and everybody, he was being, like, you know, very down-to-earth and calm. Yeah, he was, like, humble. But then, like, he was very humble. But then the second he's in the captain's chair, he's, like, he's, like, Emma's, like, if you, he's, like, get the fuck up to this bridge and I'm going to slap the shit out of you. Like, he's got a job to do. He's clocked in. He's on the clock. 
So um, his plan is to have the strictly maintained formation where everyone's little balloon things will activate the Balutes, mm-hmm. and they'll uh, that, and then they'll land in the jungle, and that then Quattro takes command once they hit the ground. Well, Emma is supposed to take command when they hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the battle, Emma gets out of formation, which pisses off Bright, and she gets damaged and can't go down to the uh, the planet. So Quattro is going to have to take command. Uh, the battle ensues, but um. Kakrakon gets a little overconfident and is kind of just like, <laughs> Jared's probably gonna be pissed if I kill his if I kill his mark, but I got him in my sights. But didn't know that his Balut would activate automatically when it hit a certain yeah. heat. To which then he Camille was already below him because they gave Camille like he doesn't have one. He has like a right. He has like a shield that he's holding. Yeah, it's like a cool like. So fu- Camille like can still cool like fucking like sh- pl- like shield like winged shield thing. He's like riding on like it's like fucking like pro- proto Eric Seven. Yeah, a bit. He's like it's like a boogie board. Those, yeah. those are like those are like surfboards. <laughs> it's like imagine like a fucking super robot wars like beach episode where like fucking the like the fucking the Mark II has a boogie board. Yes, and the Nirvash is surfing. <laughs> uh, so Camille's just like see ya and just blasts Kakarcon's Balut and he just disintegrates in the atmosphere, which which leaves our score with um. Camille two kills like for the people that Jared kill Jared likes and the one for Jared. Yeah, they're two to one right now, and that that score will go up as we keep going. Yeah, definitely. So Camille right now has a Camille right now has a lead, has a strong lead. Camille says uh, two one your serve. <laughs> and then like, and then so, they're like uh, oh yeah because we, we called him a wife guy earlier his dying thought is of his hot wife who I don't know if we ever saw up to this point we never did <laughs> we, just, we, we see like her silhouette as he oh dies my God. so we're gonna go back in time a couple days because uh, we missed this little bit of when Rekawa lands near Njaburo yeah 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 because um, this is so, about to be important this is so we're gonna tie this into because they kind of le- they kind of just have this little sub this is like a, pl- a plot B in one of the episodes and then it doesn't get followed up on until like now so we'll just do the whole thing now where uh, so Rekawa landed fine and was in like uh, like a river boat going along the Amazon mm-hmm. River and she's no and she's like taking notes about what she's seeing and then like there are just transport after transport after transport huge huge ass planes leaving Jabiro. But she gets spotted by uh by Federation by just Federation soldiers. One of them like gropes her and she slaps him and then he slaps her. And then out of nowhere she's rescued by goddamn Kai Shiden of all people. Yeah. Out of nowhere, Kai with a bullwhip and a gun wearing a white suit. It's like whoa Absolute bastard. Now he's tall. I like that Kai ended up being the coolest one out of all of, of them. Of course he did. Of course this little shit is the one who comes out the cleanest. Who's like now like a Pulitzer Prize winning beloved like investigative badass journalist? Fuck yeah, fucking Gonzo journalist going all the way to the fucking like going like wearing a white suit and trudging through the fucking Amazon with like a with a bullwhip and a gun. (laughs) Kai is living his best life. This is the life Kai always wanted. You love to see it. And so Kai is just like I, I. (laughs) Kai is like Kai is in a different anime kai is a fucking lupon the third character right now yeah he like he like spin like, i think of that gif from double from the show where kai is like spinning a pistol on his hand and it explodes and it like falls apart 
Kai does it successfully this time, and like a single motion flips it, like a, like flips around his finger, holsters it in his jacket pocket, and then has his hand out to shake Reko's hand like, Hi, Kai Shida, and I'm a journalist, you'll never know where I'm gonna show up. <laughs> Little shit. And Reko is like, okay. So together they then are trying to infiltrate Jabra, but we don't see what happens to them. We cut now, once they've landed, that they've been captured. Mm-hmm. They got spotted. And that Jabara was set to self-destruct because they knew the AU were coming. There's two nuclear bombs underneath it, and they couldn't tell the AU in time. So Rekka was, like, freaking out. Like, fuck, I didn't, I wasn't able to use their, their, because they were going to use Jabara's radar equipment to communicate with the Argama. But they got spotted. Mm-hmm. So now that they're landing in the jungle, like, Nemos are, are it's just f- full-on sheer, it's, it's almost like proto-8th-MS team almost. A little bit, yeah. Camille surfs a sick wave and blows up a dude in mid and mid surf, while justifying every every kill he has to himself. I wonder if that was the initial pitch of like OFMS team of like, hey, you remember that one part in? Z- Do you remember the Battle of Jabro on in Zeta? The second Battle of Jabro. Yeah, because <laughs> the first one happens at the end in the seventy nine. But yeah, it's like remember the the second Battle of Jabro and the Kumin arc of of Votoms. <laughs> Um, yeah, what if that was, like, a whole fucking anime? It'd be great. And it is. It's pretty great. Uh, I just love how Camille's justifying every kill out loud. Like, if you didn't shoot at me, you wouldn't be dead. Yeah, right? Like, that's your fault. You made me do that. Like, Jesus. Like, and, like, they're already dead, so Camille is just saying it to himself. Like, Camille just walks over to a GM and sees, like, it's cockpit open, but it explodes too late. Nobody gets out. Camille's like, oh, fuck. And then he sees, like, the baby monkey pulling its, like, dead mother under a crush under a tree for, like, a minute. That thing gets blown up oh, itself. Oh, I forgot about that part. Like, that was upsetting. Oh, I didn't like that. That was so upsetting. God. Like, usually usually Tomino draws, like, wacky animals. Like, anytime an animal shows up in a Tomino thing, it's usually, like, ultra wacky out of nowhere. I mean... Like, in 0079, how, like... When the Zegox start invading Jaburo, like, there's a snake that, like, is startled and jumps, and then, like, the pattern of it's, like, it's like a Looney Tunes bit, where, like, it's like a striped snake where it jumps out, but the stripes stay there and then follow after. Yeah, like... <laughs> that was, like, it's like that upsetting moment in Return of the Jedi, where, like, the Ewok is, like, pulling his buddy, he's like, oh, you're dead, and just sits Aww. down. That was sad, and Camille, Camille was upset by it. I would be, too. I understand, Camille. Quattro's just like, hey, Camille, are you alive? And he's like, yeah, like, we're, we're, we're going in. Uh, they go into the... So they get they get in and pretty much are overwhelming. The Nemos and the Hyakushiki and everything are just... They're just styling on these old, like, 0079-era mobile suits. <laughs> the goof flight types and, like, the gun... The, like, they have some Zaku cannons, some GM snipers, just all this outdated stuff. And they're like, wow, Jabiro's, like, really shittily defended. Yeah, they're like, uh, like, they just sort of, like, they literally stop and get out of their cockpits in the middle of, like, in the middle of Jabro and look around, and, and, and Quattro's just like, hey, where the fuck is everyone? There's no one here. Like, they all left. This is bad. And then, like, laser fire, like, interrupts the conversation. Uh, they managed to conquer, like, the, like, a, a big size, a sizable part of Jabro. Yeah, because it's literally and, uh, They talk to the commander. They talk to the commander, and the guy, and the commander is just like, "Hey, you gotta like, I don't care if you guys take me prisoner, but we gotta get out of here like now." Yeah. And Char's like, "What are you talking about?" Like, Apolly is the guy interrogating him. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Yeah, Apolly, like, figure out what's going on here, because that's the order Char gives them." Because Char- I like how Char, because it's like they're, they're like subterranean skyscrapers that they built like in a big ass yeah. cave. It's cool. 
Camille is having another fight with Jared, and I love and because Jared's on a Marsai this time. And they like they have like a fucking Guilty Gear style like beam struggle where like in Guilty Gear if two attacks hit at the same time, there's this huge dramatic like strike attack like strike effect. Mm-hmm. So there's like videos of people just t- and it's really hard to get them off. Like you have to, it's like it's awesome when it happens in Guilty mm-hmm. Gear. But they essentially do that with their beams, like they collide, like Dragon Ball Z stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like that—that's something we haven't gotten into because we've been so set on plot stuff. But it's like the the this show just looks so much more polished. Like, I don't want to, like, I hate saying, like, oh, it looks so much better. It's like, oh, they probably had a bigger budget. Like, I'm sure it is a bigger budget, and I'm sh- I'm sure it is a bigger budget, and I'm sure that's obviously something, a factor in, in the final, and how the final I think it's looks. also just the animation, it's it's a lot, well, because the Zeta animation team is made up from a lot of the same yes. people from 0079, yes. people who worked on Ideon, the movies, and people who worked on, like, El right. Gaim and Dunbine. Yeah. So he essentially got his A-team Yes, this. Th- this is his A-team. This is people with talent who are now being, like, given given just a little more room. It's not, like, OVA quality, but they are given, like, just that little much more room to breathe. So for shit like that, for scenes like the Beam Saber and for other, like, for other moments, like, you can just see the care and the choreography and the cinematography, and it's, like... Even the openings, like the openings, are look as good as like be invoked. Yeah, 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 and and it's like you know you, you and you always put your best foot forward with the animation in, in openings. That's just like a thing that anime does. But it's like the the rest of the show. It's like because if you're gonna see it fifty something times, it has to it, look good. Yeah, it it. That's why that that's why they uh in Yamato they got that the be, their best director to the they can only afford the that one veteran animator for like so many shots. So they made him do all those shots of the Yamato that they kept keep reusing. <laughs> yeah, and 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 so like I. That's why, like, I, I, I sent you that message while I was in the middle of watching it. Just like I, like, I want to see. I don't want. I don't want a remake. I don't want a fucking like modern like Yamato re like redesign remake of this or even like whatever the movies were. But like, I, I would love to live in an alternate history where Zeta got to be like an ongoing OVA series, like like Galactic Heroes was. Like, it had that level of, like, budget and time. Yeah. Like, not restrict, not, because, like, not even budget, just, like, they had to make these weekly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure you had a backlog. I'm sure, like, you weren't making one a week. No. But it was still, like, this is a weekly show. You have a deadline. It's not like, if, it's not like, oh, one comes out every couple, three episodes come out every couple yeah, months. Yeah, if, if the schedule, like if, if the schedule works in anything like how Western animation does, you, you obviously start, so, like, there's a pipeline, and you're working on episodes, like, so, like, let's say there's eight steps in the production pipeline. Obviously, you start, like, maybe you don't go in production, maybe you don't go in airing order, depending on how your schedule works out, but let's just say, for the sake of argument, you're working on episode one, then episode two, and then the line. You're working on, when, when you're outlining what happens in episode one, you're outlining what happens in episode one. Then you're actually writing episode one, while your writers are writing episode one, your outliners have moved on to episode two, and so on and so forth. So by the time episode one has gone through all of those steps, the rest of the studio is doing a different episode at the same exact time down that pipeline. So it's a big bell curve of, like, hectic, manic plate spinning for, like, a whole year. (laughs) Oh yeah, anime. If if anything, I'm sure anime is even under stricter Probably, deadlines. Probably, yeah. Because I don't know how many of these animators are also working on other shows. Probably, yeah. Simultaneously, so like, 
we'll talk more about that when we get to double Zeta because I, I I want your I want to look up more stuff about how quickly they shifted gears from Zeta to double Zeta. Was it? Because I think Double Zeta aired only started airing like only two weeks after the yeah. Episode. Like I was gonna say, it was very much like a Dragon Ball GT thing where it was like, okay, Dragon Ball Z is over. Next week, Dragon Ball GT airs, and it's. Like... We're gonna talk a lot about animation when we get to Double Zeta because then we have all of Zeta to compare yeah, it to. Yeah, well, well, yeah. Because because Double Zeta is more like the B team because Tomino took the A team to go make fucking Charge Counterattack, mm-hmm. which was in pre production during the entirety of Double Zeta's run. I'm yeah I'm I'm super invested in there's there's so many reasons I want to talk about double Zeta like double Zeta is the double Zeta is the the uh, the the redhead stepchild that I adore same big same and I haven't even seen it yet so um the the battle so essentially the battle of Jaburo commences uh Camille and Jared have their have their fight Jared completely loses his mobile suit and starts slamming his head against a wall in frustration God. But we follow Jared for a while as he, like, is like, okay, I'm on foot here. He, like, gets a jeep and a couple guys and sees that the last ship, he's like, one of the guys is like, yo, this place is getting nuked in, like, 15 minutes. We gotta be out in, like, 25 minutes. We gotta be out of here. Jared's like, fucking what? <laughs> and he notices, so he finally gets to, like, the, um, like, one of the last sh- plane out as like it's taking off and people are spilling out of the door and you notice that everybody inside are mostly titans and all the regular federation staff are just left there to die oh yeah because sure. the titans do not care i'm hoping a lot of the prisoners from Jaburo just immediately were like can i can i join you guys god yeah no because fuck this because I'm, I'm thinking that's what happens makes sense uh the only reason Jared doesn't die is because a mysterious green-haired woman grabs his hand, and we'll see her in part two. Woo! We'll we'll see Jared's second girlfriend as uh, she saves Jared's life and pulls him into the ship. At the, and like, I, I like how like people—it's it's a dramatic scene. People are like spilling out of this plane. Yeah, it's super intense, and like I I, I had to like talk to you at the end of it. I was just like, the Titans like dead ass just nuked the amazon rainforest like fucking what are the ecological repercussions of that fucking it it it, it's a miracle it survived past operation britain yeah i'm sure like someone who's like really who's like really a stickler for that's not how this works would like hate stuff like that but come on yeah um i mean like it's not as if you know well actually i don't know like do do we ever is there ever like a colony thirty type situation where they go back to the 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 irradiated ruins of the Amazon? In Gireco. Oh, dope! Fuck, I love Gireco. You actually see like fossilized like Zegox. I'm glad. It's and so because they fight in the ruins of Jaburo. Uh, and I, I I've only seen seen Gireco once. I gotta watch it again because I love Gireco. We, we can. We will. We will after we do Turn A, which I think is actually going to be your favorite Gundam series. You're gonna you're gonna adore Turn Me A. Me too. Like Turn A is so your shit that like you, t- Turn A is so your shit that you're not even like ready. No, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm I've been excited for Turn A since since I since I learned about it. So the the man the the A manages to escape and they get out in time, commandeering their own plane. Uh... But they're not able to get back into space like they thought they'd be able to because the entire place is going up. So they they rendezvous 
with uh, everyone's favorite judo guy, Hayato Kobayashi of Karaba, which is the uh, a separate organization that is solely based on Earth. Right. Whereas it's essentially just Ayug's sister on the, on the, on Earth, and it's run by by Hayato. And, and, and that's and that's uh, nice to see. That's that's some nice world building, and it's nice like like solidarity of just like. Hey, like the, these aren't like some lone wolf heroes. Like, th- there's multiple people in different situations who are looking at the Titans and going, "Hey, fuck this! We should do something about this." And it's like it's nice to see like active collaboration. And so, uh, I'm gonna let you do mostly episodes 13 and 14 because I know how much you love Amuro. Like, I know how much you love Amuro Ray as a character. Uh, I I do I I do like. Given that this isn't his show, I, I I am like letting my I am letting my love for Amuro hang back because Camille is the baby boy this time around, um, and Amuro is. I just like how different of a character Amuro is now because Amuro's twenty three. Um, yeah, Amuro is Amuro is twenty three, and look, if anything, like this this version of Amuro makes so much sense. Like I I I enjoy I enjoy where he ended up so well because it's like not like it's not happily ever after but it's also not necessarily like something super like it's not super fucked up in grimdark it's just like yeah this makes sense that he would just kind of be like like here here and and like just kind of like like bored and frustrated and constantly under under watch from like the the government he fucking helped save um and so yeah, when we see like when we see him, we see him because um, Frau is visiting with uh, her quote unquote kids, which are just the kids from the white base who she kind of adopted. Um, and they they came to visit Amro, um, and she it also lets slip that she is also pregnant with a biological child. I forget who the father is. Hayato. Fuck! I wow! I brain farted real bad. Uh, well, because yeah, honestly, cause, like uh, <laughs> they're never in the same place together. Yeah, you never see them together in Zeta because yeah. uh, Frau is pregnant, as you said, and Katsukika and Letts are there because they got at at the end of Double Seventy Nine. There was there's this really nice moment where like Hayato really opens up to Frau. Yes. Where like Hayato's injured and. Frau, like, because he pretty much reveals, like, I've always had feelings for you, but you've always had your eyes on Amuro, and I've always just spent this whole time on the white base trying to one-up him, but I can't. Yeah. And I just kind of want to do it, because I want you to pay attention to me, and then, like, Frau's kind of really touched by that, and I think they ended up, they ended up getting married. Yeah. And and Frau makes it clear that she still is in love with Amuro. She still is. But it doesn't, that doesn't change how she feels about Hayato. Yeah, right, of course. No, and, like, as as somebody who's, as somebody who is extremely, like, uh, extremely poly and like lo- and like has different kinds of love for different people. Like, yeah, I get that. There's that. So, like, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm Tooch. Um, but I, 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 I did my my favorite. One of my favorite moments was like just before Amro and Kotz are about to bounce, and like Amro, like th- half like I don't even know how to word it. Like he leans in close to her, but they don't, they don't even come close to kissing. That's not his intention, but it's just like this weird moment of like close intimacy that they both like respond to. Um, and then they just, uh, and then they, they, he just dips, uh, with her fucking son. <laughs> um, and, 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 and I, and I like it a lot, but like they're, they're chilling at his fucking like fancy ass place. Uh, and then uh, they're initially impressed, but then he's just sort of like, 
yeah, I just sort of like am stuck here, and like all of these servants are like secretly like listening in on me for the Federation. Like he spends all day teaching like people how to essentially training mobile suit pilots, which he probably doesn't want to do anyway. Yeah, like he has to, like whenever he wants to like tell them real shit, he like writes it down on a piece of fucking paper. <laughs> Did you notice he has on his on his huge gorgeous fireplace? He has a photo, a fo- the photo of him and Matilda yes. that they took. Yes, that's like his only. <laughs> and Matilda's that's on. His, the, and, and on and and. And you know, it's it's one thing to just think about that. It also has Ryu. Ryu is in that picture too, it's, which is sad because Ryu died. Yeah. Um. It's and, and it's one thing to go like, oh, of course, that's like an heirloom that he has. But if like one thing that I notice when I think about like everything else in his house, like he doesn't have like some fucking like curio cabinet of like war memorabilia. Like I'm sure, I'm sure he has medals. Where are they? He fucking put him in a box and put him in his closet, and he hasn't opened it since 0080. Um, you know, like, so this is this is a man who is not pleased with his past. At all. He's not pleased with his present. Yeah, right? <laughs> this is a man who's not pleased. Um, and and in that moment you know anytime anytime the a plot comes up he he just sort of like brushes at first he just sort of like like just sort of like brushes it off like one he doesn't want to talk about that shit with everybody listening with ears on him but then he's just sort of like like he very much has like a that shit's all behind me kind of vibe and it's like the 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 focus at that point is to get them is to get is to get frau and them safely on a on a on a plane back to japan i forget why they were going to stay because hayato dipped and he's a fugitive now because he's openly working with Kara. right 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 and like amuro had to like pull fucking strings to get them to his place in the first place i think and they were gonna hang out there but then like amuro was like you don't want to hang out here because of like reasons and then kot starts giving him shit uh, yeah, Kotz, Kotz, who is, like... The tall, lanky of the three yeah, orphans the f- from original 0079. Yeah. Um, it's nice seeing Kika and Let's again, too. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fun. It's, it, they are, they are in my, my hallowed halls of Gundam characters who I wish I saw more of, but I'm glad they're not involved in the central plot for their own sake. I, I am so glad we saw Frau again. This is the last time you ever see Frau in the franchise. That's upsetting. It is, but I, I, the, when I was rewatching these, I realized I think Frau might be my favorite character in all of the Universal Century. She's up there for sure, and I have I don't have a I don't have a lot of reasons why. You don't I just need them. I, I I just I just like Frau you feel a lot. It in your I, heart. I, I, my heart goes out to her. Yeah, no, no, no. Frau's great. Um, she, she's like it's you know it's it's like I was just saying if if you're not on screen if you're not on screen in Mobile Suit Gundam your life's probably going all right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so like they're, they're in the airport and even in the airport, he's got eyes on, there's that great, <laughs> there's this great moment where it's like the, the camera just kind of pans uh, to, to show like just a group of people in the background talking. And then Amro's face just like comes up in front of the screen, like in front of the, <laughs> in front of the audience's face and just goes, I know I'm being watched even as I speak. And it's like, oh. And the worst part is he is. Yeah, he is. <laughs> like, meanwhile, while this is happening, um, I like how Char is actually joking with people. Like, because um, they, before this happens, they actually get the shuttle into mm-hmm. space. Um, 
they met Char, Qua- like Rekoa, and Apolli go back into space. Roberto dies getting them into space. They get attacked by Buron with his uh, with his ass with the the toy looking Asheimer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Roberto is the first member of the AU to bite the dust. Even though Roberto's a pretty minor character, yeah. But he does bite the dust, which sucks. And Apollo, I, I like that how like Apolli doesn't have time to mourn. He's just like, like he's crying, but he's still doing exactly what he needs to do. And that that, that I love Apolli. I, I I'm glad I'm I can't wait for you to see him to do, see him doing more. Mm. And then uh, there's a lot of like people, a lot of characters that are like John Job, Jolliver, like level characters but like all of them shine through yeah. there's a lot of jollivers in this show tomino is very good at minor characters <laughs> uh, that it's it's really great and the best part about the you know uh, the best part about gundam is like even the minor even the minor characters have like very memorable names yeah like the the guy with the red jacket on the bridge of the of the argama is taurus the blonde guy yeah. then there's saikusa the big guy who sits next to him astonage is the me- is the mechanic Donatello does machines. Um. <laughs> but uh, they Camille gives some shit to, to... So, like, right as Hayato and Kai meet, Kai essentially is like, I gotta dip out of here and, like, do journalist stuff. And he gives a letter to Hayato. And he's like... Because Quattro's like, Ha, you're Kai Shiden, right? And Kai's like, Ha! <laughs> and just goes to Hayato. He's like, That's fucking charitable. Get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> So Hayato confronts Quattro about it, which is where the infamous gif of like Quattro of like the sunglasses flying onto Char's face. Yeah, because it's like because it's they reversed cause, it. Because like uh, uh, Camille and Hayato are both like, D- come on, dog. Like like we- this has been going on long enough. You need to just tell us that you're Char Asinable. Like everybody knows it, but you you need to just admit it to everybody. He, he was just like like that's there's also that 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 screen cap of like let's say for a moment that I yeah right. <laughs> Richard's <laughs> like, let's say for a moment that I am Char. Like, what would you say to him? He's like, I, he's like, I think you're a fucking coward for just only being a mobile suit pilot. Why aren't you like the head of the AU? Why aren't you like, you have like more right than anybody to run humanity right now? Why don't you? God, which is a which is a loaded question. Which is like, and Amara and then Char pre- Camille pretty much says that, but like exactly what I said. Yeah, Hayato was nicer about it. Like, you should be the one who's leading the Federation. And then like he was like, I'd say he's a fucking coward for hiding behind a pair of fucking sunglasses and not wanting to confront his destiny. It's like Camille just like dr- Camille just like walks into the room into a conversation he wasn't part of and goes, well, I think Char's a bitch <laughs> and, then, and then and then like so i was like at this point like come on dude like say your char say it just, and just say and, your char and then and Qua- i, earn, I honestly like, think and this is one of the moments that solidifies my like my interpretation of char as this tragic figure who's lost his identity he can't admit he's char because he earnestly isn't char anymore in that way, yeah. in the way that they are asking him to say that he is. And he just says, for the time being, I am Quattro Bajina. Nothing more, nothing less. To which Camille just Camille, decks him. Like Camille decks him, but I think Char is right. I, I think I think Quattro is right in that moment, because it's like Char... The, the Char Asnimal they are talking about existed solely to... to, to he, for vengeance. That Char died... That char died during like the the fencing duel he had with Amaro. Yeah, yeah, that char. Yeah, that like char. when Amaro stabbed him in the face and he blew off Cassilia's head. That, that char was born. That char was born the day his mother died, and then died at the end of the One Year War. 
And then Quattro is who Char was became during this time. Quattro is who Quattro is who Char fucking transitioned into to clean to, <laughs> to clean up his own mess. His men, his male to male transition. Yeah, like like Dennis, like Ident- identity is complicated. Um, identity is more complicated than pronouns can ever make it seem. So that was everything that was going on on the other side before Amaro starts starts at the at the uh, airport. Yeah. If you want to continue from there, um, and so like you know the the there there's there's a lot of other scenes before the airport, but it's all basically cats just being like Amaro, we should do something, and Amaro's like that's stupid, and then just as soon as they're all about uh, Amaro's acting like Luke in the Last Jedi, yeah, and, and then just before like they're about to see they're about to see like, Amaro's about to see them off, he like. He turns to frown and is like, I have to take, uh, I have to take your son. I'm going, I'm actually, I decided to go, uh, and I'm taking Kotz with me. And I'm going to go take Kotz to go see his yeah, dad. Yeah, 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 that's how he words it. And, and, and everybody just knows what's up. And Kotz is like, Fuck I like how Kika, how Let's and Kika are like, okay, we're coming too. Let's yeah, go. right. They're, they're just ready to, <laughs> they're so ready to get back into their old shit. I'm, I was, mm, there's a, there's a version of this that exists but i i fear for their lives and so then then amuro is like Kata's like no you two have to protect mom yeah. and i like how they call frau mom yeah oh, yeah no like and they call hit the fucking they call frau mom they call Hayato dad like it's like it's real family's real um and and fucking and then like Amro being so like wishy washy and like uh, I don't know like I, my hands are tied my hands are so tied the Federation's watching me so much as soon as he actually decides to be proactive he just fucking like, he goes into the bathroom finds the fucking fire escape just smashes it like smash he knows exactly how much time they have to get out it's like Amro's plan to this escape every day of his life. <laughs> so we'll get ca- to catch back up to that um the last episode and a half the uh. The, we're now we've left the Argama temporarily to be on the Aldumla, this Hayato's gigantic, like giant plane, mm-hmm. like his his in, his plane that's about the size of the yeah. Aldumla. Hayato likes planes. Hayato has his big ass plane, the Aldumla, and that's kind of part two is going to pick up on the Aldumla, but um, they're just getting harassed, but because they're trying to make it to a, a, a location of vague, they're vaguely going across the United the United States, going from. Cheyenne, which I think is in California, to to Kennedy and Florida, up to somewhere called Hickory. Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're talking about the Kennedy Space Station right. or space platform, which it would be in Florida. Yeah, where the United States used to be. Where the United States used to be, because there's no right. nations anymore. It's all the Federation. Yes, my, my favorite line, one of my favorite Zeta lines out of context. And uh, they keep getting harassed by Baran and this new purple-haired lady. The the cyber new type appears. Her name is Rosamia Badam. Yeah, and she's a piece and of work. She's, she's weird. Keeps she has like she keeps alternating between like being really, really intense and kind of afraid. Yeah, she's like she's she's like uh like just like like anxious and then also but then manic. Like she's all over the place. And then she keeps talking about dreams she's having. Um and I like what do we know at this point what the context for her fear of the sky falling is? Is is it something that I'm not interpreting right? It's pretty, it's pretty easy to put together, but I think they spell it out later on. Oh, okay, so it is something later. Because honestly, like with, with with shit like that, with what I know about things going forward, like long game with that, and then with just like everybody, 
everybody trying to convince Char to seize power, and just, like, knowing that Tomino already probably had an outline for Char's counterattack at this point, like, how much of this is, like, dropping, quote-unquote, dropping subtle hints as the meme goes? Yeah, you could you could say that. It's it's I, I'm very excited for us to get, get deeper into yeah. the show cuz Zeta is a fucking masterpiece. So, um during a cl- one of these climactic battles, I like how Hayato is like almost punches Camille and he's like he still has his hand as a fist and he's like I will I will hold back this fist. Yeah, like he 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 pretty much he pretty much starts the conversation with Camille is like give me a good enough reason to not hit you. <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> He's a little shit. He talks his way out of shit. So, uh, during another battle, the, the Mark II and the, uh, and the Hyakushiki go out to fight against the, uh, the, uh, Rizumi is in a Kaplant, and he's in the Asheimer. And just, uh, Camille is, like, not, like, pretty, in a pretty bad situation. He's, like, I think his, uh, Char's rifle, I think it's destroyed. Mm-hmm. So Char has no long-range ability. Like, Camille only has, like, those, those like, pellet rounds. And he can't do any up-close damage. And then suddenly a fucking freight plane just smashes into the Asheimer. I like how Char is like, Amuro, stay back! Wait, Amuro? Yeah, right? Like... <laughs> and then, like, Amuro just, like... Like, I... Part of me was just... Like, I, I was watching this and I was like, yo... Amuro! Amuro... Amuro had a percentage in his head for what his odds of surviving this was, and he was gonna... Because Kotz already dipped. He, he told Kotz to get in the little, like, jetpack thing and go. He was gonna do it no matter what the odds were. <laughs> That's why it's like his... His par- like his his parachute activates and part of... And, and like, part of him was probably a little disappointed. <laughs> Hiro Yui and Zeta Amuro have a lot in common. A little bit. I'm just imagining that scene from Wing when Hiro is like, uh, just undoes his parachute and just eats shit down a mountain. <laughs> I can't wait to do Gundam Wing and crush everybody's dreams because they want us to do Gundam Wing, but not the way we're going to do Gundam Wing. You don't Wing. want us to do Gundam Wing. I, we want to do Gundam I Wing. You do don't that. want yeah, us to. Right, look, hey, look, overall, overall. I will be positive on Gundam Wing, but I, I feel like a lot of people who are positive on Gundam Wing won't be positive on my assessment of it. I think that well, I think we're in alignment there. Yeah. So that's that's where this one ends. Is like um, I, I love Char's face when he's just, he starts like hyperventilating upon seeing Amuro in the Mark II's hand. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's just yeah, like, yeah, oh it's, fuck! It's, it's, it's like a fucking Renaissance painting of like the Hyakushiki and the Mark II and the little tiny Amuro in there, and then the big fucking ship just like comes down behind them. That whole entire scene was reanimated in the movies. God, um, like it's it's sick. It's dope. But yeah, but it's like that, I I love that in the tail end of that like like um like Amuro senses Char and just like really nonchalantly is basically is basically just like fucking get out of my way Char like fucking <laughs> and Char's just like wait what Amuro and 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 then like and then afterwards like when he finally comes out of the pod Amuro's like oh fuck that is Char oh weird I thought I thought I remember talking to Char that was weird at the time but I guess he's here it's so that's that's the first 14 episodes of Zeta. We went through that. We had a lot to talk about. The next two will probably be shorter and the fourth one will probably be as long as this one. Whoops. But uh 
what 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 are your initial thoughts about Zeta? Like you're feeling do you have you figured out what you were negative on the first time or do you think it was just burnout? I I think it was I think it was burnout. I I think it was burnout and I just think like I I think I, I think it was burnout and that my, my expectations were too high and honestly at, at that point I, I feel like I probably wasn't fully acclimated to Tomino's storytelling pacing when he gets when he gets a series. Um I you know, I, I couldn't appreciate it I wouldn't even call it a slow burn, but compared to the, again, compared to when he fires on all cylinders, it can feel that way. Like, you know, like it, it, and it was easy for me for whatever reason. It was easy for me to miss shit because now I am. It might just be like I'm a different fucking person than I was even a handful of years ago. Like in a lot of ways, but um, like I missed, I missed like because I I remember watching it and going like, when are we gonna get to the Zeta Gundam? This show's called Zeta Gundam, um, and, and now you're all about the now, Mark well, two. One now I'm all about the Mark two, but two. Now I'm I'm noticing like I somehow just completely fucking missed any time they talked about the Zeta Gundam before it actually showed up. So now I'm like paying more attention and I'm catching them dropping hints about the Zeta and talking about like because it, it it very much is a progression. It very much is an arc. Because the first hint we get is Camille just being like, "Oh, I designed the Zeta Gundam," and then the second hint is like, "Oh, cool. We we looked at your Zeta Gundam schematics and are using it to help like upgrade the Mark II and whatnot, and we're slowly working out the all of the shit." And it's like, they are making progress. They are making visible progress towards the Zeta Gundam. And me as an audience member is like, instead of like, instead of like, throw, instead of like, you know, being a big baby about the Zeta Gundam not already being here, I'm like getting a hype for the Zeta Gundam. Oh, yeah. I, I feel that big. Uh, second question, uh, probably last topic before we stop. Have you been watching the dub or, or subbed? Um, I was doing some chores around the room today, and I, I needed to get these episodes in the can. So, episode th- some of episode thirteen, some of episode thirteen and fourteen, I listened to the dub, and it was stinky hot garbage. And this is coming from a girl who usually will give dubs more of a pass than most people. I, I am I'm we stand opposed on this where I'm usually anti dub. And not because I hate dubs fundamentally as a concept. I just I, I, I hate what dubs are now and they and they've I, I they've like I was thinking worse. in my head how I would I was thinking in my head about how I how it's just like I was listening to a bit of the dub earlier and I was just like, man, these people aren't like bad actors. They're just given zero direction. They're given zero direction and I feel all. like, you know, I feel like the direction they were given, they were probably like, you know, like well, this is Gundam. This is like a serious story. You have to like everybody's. It's like everybody's super dour and like serious and like trying to be drip. Like everybody has like two inflections that they always are using. Camille always sounds like this. Every time he talks, he sounds like this. Don't call me a new type. Yeah, and it's like they Char always has to sound like this. They care. They they shoot themselves like like modern dubbing shoots itself in the foot so hard because it. This is Hayato. I see no. Pr- I see no problem in addressing it now. It, it prioritizes. It it prioritizes like, cons- like very conservative translation, interpretation, and delivery. Because like, God forbid, God forbid, the dub is its own thing. Like, no, we we have to be. We have to. We have to. We have to translate it as directly as we can. And like, you lose all of the 
flavor. Because at that point, just watch, read it with subtitles. Yeah, because there's... Watch it with subtitles if you want that. Because there's no such if thing. If you want something close... If you do not know Japanese and you want something as close as it is to the Japanese, you are then relying on subtitles. At least you're still hearing the original performances. Ye- Despite if you can't understand them, you don't need to fully understand something to hear to understand a performance. Yeah, like when 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 I got power when, when I got to that scene of Amro and Char like reuniting, I had to go back and turn like I stopped what I was doing. I was like, I'm watching this scene again, and I'm gonna listen to their fucking say you do it because that's where all the weight is. Toru Furia and Tuxedo Mask. And yeah, Storfuria and uh, what's Shuichi? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And and um, and yeah, it it's it's but you you can you know uh, I don't I don't I don't you know more of the language than I do. I barely know any, and it's like I you can still you you hear that power that subtlety because it's like because that's the other thing. It's like again, I think there I think especially at this point in the industry. It's all people who, like, fucking only come from anime, right? It's, like, th- th- nobody understands, like, y- you know who doesn't come from anime? Yoshiyuki Tomino. He has other interests. He, like, th- this show, this show isn't just an anime. This sh- this is a, this is a fucking s- hard sci-fi melodrama. This is, this is a, this is a, tra- would, this is a tragedy. I would tragedy. localize this. I, I would, if I was, like, hey, Devin. You are directing a new dub of 0079, the movie's Zeta, Double Zeta, Charge Counterattack. Like, you are in charge of a new localization attempt at the core Tomino Gundam stuff. Mm-hmm. I would take the same approach as the love localization as, like, as, like, fucking Metal Gear Solid. Yes. Like, that's, I would, I would be liberal with the translation, but still be really true to the, to what the actual meat of the text is, without, without paying too much attention to literally being Hideo Kojima's Trans like cuz 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 at the end of the day translation is another type of adaptation and when you adapt something it cannot be a perfect one to one that is off the table it is impossible you are wasting your time attempting it you must say to yourself what is the purpose of this adaptation who am i speaking to instead of the original audience in its original context and in this case, you are speaking to you are speaking to an American audience, and that doesn't mean you have to change like Amaro's name to like fucking Artie Ray or some shit to Mark. <laughs> um, but it does. Char becomes Chad. But it does mean that like it like uh, like a a Jap uh, like a Japanese audience in the nineteen eighties is gonna respond differently to like certain contexts and and like word choices and inflections and scenes like it it, it has a different meaning to somebody like living in a different country in a different time period if some because when did this dub come out like 2005 yeah no like and 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 it's and it sounds it sounds like a dub from the night from like the early 90s it's and it's but it's even clunkier than that because in the early 90s at the very least they cared a little bit less about getting it perfectly right so they would just like if 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 something didn't translate they would just completely rewrite entire scenes like fuck that that's hard like just make it just write something else write a different joke like fuck it that's what the first two seasons of digimon were Did you know that uh, Char also voices Shanks in One Piece? That's very good. That's good to know. And uh, who who else is he? Who else is he voice? Shuichi Ikeda. He was a uh, Martelluxia in uh, Kingdom Hearts Three. Oh fuck! Wow. 
pink-haired scythe man. That's Char. And he's, uh... Good get... Oh, he was Dogda in the Japanese version of SMT4 Apocalypse. And he's Kite in Hunter x Hunter. (gasps) Oh my god, I need to finish Hunter x Hunter. In the 2011 one. Yeah, 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 no, 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 yeah. Don't, don't worry. The the 90s one does not get up to the Chimera Ant arc, like... That would be fucking wild if it did. What a weird a what a weird alternate history that would be if it Where Hunter Hunter took off like one yeah. piece did. Um and then there's uh he who he also was uh <laughs> he voices a character in Damon X Machina named the Crimson Lord. Oh yeah, no, Amaro Amaro and Char's VAs are both in that. Just like unashamedly Good. like unashamedly like pointing like pointing to mech fans going like hey you like these guys they're in our video game yeah it's yeah. great so uh yeah the, the do- if you are somebody who likes to multitask while you watch stuff I, I know that's not the best way to do things i'm guilty of doing that sometimes too because you really should in like let, let the you should really just focus on the art that you are that you are currently observing but if you absolutely, or if you're busy, it's, or you absolutely have to, there. like, please, 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 you watch as little of the dub as you possibly can. It's there if you need it. The dub will actively ruin this show for you. It's there if you need it. If you know, especially knowing that going in, like t- t- tempering your expectations. If you're the type of person who, for whatever your personal reasons are, cannot fuck with subtitles, understand that you are getting a flawed product, and and that the dub's quality does not reflect the performances of, of the original cast in any way shape or form um uh and, and i hope that you that you find t- time or ways to like either like pick key scenes to watch or just like you know i don't know like the 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 download that i have it's pretty easy to just right click and swap between subs and dubs yeah if you're using vlc or also if you're watching the dub it only uses the original opening sometimes it's very weird yeah, because uh, for some when they released it on DVD back with the because it, it went straight to DVD with the mm-hmm. dub, it never aired anywhere. It was, I think they were trying to air it on Adult Swim or Cartoon Network, but it just didn't work because 0079 got such lukewarm response into on Tsunami. Yeah, which is a shame. And I, I think they would. I they I feel like they could have really pushed Zeta at like a ten o'clock time slot, not fully Adult Swim. Because like yeah, because if you think if you think about it, it really just would have been a Dragon Ball Z situation. Everybody watched Dragon Ball Z in America f- first, and then watched Dragon Ball later. And we just went with it. We just accepted yeah. it. We were just like, okay, this guy's named Goku. He's apparently super cool and important. I also just think, like, even though, like, Zeta isn't, like, I don't think there's anything, like, like there's some gore that you can just kind of, like, obscure oh, for sure. in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in Dragon Ball, but, like, I just think the subject matter is so dark in Zeta that it just wouldn't fly. That's, yeah, that's very, that's very true. It's too real. It's too real, you know, you know. And I do, and I do want to bring this like because I, I, I was thinking about it any time I would like draw, any time I would like draw very blunt comparisons to things currently happening, just because obviously it's on my mind because I can't fucking log onto the internet without being reminded of what a what a hell state we're stuck in. Um, oh yes, I, I do want to say that I am, I am sorry because I, I know that like, it, fucking especially with all of the bullshit going on at the time at, at the very least at the time of this recording hopefully you're hopefully you're some far off future child listening to this like years in the future when we have fucking like p- p- perfect self-automated space communism um but 
for right now, especially with shit going on with, like, you know, the way J.K. Rowling just showed her whole ass and made, like, Harry Potter leave. All the, like, the read-a-different-book meme dynamics, because, like, anytime a politician does something evil, like, everybody comes out of the woodwork. Like, we're Dumbledore's army and this motherfucker's Voldemort. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Um, so, like... Read more than one I book. I do get it. So, like, I, I definitely do get, like, the knee-jerk, uneasy feeling whenever we look at fiction and and want to directly make one, one-to-one analogies with what's actually happening um but also this is this is specifically this is specifically a narrative a fictional narrative that is that is very much one-to-one analogous not with any specific people or times or places but to camille's dad looks like donald trump to the issues of (laughs) to the issues of the military industrial complex and its place globally in 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 the capitalist hellscape we find ourselves like that is what gundam that is what gundam at the very least as a larger world is about narratively and that is that is what we find ourselves in every day and i am very much a i am i am constantly stuck in big picture galaxy brain mode so it's like if i see a through line i'm gonna follow it uh but I, I but I don't I, I I just I just you know obviously I I I can't uh, regulate if, if myself you, on that like if if if, if, you, if anybody if anybody's made uncomfortable at that I totally get it and I hope that uh, I I I just, I just try my best to speak respectfully with that shit. I I just want to say, if you're frustrated right now and scared and uh, mad at everything that's going on right now because trust me i think more than all of us are i think more than half of us are mm-hmm. if not more than three quarters of us are this show is pretty cathartic it's this is if if you are if you have time you're unemployed hopefully getting support from somewhere and you're safe and able to you know afford things you have and you have people suddenly find themselves with a lot more time on their hands 0079 and this are you could there's a lot worse things you could be doing during quarantine right um i think i think if everybody in the world watched zeta gundam we'd live in a better place um and then after you're done watching zeta gundam uh talk to your neighbors do they need anything watch armor trooper vote Tom's yeah right <laughs> at a safe social distance <laughs> get in a zoom call and one two three play on some votoms um but just yeah you know like like be you know fucking be the help like be the help you want to see uh, what does your immediate community need? Uh, see what you can do to help. Give a homeless man a fucking dollar. You were also gonna buy booze with it, you hypocrite. Um, uh, and that's how I feel hey, about Zeta hey, Gundam. Yeah, uh, we have an email. Oh yes, you're right. Oh my god, we do. I completely fucking forgot. And don't worry, I'm already gonna be cutting like an hour out of this episode, don't worry. Good, great, grand. Um... This episode is long, but we're going to cut like an hour out of it. The next two will be shorter. So, yeah, it is from uh, Kenneth Yu. Um, I guess I'll just read it. Uh, Yo, big, big thanks for the podcasts. I've been following you for a while now. You guys got me hooked on Shin Robo figures, you bastards. Uh, th- uh, thank I'm sorry, you. they're expensive. There's a new one coming out, too. <laughs> uh, really love your work. I've been diving into the backlog. It's kept me sane in plague time. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, do keep up the fantastic work. I'd like to ask you, though, did you guys ever put together a Patreon? I've been wondering if there's a way to request an episode about, uh, Chodenji Machin Volts V. Um, 
dude's relatively obs- yeah five. five dude's relatively obscure but he's a massive deal in obscure markets like the philippines where i come from so much that he's the first thing most filipinos think of when they think robot uh volts also ended up being associated with the fight against an actual tyrant way back if you're if you're familiar with ferdinand and uh emilda marcos the story is that they had volts 5 that they had the volts 5 series taken off the air just before the series ended because it was a rebellion liberation tale uh so yeah would love to get you guys' take on the series someday and would gladly support a patreon at a tier that allows for that anyway that's all for me Hope y'all are doing well and staying safe. Here's a photo of my slightly customized Shin Getter and Volts 5 together because the world needs some Tyrant Toppling Getter rays right about now. Um, thank you. This picture is very cool. You've posed them expertly. Can I see it? I have not seen it. Oh, shish. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Download it. Let me, let me see. Let me see. Uh, let me see if this works. Uh, oh, fuck. Hold on. Ah, shit. Oh, fuck. Did you break no. it? But uh, I gotta go to our chat and then just fucking technology. Well, well, while well, you're sending this to me, um, I, I, I would love to do. Oh, those are that's that that's is sick. really cool. That's I really want uh that Sentinel. Uh, is that is that the I don't know is that, if that's the Super Robot Shigoken because that looks like the one I have. I think it's the Super Robot mm-hmm. Shigoken because I have that same Shin Getter. But he uh, he has the tomahawk. I only have the band. I only have the. Uh, I only have the scythe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is that? But if that that also might be the sentinel one. I'm not sure. I want the sentinel one really bad. That volts is badass as well. I am very excited to get to volts. We will get to it because I do really want to do the robot romance trilogy. Mm-hmm. I would want to do it though after we did Combatler. Yeah, 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 yeah. But do not worry. We will get to volts because. After right now we're all, we're trying to just catch Tooch up to Char's counterattack mm-hmm. before November so that we can go from Gundam to, to Ava and then we can start to, and I'm thinking after on November we're going to try to alternate between like 70s and 90s. That yeah, that seems like a good place. Cuz we've been in the 80s for a long time here, so let's let's jump into 90s and 70s. Yeah. Um and, and you know, and, and as for the Patreon stuff, I think that that that's always in our minds. Um, and I think right now it's just a matter of getting to a place where we feel comfortable doing this for long enough. Uh, because once one once we make a Patreon, even if we only have a couple patrons, those are still people we are beholden to, whose whose money we have to be responsible about. And you know, if we set goals, we have to be able to be at a place where we are able to regularly meet them every month. And with everything that's been going on, uh, you know, there's been nothing but unintentional but extremely necessary hiatuses that we're so glad you're all patient about. Um, but we can't run a Patreon and be doing that kind of shit. So we are basically still trying to get all our ducks in a row and get in a place where we feel like we are ready to take things to a professional Commit level. To that. Yeah, and it's like if... If you also are somebody who's interested in a uh, in us having starting a Patreon, I, I'd say like that would definitely help us, us get get in the right mindset to take it to take. Not that we're not taking it seriously, yeah. but it's like you know to make to make sure that with everything else going on, there's and a ne- at least interest with everything else going on in our lives. Like it, it would help make the justification to prioritize it just a little bit more. Yeah. 
Uh, you can reach us at mechtrospective at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you don't feel like emailing us or whatnot, and you just want to tell us you like us, uh, send us an iTunes review. Yes, that helps. Uh, even if you don't use iTunes, make a burner account and just give us five stars because it helps. Um, and we're uh, on Twitter. We'll read your. We'll read you on. We'll read your. Uh, read your review on yeah, there. Yeah, we're yeah we're metro, we're metro on Twitter. Um, I'm not on it a whole lot. I, I I do keep track of it, but obviously you know we haven't done a whole lot lately, so it, things have been a little dead. But hopefully things will pick back up speed. I honestly like like literally just before I sat down to record this, I just had like a fucking I had one of those fucking toilet shitter epiphanies. <laughs> And like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I've been trying so hard to like get. He also has a, he also has a dope ass dope ass little chibi Hellboy. In the um, next to his got next to his Gal Gal. Oh yeah, I did, I did, I did. I remember seeing that he's got a little Gal Gal Gar. Um, but like, um, I I have so many and other disparate uh, projects in my life that are all like various non-starters, and I just can't seem to get the hang of. And it's like, I. For, for, like audio shit like this has been the only thing that i've been able to just sit down and fucking do and like oh same i i I do feel like i do feel like that maybe it's just a sign that like maybe this is i don't see the direct through line with all the other shit i want to do and this but in terms of just like i need to be i i am living my best life when i am like producing content that is meaningful to me um and I do think that I've been like scared of like becoming a podcaster. <laughs> um, so, but I don't know. We, we've been doing this for four and a half hours, and if I had like if I didn't run out of water, I wouldn't want to stop. Uh, <laughs> so I I do think this is something that I'm more than willing to like. Uh, to like be to like be a little more uh, serious about in the future. Well, yeah, it's honestly if if there is if enough people care, right? Um, but yeah, I am I am super looking forward to the rest of Zeta. I'm so glad that I finally fucking sat down and gave this the time of day that I always knew it deserved. But it's just been so fucking hard. We might next week. We're definitely doing doing Zeta. We're gonna be doing episodes fifteen through twenty four. Mm-hmm. And uh, from here, uh, we don't know if we're going to go straight from Zeta 2 to Zeta 3. We'll see how we feel. We might do something small in the middle, like a movie or something. Yeah, I, uh, you know, and again, I, I, I don't I don't know how, I, how I'll feel, but I could see myself just wanting to keep fucking going. But I could also see the other way of it's like, I want to take a break so I don't burn myself out because I love it so much. But we'll see. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much our show. Uh, thank you everybody. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll catch it. We'll, we'll, we'll catch it. We'll catch you next time. Um, at... we'll talk about Hoshizora No Believe next week. <laughs> uh, but top, top five, top five anime ending. Possibly my number one. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Wait, no. Orphan's Tears. Goodbye. We cry at Orphan's. We cry at or we cry at Camille. <laughs> I cry at Doomer Amaro. No, I cry at Frau. That's what I cry at. <laughs>